Good afternoon. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. Wow. Guys, we have a lot to talk about right now. There's, um, I, I think probably the majority of what we talk about today is, is going to be gobbled up by some really important potential news that just came out regarding Yugo Labs and the SEC. Um, so I, as, as we're going through this, I am furiously reading through everything that's being reported on out there, including the releases from Thomson Reuters. But um, Mary Beth, how are you? 
What is up? Good Tuesday to everyone. Mary Beth Salas here. Thank you so much, Carlos Garcia, for being here. I'm super stoked. What up, E-Money? Welcome to When Spaces Tuesdays. Conmigo? Con moi? I guess you should say. Um, No, I'm (laughs) super stoked to be here. So um, this is launching it off, you know, like when law, first of all. Um, But let's just warm up for a second. That was some like good beats right there. Um, Whoever's in Vegas, please don't stay in Vegas for too long. So are you there, Carlos? No, no, I didn't end up going. Uh, There's a lot going on back here at the office, but having plenty of fun, even more fun this morning, because for the past few hours, um, the, the sky is falling in the NFT world um, for some things that could potentially be speculation. Um, so, yeah. Have, have you seen the, the press that's been coming out, Mary Beth, in but regards yeah, to so Yuga Labs? Yeah. To the top. So um, I just wanted to say hello, Pablo, really quickly. Um, hi, are you there, Pablo? Hey, hey, what's up? What's going on? Thanks for having me as always. Introduce yourself because not sure, sure. you. Yeah. What's up? Uh, Pablo Enrique. I am a Web3 attorney uh, working closely with Carlos in the space. Uh, Carlos, uh, he was supposed to lend me his whole like eye gear setup for the Twitter space. He has like a whole studio going on, and I'm still waiting on that. So hopefully, you guys can hear me okay. But what's up? Just wanted to say hi. That's right. Thank you so much. And I want to say, oh, we got some people up in here. What up, Miyagi? Y0, some of my favorite people. What up, Kit Baroness? Um, and want to say hi to Rumble Jacks, Bosephus. What is going on, Mono? Fire Dog, Herb. I see you, Herb, and Shots Fired. What is good? So uh, hold on one second. I was just about to throw someone a co host. Um, but what's good? Yeah, good to see you. So Pablo is also an attorney. What's up, Miyagi? Introduce yourself really quickly for people who don't know you. Hey, hey, Miyagi speaking here. I'm an NFT researcher and blog writer in this space. Uh, came in, been here about a year. Uh, just focused on just documenting and just highlighting real artists, real people, real projects in the space. Um, so appreciate you having me up here. Word. Thank you. Um, so, Carlos. Throw in the comments. Do we even have one of those comment sections right here? No, we don't. So throw up top the case you're talking about and tell us about it. Oh, and e-money. I did not look. I, how did I overlook you? E-money. What's up? Chillin'. Sorry. Twitter just uh, did something I've never seen before. My When I was co-hosting, my mic button turned into a request to speak button. So I was like trying to talk and it was just continuously requesting to speak. Well, you are good now, so let me um, fix some things here. But Carlos, pin something up to the top and tell people what's going on today, because this is what we're. Yeah, absolutely. I'm I'm looking for the best source that I can to pin to the top. I'm kind of uh, hesitant about pinning anything, and I'll tell you guys why really quick. Miyagi, we were just in in a, a space where we were talking about some very very important implications from an alleged. Um, SEC probe into Yuga Labs for two separate and distinct issues. The first is the the Yuga Labs collections that have been deployed so far. So we're talking Board Ape Yacht Club, Mutant Ape Yacht Club, um, Kennel Club, uh, other deeds and codas, whether those themselves are securities and separately, whether the 
the what's contained by the ApeCoin DAO, whether ApeCoin is a security in itself. And and the reason that I'm kind of like, you know, a little hesitant here and, and gun shy to post anything to the top is because we do not have confirmed sources on these and crypto NFT Twitter is going absolutely bonkers right now because there are very, very, very serious implications should the SEC come down and say, Board Ape Yacht Club, you're a security, your NFTs are a security. And remember, guys, that's very, very different than ApeCoin, um, which which may be considered a security. Um, full disclosure, uh, I, you know, have a, a lot invested uh, in um, the Yuga ecosystem. So take what I say with a grain of salt. Uh, also, anything that I say or Pablo says is not legal advice. We are strictly up here talking opinion. Anything that any of our other speakers say should not be taken as financial advice. Again, that's just opinion. But um, I say that. And if I sound sort of uh, somber, it's because there I I can't understate the gravity of the SEC doing a probe into Yuga and and potentially classifying um, the the NFT collections as securities. Again, I, the, the sources are not confirmed. Nobody up here, at least I don't have any ball from the SEC. Um, hold, hold on, to, uh, Oh, I, go I ahead, just, man. Go ahead. Uh, Ira in the group actually just posted out something from CoinDesk. Uh, check your DMs. I send it. I'm, I'm, uh, I guess I'm just too old. I don't know how to pin anything. It doesn't work for me for some reason. Uh, so you can kind of pin it up there and take a look at it. Um, it it's from discussing exactly the issue, right? Whether it's a security or not. Um, and there is an actual uh, comment here that says a spokesperson for Yuga Labs confirmed that it was cooperating with the SEC's probe into the matter. Uh, so it's a short story, but there's something there. Yeah, the, so that's that's one of the articles that we were initially going off of a couple of hours ago, and for the last probably two and a half hours, uh, we've been trying to find a source on that because there's no corresponding SEC press release, nor is there an official release from. And Pablo, yeah. you and I both know that if that's one of our clients, we're saying, hey, don't definitely don't talk to anybody. If you're an sp official spokesperson, this needs to be run up the ladder because uh, the 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 things that could come of this are oh, yeah. are pretty wild. So um yeah. yeah, so Pablo, can you can you kind of touch on what a security is so that you know the, those those of us uh th those that are down there in the audience who maybe aren't super familiar with what creates a security um wh what yeah, sort of elements go into it? Would you mind kicking it off? I'm just doing a little sure, bit. Sure, yeah, yeah. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. Time. No, no. Put, yeah, keep finding those sources. Exactly Let's see if said. we get... Yeah. yeah, so so guys, a security... Again, this is not legal advice, but uh, the basic test for a security comes from a very old case, uh, C.V. Howie, uh, and, and it basically asks this. Is there an investment of money into a common enterprise with the expectation of profits solely based on the efforts of others? Now, there was some guidance put out by the SEC in 2019 that talked about this thing called an active participant and what essential managerial efforts are and, and, and some other nuanced things. Um, but it, it's incredibly important here because if uh, we were to say that, you know, and, and again, ApeCoin, you got to consider that as something separate from this. But if we were to say, hey, uh, 
all Yuga assets, all Yuga NFTs are now to be considered securities. That would have such wide ranging effects. I can't even, I wouldn't even be able to articulate uh, up here on this stage what that would mean. Really quickly. So did you say that managing, you know, whatever the asset is, the effort that goes into managing that plays into what constitutes a security? Can you clarify that? Yeah, yeah. So, so the in 2019, the SEC published some guidance, and they said, well, for that last prong of the test that says expect profits solely based on the efforts of others, well, that's negated if somebody is an active participant, and an active participant is created by participating in the essential managerial efforts, which is it's it's all over the place in case law. Um, you know, I'm sure that it can be argued on both sides whether. Uh, you know, being in a Discord, voting in a DAO, sending out tweets, creating commerce with IP, whether those are essential managerial efforts um, for the appreciation of value for for the the asset. And there's there's a lot of other things that go into it, but um, that's that's what it's referring to. So I wish I could say an essential managerial effort is, and then provide a really clean, concise definition, right. but that that doesn't exist yet. Well, All right. a, a lot of also too, kind of what we've been discussing here, it's that basically like. How do you, how, when the person buys the NFT in the first place, right? When Yuga first was created, they weren't selling ApeCoin and all these other things. They were just selling the NFT, right? Um, and I think it's pretty confirmed that most of the people that I've spoken to that are, that are board ape um, holders have all said, we didn't know this was going to happen. You know, we weren't expecting any type of expectation of profit. We were just buying a pretty cool piece of art. So there's always a, the other argument, right, where it's like, well, how do you how do you prove that there was an actual expectation of profit from the beginning of the purchase? You can't I, in my mind, in my opinion, you can't. Right. Uh, the, I think for me, a lot of the issue where it comes on is to as it progressed, they started selling various products. Right. Basically creating the ape coin, which is why Carlos is mentioning that it, it should be considered like separate. Right then maybe you can, but as far as I'm concerned, the expectation of profit, it, it, it's a required piece as what is a security. And if I'm just buying an NFT from the beginning, well, how do you prove that that was an expectation of profit at that point? So it's a, it goes down a rabbit hole that I think I'm going to just yeah. put myself on pause. <laughs> yeah. There, it, and you can go super deep down the rabbit hole. Um, and I, I want to, get to uh or mary beth if you if you want to get to the hands yeah 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 we'll get to we can start hands. to i'm gonna yeah. go to brando then miyagi then psychonaut brando hey guys um i just honestly wanted to hop in here to say uh you know this is a very very nice face uh super like um positive energy and uh we got some intelligent speakers up here too i mean this is the kind of content that i really look for when I'm uh, joining spaces, so I just wanted to say that first and foremost. Um, I also find it increasingly interesting what's happening at the moment. I think that, um, you know, there's a lot of people right now that are like, oh my God, are NFTs dead? It's like, this is what I've wanted as a founder for so long. And, um, you know, I've had these discussions with some people up on the stage, actually, um, is that there is no framework. It's so difficult to navigate the space as a founder when there is no framework set out uh, to allow us to do that. And so, um, you know, I'm familiar with the Howey test. Um, I, I've read that, a, you know, a billion different times. I've been, uh, you know, showcased that uh, multiple times by my attorneys. And um, I think that uh, this is really going to pave the way for NFTs to actually take that next leap. And I just wanted to say, for one, I'm just extremely excited about it. And the fact that, for one, 
there's not another room in the NFT space on Twitter right now that is sharing this type of content, I would encourage everybody to share out the space because this is the kind of stuff that I live for. I listen to, um, you know, I'm, I'm going to be spending my afternoon here and I would encourage everyone to share this out because this is some very, very, um, you know, high price knowledge for free just because uh, Carlos and Pablo are giving their time. I just think it's uh, amazing what you guys are doing. So shout out to you guys, man. Yeah. And for anyone, thank you so much, Brando, for all that love. We really appreciate that. And definitely y'all follow Pablo and Carlos, uh, no legal advice or financial advice in here per Carlos's mention and pin tweet up at top. Um, so thank you so much, Brando. Miyagi, what's What's up, Mary Beth? Congrats on the 10K. Well deserved. Um, hey, yeah, hey. I, I literally follow Carlos out of that other room because he's, I'll say it in every space, he's my favorite lawyer in this space um, because of just his transparency and his ability Bro, to remain unbiased. No, nah, right Pablo, I haven't, I haven't met you just yet, though. Pablo, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, I haven't really spoke with you. Maybe you'll be my favorite, though, in 30 seconds. You know what I mean? I'm joking. Uh, I'm joking. I'm joking. <laughs> But um, no, nah, I, I really appreciate the ability to remain unbiased, right? Um, I think that's a really big thing in this space. Um, so I appreciate you for that. Now to like sort of unpack this, when when looking at NFTs, because I, I've researched NFTs to see what's a rug, what's not a rug, right? If I'm being honest and to just be like, I don't know if this is like a devcado or if this is just a hot take, every NFT is a rug, essentially, because there's no liquidity pool. So, like, when I see this conversation and then, like, un- trying to understand, well, did What's people buy with the, in- with the intent to make money, it kind of confuses me or it may confuse people because the only – can you guys hear me? Yeah, go ahead. Yes. Okay. The only way you can necessarily make money is if somebody buys it from you for a higher price, right? Um Imagine if the the projects do nothing. So that custodial effort word, that's what got me. Is the community now on the hook? Because they're the ones who built up everything, got all the hype and made the floor price go from 0.005 to 0.3? Because they do a lot of shit for projects, excuse my language. And so now I'm like kind of confused as to who's responsible for all of this. And like, where does that like, yeah, it's really interesting. So I hope that made sense. But um, yeah, that's where I'm at with all of this. A thousand percent. You make sense. Um, you know, speaking to uh, tons of attorneys in this industry, we all kind of <laughs> have the same exact conversation. Right. Uh, and you can kind of argue it in so many different angles. Um, and another piece that I always kind of like add to the conversation when discussing Howie and what is a security these um, this was based on. Case I'm gonna say it was in when this the 40s 1945 46 something 19, like that yeah mm-hmm. right so we're we're just essentially discussing um, a case that is applied towards digital assets before the word digital existed so for me I just can't compute that as to why are we applying this and it's just because that's really all we got um, and I agree with you um, Brando I, when you came up and you kind of spoke. Um, I'm kind of, I am kind of intrigued as, I am very intrigued actually, as to what's going to come out of this, um, because we have been looking for so much guidance, and I'm hoping that this provides the guidance without hurting the space, right? Um, And it's really interesting to see what's going to come out of this, uh, definitely. Yeah, to Brando's too, like, for the founders, um, 
it, it does kind of not only did the bear market put things on pause, but now this puts things on pause too. Um, I was in a few other spaces where literally this this story popped up as a dude was talking about, yeah, we're gonna be giving this back to the holders, and the host was like, yeah, no, you're not. Like just straight up like that because this literally came out. So it it really is an interesting time to be here, uh, for sure, and I love being here at the forefront of it. Yeah, the, and and those are all good points, and I I think um, number one, it's important to get all different sides and different takes on this because um, surely it, it, most of the stuff can be argued either way. Uh, the second thing is that, and this is really important to remember. Again, I really feel like I have to say this is advice before I say what I'm about to say. It's surely not the case that anytime somebody makes money, there's a security involved. Uh, it's just the case that secure, the Securities Act uh, provides frameworks for certain investment contracts that make disclosures about information compulsory. And so, yeah, and, and I agree with you, Pablo. It's like, it's almost absurd to think that Howie is the test that we use for this in some ways. But, you know, the best we can do is take these frameworks and apply them to what we have. And so if you go back and look at things like the 2019 guidance put out by the SEC, it kind of, you know, it touched on some of these things, but there's this other beautiful thing called utility. And in my mind, at least, and this, you know, there's not been a lot of, if any, decisions on this. Um, but in my mind, the concept of utility creates activity, creates um, maybe what's going to be considered a non-monetary incentive, at least within the, the definitions of the Securities Act. So there, there's a lot of different aspects to this. And just remember, you know, as project founders and, uh, and Brando, I'm sure you can appreciate this. Um, if you want to create something where, where people can make money and it not be created a, not be considered a security, um, you can put friction in the way uh, of them and, and the return that they get. And what I mean by that is create little activities for them to do, create little, you know, micro jobs. Uh, for instance, I'll use half baked as an example. Uh, you, you actually actively have to go out and find a partner to contract with ready own a Yuga asset. So boom, you already have a, an, a, an essential managerial effort, uh, probably an active participant. At least that's my analysis of it. And so there's, there's a lot of different facets uh, to, to NFTs. Um, so just important stuff to remember. Hey, I'm going to go to Psychonaut. What's good? What's up, everybody? How are we doing today? Um, I just want to give a little context. So, you know, the way I kind of, first off, I just want to say I'm not a lawyer. This is totally my opinions. I'm just, you know, adding value to this conversation the best I can. Um, really, the way I kind of look at NFTs currently is there's kind of three classes. And sometimes there can be more than one class attached to one NFT. Uh, I see it as, you know, one, the trading card value and just, uh, you know, trading card, just like you trade, you know, baseball cards and they have value just based, you know, opinion or rarity or whatever they decide to make that right. You also have the access point, which is basically just the membership access. And then the other the other one is, you know, unfortunately, what I would consider a security personally is where you're promising monetary value for purchasing this product. And that's really the three classes I want to go with. And that's kind of how I've, you know, navigated through this landscape. Uh, when, when we start talking about, you know, Board Ape, for example, when it started, 
it was not a security at all. There's no even way to consider it one. It was more of a trading card. And then it evolved. And when it evolved, they brought ApeCoin into the mix. And then they acted as if, you know, hey, we're going to drop this. They announced it early. And when they announced it early, it gave those new people entering in an incentive to buy based on monetary value. So the price went up because people wanted to sell. They had so many apes, whatever the case may be. So it allowed entry point for people to buy in to then receive ape coin. It also seemed very organized, um, very planned out and very methodical for everyone who wanted to make a gain off that ape coin. And we saw it with the, you know, you can look back at when it launched and when it went up and when it went down, uh, it looked like a pump and dump, you know, just looking at the chart, it simply looked like a pump and dump and yeah, it's pumped and dumped a couple times, but at the end of the day, you know, people were pumping their bags and dumping them. And so I don't know it, for me, it just, it seems like, you know, I've always had the opinion that you can't do that. You cannot offer these coins with liquidity attached because that risks a potential security threat. And we, we just, we're seeing big, big companies come into this. And there's a reason why they're not attaching that stuff. They're making it all membership access. That's it. And so Starbucks, um, there's some other big companies that have jumped in. It's all just access. And I really don't think that Yuga Labs intended to originally do these things, but as it evolved into something that they didn't want it to, you know, and how, how hell would they know it was going to become this, right? Like no one would have thought that that would happen. And we needed Yuga Labs to happen for NFTs to grow the way it did. It's a huge part of our ecosystem and how we all kind of came into this. So, you know, it's unfortunate the way it went down, but it's really hard to believe that when it goes and if it does go to discovery, that they're not going to find a lot of messages on the back end that do discuss things like this from either holders, potential holders, owners, founders, employees, non-employees. And I'm quoting that because I've heard situations where mods have said, no, I'm just a mod. I'm not an employee and vice versa. Uh, there's been a lot of you know talk around that. So for me and just, you know, looking at this, it's the same thing D gods is doing with dust, you know, and utes. It's all just, uh, it's gotten out of hand. And, and personally, I feel like it's, it's not okay. And, uh, it doesn't make any sense why we, you know, don't just call a spade a spade at this point. Thank you for that. I, I, before we move to the next hand, I want to tell everyone, thank you so much for coming to this space. Um, this is the launch of One Spaces Tuesday. Very honored to be here. Have my co-host, Carlos Garcia. Please go ahead and follow. Give uh, One Spaces some love. Give them a follow because their spaces are about to be popping. Um, also wanted to welcome everyone who just came in here. It is Law Time with Carlos, who has just a vicious fashion show for the space. He tends to change his PFP every few segments. Um, thank you, Pablo for being here as well e-money yeah I, <clears throat> so i actually wanted to chime in a little bit um offhand on some of the you know the the legal ramifications of this are in but i also want to point out that i i don't think that um this coming should be a surprise to anyone uh, and, and this is personal opinion, but girls have routinely shied away from any sort of regulation over this entire industry. 
even seeing it grow as fast as it has uh, to the point that they have turned away um, people from advising on matters regarding the creation of laws if they were holding cryptocurrencies um, because they were not impartial or something, which is weird because if you're holding stocks, you can make financial laws, but not on other assets. Anyway, that's just a side point. This is good for the space, though. Like, we need regulation because even now, like, I literally have three projects that are talking to me that I'm having to tell them, if you're going to offer some sort of coin, you need to have a lawyer involved because the laws on that are different in every country. It's a huge issue. And, like, there's not even consensus on that law here. And I I think that a lot of Americans uh, and a lot of the world look at what's going on in the U.S. and determine how they're going to play their cards accordingly. Um, something happening. Uh, Carl, I think earlier saying that there was never a uh, no enforcement letter sent by Yuga. Is that correct? Oh, sorry. I uh, was fumbling for my mic button. Yeah. W what I was referring to is that uh, there there was no submission for a no action letter to the SEC when when uh, when ApeCoin was launched. And again, just to be a, a couple of things. I know we have some people joining us. So some really, really important things to keep in mind here. Number one, the news that is broken uh, is in regard to an S an alleged SEC pro into Yuga Labs NFTs and separately into ApeCoin. And, and to be clear, they are two different companies. Very important to remember here that, and I'm, I'm constantly monitoring right now, Yuga, uh, the Yuga Twitter accounts uh, and the official sources from the SEC. I have not seen official announcements. This is all captured uh, primarily in a Coindesk article that broke a little bit earlier. Uh, not saying that it's true, not saying that it's not true, but just some good context for you guys to have. So... Carlos, in your opinion, would a company, would it be uh, normal for a company to, uh, you know, not send that letter without uh, knowing that they were supposed to? Um, so a couple of things. Normal, I I don't know. I, I don't know the, the ratio of things that are launched that are later considered securities that that weren't initially considered to be securities um and then knowingly it it you, you walk a fine line when, yeah let me rephrase would i would you in or would it in your opinion would it be wise for a, a company that had the amount of assets that yuga and apecoin dow separately have to send that letter ahead of time unless they were intentionally not sending it yeah that's a, a tough question and and just really quick um i ellie welcome up to the stage uh ellie is another lawyer space very very intelligent uh so please ellie. feel free to hey. yeah what up hey carlos and pablo and everyone yeah, we have three dope attorneys in the space. Again, nothing is legal or financial advice. See the pin tweet up top. Welcome, Ellie. Mm -hmm. And so, Ellie, Pablo, feel free to jump in on this. Um, but I think it's hard to say. I 
I don't know all the facts. I don't know the situation. What I will say is that from an outsider's perspective, if you're a company with a significant amount of resources and you have the legal team to uh, put together a, a, a really good uh, no action letter application, uh, potentially that would be a good way to avoid some issues later on. But there's a lot of other business decisions that go into it, like the potential delay to whatever you're, you're going to offer. Um, you also run the risk of the SEC saying, whoa, 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 this is actually a security. This is actually something that we need to regulate. So it's, it's, it's just as much about um, being strategic with your business moves as it is with the law. By the way, I'm not saying to violate laws. I'm not saying anything like that. I'm just saying that there's a lot of different factors that would be considered in that. Um, Ellie, Pablo, would you agree with that? Yeah, yeah, I, I think, uh, first of all, yes, I agree with you. Uh, no financial advice, no legal advice. We're not telling you to break the law whatsoever. Um, it, it's kind of like you got you to kind of weigh out the business and legal decisions there. And at the end of the day, it's up to the founder. Uh, us as attorneys, we can't, we can come into the company and give you advice. We're a consultant. Uh, we are giving you advice, right? That's what we do. Uh, and yet, at the end of the day, it's up to the founder to decide whether or not to heed that advice and to listen to us and how to really move forward. Um, and the thing is that at that moment, it's a very good question. I'm glad you actually asked it. Um, I don't know enough of the facts that I just don't know. I wasn't in the room there right at that moment in time, but I would definitely um, let them know that you kind of have to weigh it out. Do we have enough money in the company um, to one delay this right like when we do this drop um if we go that route and we go and we notify the sec right then what happens as a result of that well you got to break down this is what's going to happen this is what could happen this is what might happen right this is the possibility of things happening and then um if we don't do this well what are the res the, the the results of this right going down the line and my kind of just quick take on it is maybe that maybe they were just weighing out short term versus long term do we do this now and lose a good amount, a good chunk of money in it? Or do we kind of wait um, until the probe happens later on? And now, I mean, Yuga's in a great position to fight this. You know, uh, they have, uh, you know, bills on bills, racks on racks, right? They can pay people to actually do this. Where at that moment that they were doing the initial um, ape coin, I don't, maybe we wouldn't say the same thing. You know, so it's it's definitely a way uh, kind of a, a way in the scales of between business and legal. And again, um, attorneys, I, I've been in this exact position with a lot of companies and you have to just give the founder as much advice um, from your end and be a good attorney to let them know that. But at the end of the day, it's the founder's decision. It's not the attorney's decision as to how to move forward with it. Thank you. Go oh. ahead, Carlos. Did you have something? Sorry, I just, Ellie, I, I wanted to get your take on it. I, I know it just broke a few hours ago, so I don't know if you've had a, a chance to take a look allegedly is going on. Yeah, we spoke about it a little bit earlier in law line, so not law time, not to be confused, um, in likelihood of confusion for trademark infringement. But um, <clears throat> yeah, so um, I... I don't think this is very surprising. I think that there's probably a lot more projects that have been requested information from them from way before, like earlier in the year. So this is, doesn't really come to a surprise. I think um, I, I'm interested to see how they're treating the ape DAO because they did try to kind of um, distance themselves, like the article mentioned, which is true. And we spoke in, the, in different um, 
spaces, Carlos. Uh, I don't know if you remember back, but a few months back, we used to talk about the structure that they created, how genius it was, because like a multi-layer structure to instance, the DAO from Yuga Labs and as an entity. So they're operating as separate entities. So I'm interested to see how they're going to treat both um, and if they're going to kind of treat them similarly or as one. Um, so that that's my take on it. And, and given that, okay, let's say the SEC comes down and, and rocks it and says, um, I want to take it to a kind of a, another level that, that I kind of asked in the chat. It's like the SEC comes down and says, this is securities. Uh, Yuga is selling, they've been selling securities, pay these fines and let's get this rocking. What kind of recourse, what happens with OpenSea? What happens with the marketplaces? You know, um, do they have to suffer the same amount of fines because they're where you actually sell these alleged securities? Um, and I just kind of wanted to get a quick, I guess, take on that from Carlos and Ellie really quick as to what you guys think um, seen happening there if this ends up being a security. Yeah, I, I mean, you know, ultimately, I think we, we kind of have seen how these things will play out. Um, with what happened with, with Ripple and XRP, uh, they were removed from some centralized exchanges. Yes, you can still get it on, you know, you can get XRP on uphold. There are ways to get it, but um, I think that may happen. But and, and this plays into a couple of other quick points, but very important to remember. Uh, number one, there's this argument that we've talked about. Ellie and Pablo, you know, we've talked about this at length uh, and, and you probably hear it all the time. If I have an offshore, I'm somehow insulated completely that is absolutely not true there there are are ways to um develop jurisdiction if, if there's an offering made to a primarily u.s market uh there are a lot of different things that come in there the question then becomes and, and ellie this goes right back to the corporate structure that we had talked about with uh dividing yuga and and apecoin dow into two separate entities there's there's also this concept called an ultimate beneficial owner and so what that means is, is who's really deriving the benefit from this. There's some case law out there um, that, that kind of shows if it can be traced to a certain source that's going to be benefiting, well, you know, then, then there may be some bigger issues there. Uh, but just some important concepts to remember. Ellie, go ahead. No, I agree with you. I think that for the most part, I mean, everything you've said, we've, we've kind of touched on before as far as the structure goes. Um, but I guess for my take is, and, and we've seen this recently, and I think Telegram was one of the cases that, that they, if you kind of are targeting the U.S. consumers, you're still going to be, have a, the, security, the Security and Exchange Commission is still going to have an arm to reach you. So I guess my question is, are they going to be treated separately and differently since, you know, I mean, no, no I guess not differently, but you get here. And, you know, the foundation is in the Cayman Islands. So what would be procedurally and how are they going to approach both of them? Um, I mean, any of you know, like, I, I really have no idea. Yeah. I'm not a securities attorney. It, for me, this is also kind of a gray area. Um, and I also want to know, like, the implications in the market afterwards. And going back to Pablo's point about the marketplaces, I would think that they would be, uh, have to have some sort of license in order for them to continue selling the NFTs. So does that mean that? all marketplaces even if it's one-to-one -one, or how how would that line be drawn as far as the marketplaces 
Yeah, that's and and sorry, I know we got some hands up, so I'll be very brief with this. Um, I think the sort of how I see this playing out is if they can establish um, un, under the legal frameworks that exist for what a UBO is, that the liabilities, the jurisdiction will definitely attach and essentially they'll, they'll sort of be looked at as one entity. Uh, but surely there's going to be two separate analyses, um, one for the NFT offerings and then one for ApeCoin. And that, that's kind of how I see it playing out. Thank you for that. I do want to go to Momiyagi, then Brando. Uh, Brando was before me. I- I'm or- cool waiting. Okay, thank you, Brando. Uh, <clears throat> sorry, I uh, I blanked on what I was going to ask, but I do have another question. Um, I uh, know a little bit about virtual, um, what are they called? Uh, virtual asset service providers. Do NFTs uh, classify as that? And um, just, uh, I know this is non-legal advice and just trying to... Uh, um, sparked some discussion maybe, but um, in terms of asks when it comes to SEC and, and how he's, uh, you know, together and what the situation is uh, currently. Yeah, I, I don't know off the top of my head. I, I would really have to look more into um, what the, the tests are, what the elements are for a virtual asset service provider. Uh, but duly noted, I, I will take a look at that. I just don't know enough off the top of my head to really give an intelligent answer. Miyagi. Miyagi, you there, bro? Yeah, I am. Oh, if Mary Beth was talking, I can't hear her. Is that what's happening? Oh, yeah, it, it might be. It might be. Damn. Um, yeah, right, it's, I know this has been happening a lot, but go. Okay, he, he'll he'll be right back up. Um, but no, you know, the again, uh, just to kind of reset the room a little bit, because I know there's been quite a few people that joined since we started. Uh, nothing that I say, that Ellie says, that Pablo says, or any other lawyer that gets up here should be considered legal advice. If you need legal advice, go to a licensed professional so that you can get that one-on-one attention it takes to really um, provide a, you know effective advice. Anything that we say up here is also not financial advice, so please don't take it uh, as such. Um, w- with that being said... Please, guys, get your questions out. I know right now it's kind of we're, – we're in the newsroom right now, uh, and, and this is a very uh, 24-hour news cycle sort of thing going on here. Um, I, I have a question for you, Mary Beth, because you do a lot of, of advising. Yeah, can I can hear, hear you. Yep. Okay, great. Yeah. A lot of advising. Um, I, I do have a question for you. So, so you provide um, marketing and, and business strategic advice to a lot of projects out there. Um, how often are you seeing the sort of mention of securities come up as you guys are are developing your strategy for launch? It always comes up. And the only thing I can say to it is that's a wonderful question or inquiry. Now let's hire a lawyer. That's the only response I ever provide because I don't even want to cross that line to be honest with you I don't want to even engage in the conversation because one little thing might freak out you know whether it's true or not true so I'm just like hey let's get that attorney on board absolutely and, and we got Miyagi it always oh, happens because it's it's about the cleanup process people always here's the thing the one piece of advice I do have regarding um you know the uh the law is Try to get your team, you know, worked out straight before you have to clean something up. That's a mess, right? So I'll hand it over to Miyagi. 
Okay, I can hear you. I can hear you. And no, and that's kind of where my question was. Um, it's really like in a thought-provoking way. Um, now that we have in this information, right, if for some reason they did classify NFTs as a as a security or like is there something that founders can learn from this moving forward to avoid this happening? Um, and kind of like to what you had just asked Mary Beth, what are some of the things that are being done now that we do know are securities? Can we say that? I don't guys can answer that. Well, Carlos, Ellie, Pablo, I, I have a comment slash question. Um, I do you think that even being in best practice of just the way, so communication's a huge part of my world, right? What you say, how you say it, whatever you tweet, say in a space verbally, um, but even removing certain words from your everyday vocabulary, including the word investment, investor, investing, um, things like that, right? Yeah, and uh, Pablo, go man, go ahead. Uh, yeah, I would. Th thanks, Carlos. I was just going to say yes. Um, at the end of the day, uh, the, some of the guidance from the SEC though has been more. So that even that doesn't really matter. That what really matters is the action, the underlying action itself. I'm forgetting for it, but no, it's something along those lines, where it's like the under action, the under uh, acting, underlying action itself is what matters more. So although communication is very important, I. I recommend people uh i recommend to clients all the time you know don't go out and saying this is for an investment you're going to make money off of this blah 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 blah. don't do that but at the end of the day it what really matters is the actual action itself um so, so go ahead what's Carla. a simple action to avoid can you give us an example i would say here here's what i would say to a client again not legal advice but this is what i would say to a client if we were having these conversations at a very basic level is this the whole, uh, is this like an overview of the project? Are you enticing somebody to buy your NFT project by promising them they will get some sort of financial gain? And so it's a simple question, but that leads to a ton of other things. Ellie, I don't know if you see it like that or, or if it's that sort of simple of a question just to start with and then get to the other ones. But um, yeah. So um, again, so not a securities attorney. There's probably way smarter people than me in the audience about this topic. But <clears throat> from a personal perspective, I would say that the most important thing in, is that we may actually move towards a place where we're buying PFPs for the actual art. But I don't know if you remember Brian Fry, Carlos, the, <clears throat> he's an absolutely great professor. He also says that art, like physical art, is also potentially a security. I'm torn because if we're moving towards that side of the spectrum, then like physical art could be potentially considered a security because you could potentially buy a painting with the expectation that the painting goes up in price. Like uh, you buy Lisa or whatever, you're expecting it to go up in price. Um, but I don't know that tech is going to move that drastically towards that end. So if we could analogize potentially with physical art, maybe we go in the same direction with NFTs and then we've moved to a place where you're selling the NFT for the art itself, not because it has any, any actual kind of benefit behind it, or you're not, you're not doing it, you know, like you're not investing in a, or not investing, but you're not buying it for other purposes rather than to just admire the actual art. 
Um, but again, that that's kind of a, a, a double-edged sword because then we also have NFTs that could potentially have really great utility, like the ones for like, if you have a PFP connected to like a like entrance to a concert or something like that, then at that point we lose that 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 benefit as well. So I'm kind of torn in this space because I do believe some of what Brian Fry is, uh, the professor says is true, but if if seg moves in that direction, then I think we're all screwed. Yeah, and I, I I have read through some of his pieces. I think that you know, and my take on it is this: um, number one, I, I'm very hesitant to. I I don't like a ton of relation when it comes to to things that are really going to impact the retail investor. I mean, I'm sure there's a great documentary out there on Robinhood and, and GameStop and that whole crazy. Um, you know, issue. And, and so, you know, we're, we're largely a group of retail investors. Um, and so I, I think that we just kind of have to take a very cautious approach to that because you, you surely don't want to make it so that, um, the little guy, so to speak, and I'm using some big ass air quotes here, uh, can't get in and, and turn a profit. The other thing that I think is just an intuitive common sense question when it comes to securities law is, can somebody hide something from you to increase the value? So you, you look at pieces of art. Well, art uh, is largely based on fair market value and what the perceived value is a piece. That's very different than having a company like Apple that relies on tons of different inputs that, that affect their bottom line. Um, they're required to make disclosures because they can't come out, for instance, and say, hey, we're going to have 20 million new iPhones ready to go at the launch of Q4 knowing that they don't have a supplier lined up or anything like that simply to um, you know, blow up the, the value of their project. And I know that there's, some, there, there's things that just run the entire gamut in the NFT space. So I, I think it, I, I'm a fan of intelligent regulation. But again, it's like it's super subjective because I'm sure that there's a dissenting opinion uh, from somebody out there uh, that, that says, we just shouldn't regulate any of this. It's decentralized. You're buying your little monkey JPEG and you can run around happy as hell, right? But um, yeah, it's just, it, it gets into a lot of different sort of philosophical issues um, when we start talking about how to regulate. Go ahead, Mary Beth. Yeah, I'm, I do see hands down there, people requesting to speak. So if we bump you down, please, please, please know that we will always invite you back up. Um, we just have people who might have active questions in the moment. So just wanted to give you a heads up. Also wanted to welcome Squeeze Taxes up here. He is a crypto accountant, just to let everyone know. Always good to see him up here, um, you know, just in case um, any questions arise in aspect and the same disclosures apply to him as well regarding no financial advice. Um, I did see Psychonauts hand up. Psychonaut, are you there? Otherwise, um, if Ellie or Pablo had any other follow-ups, uh, please share. I think we need a securities attorney in this stage <laughs> because um, this is a very complex issue that a really, really good securities attorney would definitely have to go into. Um, even just from my perspective, I think this this is just a very complex issue. Complex issue for sure. Um, but, it, you know, it's one of these things where there's a, and this just kind of goes back to any of the specialties. There, there's only a couple of, of true specialties in the legal world, patents, for instance, that, that require an additional level of expertise. So I'm not saying that that wouldn't be useful. I just think that there's a lot of room for 
um, common sense, but well-informed conversation on it. Um, and, and I think if you get two really good securities attorneys in here, they probably have a lot of the same back and forth that we do. I'm sure it largely depends on which clients you're taking on about the position that you'll, you'll sort of be arguing for. But, um, yeah, good point though. Before we go to the hands, I had a really quick question that came to mind. So, you know, if there's an NFT project out there, right, and you don't promise anything, but at some point, you know, you give them something of value, like whether it's an airdrop or a surprise and that happens to rise in value, the intent was never there. So in, where does that fall? Or if you even drop them a non, uh, what do you call them? Like the ERC-20 tokens, right? If those don't have any value, there's no LP attached. Like if you're giving those and then, okay, start with my first question and then go into the token thing because then I was like, well, what if we can trade in those tokens for NFTs? Is that an issue? Yeah, so um, there's a very complex legal answer to this and it is, it depends. Uh, there's a lot of different circumstances. I know that's a cop-out, okay? I do know that's a cop-out. Um, for, for that sort of question specifically, and, and Ellie and Pablo, feel free to hop in on this, but there's, um, there's situations where it may be considered a security and, and situations where it may not be considered a security. I think that the things that, that we got to remember are the definitions that we have that are already in law and guidance, which is, um, you know, are, is, is there an active participant? Is there some essential managerial effort being put forth to, to get the benefit of the, um, you know, whatever, uh, you know, whatever you'll receive, whether, whether it's crypto or, or, uh, NFTs, you know, what happened. I mean, if sorry, you, I know it's not, it's kind of an unsatisfying answer, but let me be yeah. a little bit more specific. If sorry. I may, Pablo, like if there's no intent there, right. And you're just kind of like woozing your way through the NFT world. And then you have a group of anonymous whales who get together and somehow create some environment or atmosphere to give value to NFTs. I mean, how does that work? Well, let's kind of like go back to the definition of, of what the Supreme Court established is an investment, an investment contract, right? It's been a money in a common enterprise with the re, with an expectation of profit to be derived from the effort of others, right? Let's just kind of start with that. And it's like you could, and again, not legal advice. I don't know. It depends. Uh, Carlos is 100% right. This is a favorite legal answer because it's the truth. It depends. But I can also see some sort of avenue to argue, well, what was the expectation of profit? It was it was almost like a gift kind of, right, that it was just dropped in there. Um, when you got into the project, you didn't expect it. You didn't expect that you were going to receive that. So how can you say that it's an expectation of profit when it literally was just a surprise? Um, so there's maybe a way to make an argument for that, but again, I'm sure there's attorneys that can argue against that as well too. So I, it just, it really depends, you know, Carlos, Ellie. Uh, no, oh, go ahead. Ahead. no ma'am, you, you go ahead. I was just going to say, yeah, it, it depends and co-sign it, but I'd, I'd love to hear your put on it. No, I think Carlos, you should probably read the definition of the actual, what like the securities, because uh, in this in this term, like we're the the way that we're defining NFTs is like as an investment contract, and then that's how we go into it, how we test. But like, if if you're even if you were doing that and there's no intent, and I don't know if that intent is even like a one of the requirements for it. It's just did did it happen? It's like uh, did did you actually provide an expectation of profit, whether you intended to or not? I don't know. Those you may know more about the actual 
um, legal standard for it, but is intent part of the query that you go through determining whether that investment contract, whether that investment vehicle, um, or creating the expectation by promises. If that makes any sense. I, yeah. And it's more of a question because yeah. I don't know. I'm Again, yeah. I'm not a security attorney and I think that we have some really good attorneys that could come up on stage and actually, like, Ira, you're on stage. Uh, I mean, you're in, in the... Oh, yeah, yeah. It, and the audience yeah, no, would be you, great too because we we have questions. We don't have answers. At least I, I have more questions than answers. No, definitely. Uh, that's why these spaces are so good uh, because we leave with the questions that we absolutely need to answer ourselves. So... Uh, Mary Beth, I, I know we got a lot of people requesting um, specifically if, if we could fit Ira up here. That That'd would be, be great. great. Ira in there? Yeah, he is. Yeah. There you he will are. be the person to speak with because, um, yeah, and I'll come down if you need to bring someone out. Like, I'll, I'll stay on my lane, which is IP. <laughs> I'll let the, the sec people speak sec. I'm going to drop down, you guys. I just appreciate the, the, the discourse. And, um, you know, this is a great space. So shout out to everybody on the panel. Appreciate you. Awesome. Thank you so much. Um, we'll get Ira up here if you're down for it. So good to see you. Um, and for anyone who just came in, we're talking a little bit about yoga, a lot of bit about law, and a lot of answers that start with the words, it depends. I do want to go in order of hands. Uh, stake my claim, then Cryptopedia, stake my claim. Thank you very much. Good evening. Um... I'm a European retail investor, uh, quote unquote, uh, little guy, so to speak. Uh, and I'm not uh, really interested in, in APE in the regards of uh, the NFTs that they provide. However, I have been following the SEC in regards to Ripple, Dragon Chain, Library, and uh, the Wahi court case. And I'll be paying attention to this court case as well. Um I think that there is a common denominator between all these cases, what the SEC is doing. So maybe that is not really a question, but actually an answer for a question that hasn't been raised yet um, on what to make of this and where do you stand and where does it position itself as a project towards what the SEC wants, if anyone would be interested in hearing that. Yeah, what's your take on it, brother? Well... Uh, the short story is that it seems to be a government sign of approval for doing business because Gary Gensler has said on uh, various interviews what he plans to do with this space, but you have to just piece the puzzle together, so to speak. He had a brilliant interview with John Stewart on Apple TV explaining that they lack the funds to basically regulate every single token individually. So they have to be tactical, strategical in where they file their claims and what type of claims they file in order to create some sort of litigation or jurisprudence for the European regulation of the American regulation of the of the digital assets market. Uh, in Europe, we have the MICA regulation. Uh, Gary Gensler also stated with numerous visits to the European Commission and vice versa, the European Commission visiting the SEC that they want the same regulation and legislation in the U.S. as they have in Europe to basically uh, put the burden of KYC, of anti-money laundering, of uh, trading uh, digital assets, uh, privacy legislation, On uh, that burden has to fall on the exchanges. Gary Gensler also stated that every exchange that wants to trade crypto or digital assets in the U.S. has to be compliant with the SEC. 
And if you look at the various court cases, it seems that they choose those projects because they represent a big chunk of how the market has to be regulated. Um, and there's also the CFTC, which is for commodities. Um, and Europe, micro-regulation also has legislation on utility tokens, which the U.S. doesn't have. So it seems to be that that's a part of the discussion as well that I just, just heard mentioning with art. Is art a security or is it a utility? That utility legislation isn't there yet. Uh, you'd have to go to the Ripple court case for that and the SEC versus the Wahi court case for that. And it basically, uh, in the Wahi court case, there is a, a, a very interesting conundrum happening that there is some sort of rule by decree um, because there, there is a, an insider trading court case going on versus the three members of Coinbase, but you can also only do insider trading if you're dealing in securities. And there are nine tokens listed from ERC-20, and there is one LCX exchange token listed, but they aren't listed as defendants. So if Wahi loses the court case, those tokens will be listed as, an, uh, as a security. That's at least uh, a difficulty perhaps for the ERC-20 tokens. But I want to go with CX token, which is an exchange in Liechtenstein in Europe, which is the only MICA compliant exchange in Europe. It's even ahead of that from in regards to Binance. They've been legally since 2018. And it's the only uh, compliant exchange globally that kind of means something. And they've put forth uh, a law based on utility tokens with the CFTC commissioner uh, about a month ago. And it seems that that's the direction that this market in the U.S. is going for to determine what is a security and what is a utility. And regardless of that outcome, um, the tokens listed in those court cases will have a settlement, which means that they'll be listed first uh, in, in, how to, in what you can trade as a retail investor whatever exchange will be first in the U.S. as well, whether that's LCX or Binance. So I think it's um, not so much the question, will it be a security or utility, but more open up the champagne because it turns out that you're getting a first seat at the table if this whole court case goes through. And I'll, I'll, my question would be who to follow in this, to follow this on foot. Yeah, I would uh, start by following the SEC's Twitter page. Uh -huh. If you're, if you're not already doing so, but look, um, yeah, all do. good points. And yeah, that, that's a good one. Um, all, all good points. Uh, even better uh, to have a reminder that this is a very global um, uh, industry. So it's not, it's not that the U S laws are always going to be, um, you know, the, the pinnacle of all legal systems. Uh, surely those of us in the U.S. have to abide by those laws and, and some outside of the U.S. Uh, if they're availing themselves to the American market. But uh, good points. Thank you for, uh, for sharing your opinion. Thank you so much. Uh, next was Cryptopedia. Cryptopedia, what's good? You there? I am here. Awesome. So I, I heard the first mention of the CFTC uh, there, which is kind of what I wanted to bring up in this. I, I haven't heard anybody talk about um, what Kristen uh, Gillibrand and uh, Cynthia Loomis are working on, the Responsible Financial Innovation Act. Um, I, 
I think the point there is to kind of erase this entire discussion that we're having and make it much, much more simple in the digital asset world to figure out what a uh, what's a commodity and what's a security. And, and really to make that dividing line is that in the digital asset world that a security is going to provide you ownership interest in whatever that uh, joint thing is. Um, yeah, you, I think ahead. you bring up a good point with Gillibrand bill uh, and some other proposed legislation that, and, and this is, I'll push back on it just a little because I think if you, if you really read between the lines of the bill, if you read the bill itself, w- what I got from it is that, um, everything's probably a commodity unless it's a security. And, and I don't know, at least from my standpoint, that it's enough uh, in terms of providing those finite guidelines that, that you would really want to see. Um, and look, the reality is that we, as, as lawyers, we have to advise people on a daily basis operating in this gray space for a lot of different facets. Um, Ellie does a lot of IP. Uh, Ellie, would you agree that there are some unsettled issues in intellectual property law that you have to, to operate in this gray space with? Yeah, most of it right now. As it applies to NFTs, yeah. Yeah, and, 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 and it's the same with, with securities. It's the same with, uh, to, to some extent, commodities. So um, points well taken, definitely. I think as we see time go on, there's going to be more and more proposals. Uh, a lot of people are going to take more interest Um but again, you know, I, I think uh, it's it's going to be exciting to see how it pans out. For now, we're dealt with this gray area. And really quick, um, and I know we're going to go around to hands, uh, but quick shout out to uh, Shekinah, another one of our uh, law homies. Uh, she's been an OG in the space for, for quite a while. So um, definitely, Shekinah, as you hear us conversing about all these different legal issues, please feel free to chime in and, and give your input. We'd really appreciate it. Yes. Yeah, no, go ahead. No, no, no. It's like no problem. I mean, the, the crazy thing is I've, I was attending um, the it's DC fin, FinTech Week. And so I was attending the talk with a lot of the regulators. Um, and I mean, the best talk that I the talk I enjoyed the most was, of course, with the DOJ, uh, the head of the National uh, Cryptocurrency what is it, Enforcement Task Force. <laughs> so... It, 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 with the news of you, you know, coming out and then obviously with Bitrix, you know, with that, gosh, that $29 million fine for violating sanctions, um, it's been one heck of a day and I love it. You know, the, the legal nerd in, in, in us all loves it. But um, one question I kind of wanted, wanted to throw out there to see what your thoughts were. Do you think um, with, I don't know, with the other side, uh, and 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 with with Yuga Labs, do you think they would ever have to like apply for like a money transmitter, like license point holds a value, and you can turn that and you can cash that out into real dollars? Like, what are your thoughts like uh, around that? If you have any, you know, honestly, I'm yeah, I I um. I don't have any that I think are intelligent enough to present here. I'm just not familiar enough with it. Um, but I, what I do know is that Yuga Labs, and, and again, it's all speculation right now what's going on. I haven't seen an official source. Shekinah, I don't know if you've seen the announcement today uh, about the, the SEC probes into both the NFTs uh, and into ApeCoin. 
uh, all, all I can say is that there's probably going to be some regulation and, and my guess is that it's going to happen um, w- with some of these more well-known projects. I think I could be wrong, but that's, I, I wish I had a better answer than that. Um, but again, just this, this really wide gray areas, uh, sometimes unpredictable. I, I think yeah. also Carlos said it kind of go with the gray area that we're in, in this space. Cause I've been, like furiously searching every single version of SCC Yuga release from some official source. Um, I, I don't see nothing from the SCC. I don't from Yuga. So I'm not saying that it's fake or, you know, but I don't see any actual documentation other than maybe what was leaked. Um, well, yeah. So- yeah. The Bloomberg yeah. article said that there's a spokes- they spoke to, or they, they allegedly, they, they have a spokesperson who kind of, uh, I guess, accepted the fact that they did have a probe but it seems to yeah. me that just a request for information and there there's nothing else then other than that, or that's the no, that, that they, they kind yeah of that's what to. i'm saying we, we spoke about that earlier because i said the same thing to carlos i said well it says here that they spoke to somebody but yet there's nothing from the scc website or even you so we i don't you know i don't know what well, because there's no decision it's probably Ex- a request for information it's internal w- 100%. I'm going to like back everything that Ellie just said because like I've I've seen this happen before. Well, number one with this Yuga thing, someone uh, obviously you you won't know who because I never have all my clients on my Twitter profile, but um someone that I'm working with as a client and we were just kind of talking around just legal issues and 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 you know to, to help this client out and they mentioned that something with Yuga and the SEC would be coming down. Um, and, 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 and so it's, I, I heard it and I was like, that's probably true, but whatever. And so it's interesting to see it now, but yeah, no, I completely agree with El, with Ellie saying, I truly think it's just a, it's just questions. Like I had this happen with a client like earlier this year where, yeah, they said some silly stuff before they hired illegal, um, to the press. And then obviously SEC got wind of it and sent them, yeah, just, yeah, uh, inquiries. And then we obviously hired um, a firm that is, is yeah, uh, yeah, really good or, or really good in this area. And they, yeah, responded to the questions. And we just, we kept going back and forth for about three to four months answering their questions. And then, they, and then the SEC kind of just went away and they didn't follow up you know, on, on anything, but, you know, they seem to want to just get a really good understanding of what uh, we were doing, um, what was going on with tokens, what was going on with the DAO, what was going on with, with this, what was going on with that, what was going on with the NFTs. And so I imagine it's that. And then I also feel like, you know, it's the SEC also flexing its muscles because, I mean, think about like, oh my God, they were so happy with the whole Kim Kardashian thing, you know, <laughs> like just really going huge public you know like would release on that and then about the whole and then you we saw them what like a few weeks ago trying to argue with the with the nodes so it's just like like i feel like some of it is just them trying to also mark their territory and also you know call out your bigger projects to kind of like i don't know like this is not legal advice or anything but just my feeling just I don't want to say squash or, or innovation, but kind of make, you know, this growing, you know, environment of innovation kind of submit to their idea of what the rule of law is. Um, but just to let you know, just from listening at the, um, 
the the deep week because there are a lot of regulators there like one of the regulators like did say like they expect something to come out like next year around like just some type of like regulation so maybe it's next year um maybe it's not the end of this year because of midterms but i i, I don't think it's a big i i if i don't think it's a big thing with yuka and i imagine it, it's probably been going on for at least a couple months and and somewhere it just got leaked so. Well, let, let me uh, let me kind of jump back to that then from like the business standpoint. Uh, and Mary Beth, I, I want to ask you, because this is really your lane as opposed to all the attorneys up here. Um, from a business perspective, right, once an issue, once something like this comes out, Yuga, you're representing Yuga, right? You're working with Yuga, sorry, not representing. You're working with Yuga. Um, well, how would you kind of handle this? Do you basically tell Yuga, stay quiet, don't say anything? Or do you say, look, let's kind of just drop a, a kind of really simple press release um, and just leave it at that? Because when I'm looking at the actual, um, you know, the coin, the value of ApeCoin, it's dropped. So, I mean, me, I, like I get I understand the legal perspective as to like, well, the SEC is going to stay quiet on it. We should probably stay quiet on it. But as a bit from the business standpoint, you kind of have some sort of you got to do kind of something. And it doesn't necessarily mean that fully explain everything. Um, but. Uh, a more than a sentence, I think, would kind of help. Um, also, I've been seeing a couple of tweets. I don't know how true it is that uh, that some of the Yuga holders are are selling off some of their apes already, too. You know, so mm-hmm. Mary Beth, like, what do you, what do you think? Yeah, yeah, great question. Thank you, Pablo. So, um, for anyone who doesn't know, my background has been hardcore public relations, uh, mostly to individuals, sometimes brands, organizations, other types of communities. And I will say, very quickly, um, it would be. The, the emergency calls to um, the comms team, the leadership executive C-level board, as well as legal. It's no one says anything, responds to anything, uh, says anything publicly, don't even respond to employees. Um, and then we get emergency war room. That's what would happen. And then from there, it would be like, okay, legal, what's your stance? Um, comms, we'd have to figure out, okay, we have to do something with our own community members, which ultimately means something on Twitter, even if it's a sentence or two, just about how we're um, dealing with the situation, right? That's that's a response in itself. Um, and that's basically buying time to, you know, it, it goes back to legal. It's a big comms between legal thing. Thank you. Appreciate that. Yeah, of course. We have a ton of hands. Um, I wanted to give a moment to squeeze taxes. Would love any insight on this. Then I'll go to Leslie, uh, Project 1010, Immersed, and then Drew and E-Money. So uh, squeeze. Hey, guys. Uh, thanks for having me here. I don't really have much to say in particular. Part of me wants to put a tinfoil hat on right now because I have a bit of conspiracies on the potential involvement in this, but I'm not going to do that. This is not a conspiracy space. But I do have a question to all of the um, attorneys that are in the space, and it's regarding a statement in which I saw a lawyer make. Hold on one second. I'm trying to find it. I just had it. Uh, It's regards to the XRP case. Um, which seems that it's going to be applicable here. Uh, let me see if I can find that. Oh, I just had it. My apologies. I'm going to actually mute myself, um, and when I find that, I'll bring it back up. Cool. No problem. Thank you. 
Um, I said, did I say 1010 or immerse next? 1010? Immerse? You said Leslie. Leslie. And then me. Hi, Leslie. Hello, hello, my wonderful people. I do have a question for my attorneys. I understand that this is not um, legal advice, more of a recommendation. So when people are building small projects, you know, there's a lot of companies that are coming into this playing field, specifically marketing type, where you are able to explore digital assets, elevate your investment experience by combining data across marketplaces, metaverse, games, chains, enabling communities to continue expanding into the ecosystem, and you're able to move faster and make more money on um, certain platforms. Now, also as part of, of partnering with these companies for marketing purposes, your holders are able to also become an affiliate of your project and a link is created for them where they're able to promote and advertise and you are able to set an amount that if anybody clicks on that link purchases an nft based on that affiliate you're able to compensate them in the back end or they're able to earn while you're earning as well so at that point is it recommended to seek counsel before you embark in becoming you know part of that platform Um, I'll, I'll jump on the sword here. Um, I kind of always give the, um, the general advice and I, this is not a cop, but I promise you, I always give the general advice that if you're embarking on really any type of new job or journey or something like that, where you're expecting to, to, to earn a good amount of income, right. Um, I would necessarily think that you need to really have a deep look as to what you're signing up for, right? If there's no contracts, is there nothing, you're not agreeing to anything, that's, well, I, I personally wouldn't do that. Um, if there is some sort of agreement that you have to sign and actually look over it, um, yes, it would help to have an attorney look over it. If you read it as you read through this agreement and you don't understand what you're reading, right? Um, and if it's too complicated, if it's too... Um, much legalese, then definitely bring an attorney on uh, to have a look at it, right? Because especially in this um, in this specific space, uh, we just don't know the direction that we're going in, honestly, with a lot of where legally it's going as of yet. And um, I always just say that with any major decision in life, you want to have that agreement kind of tight as you possibly can. So it, it really, again, it depends. Uh, I hate to say that, but it does depend on how the level of comfort for you, right, walking into this. Um, if you're if you just have that gut feeling that it's just not right, then, yeah, have an attorney look over it. If you read over it and if there is agreement in the first place and you read over it and it's not that difficult and you get it and it's clear as day, then I really wouldn't say there's much to worry about. Um, so I don't know if that really answered the question, but uh, that's the best answer that I can kind of give to you. Anyone else? Dope. I'm gonna go to ten ten and immersed. Oh, squeeze. You you're back. You're back. Yeah, I uh, I found the quote. It's from John Deaton. He's the founder of CryptoLaw.com. He made a comment. He resurfaced a comment he made. Uh, he two weeks ago a comment he made about the XRP case. He says if holders of XRP maintain their XRP on an exchange such as Coinbase, Kraken, Uphold, XRP holders can conver convert XRP into ETH, BTC, yada, yada, or it, 
or many other cryptocurrencies. This factor alone takes XRP out of the classification of a security under Howey. And Howey and its progeny investors didn't have possession or in control of its oranges or the beavers to sell. And they certainly couldn't convert the oranges to apples. I'd like to get thoughts on or comments on that. Carlos, why don't you take that one? Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm actually going to go through and read it again really quick. My apologies. Uh, give me just a couple of seconds. Did you pin that to the top, Squeeze? It's pinned. Okay, perfect. Uh, Ellie, you want to tap dance, Shekinah, uh, for just a second? Let me take a look at this, and then I'll, I'll gladly comment. Everyone, check up the pin tweet up top that uh, Squeeze re was referring to uh, just now. Welcome to everyone who came into One Spaces. Please give One Spaces a follow, as well as your host, co-hosts, and amazing speakers. Thank you so much to Carlos Garcia, Ellie, and Pablo who have taken time to have this amazing discourse with us. Um, tap dance over, Carlos, Pablo, Ellie. You know, I'm not sure. I think we're all reading it again. I think we're all reading it again. Yeah, like. I, yeah. I'm, I'm reading this and I mean, what I would say is I know he, po he posts a lot of stuff around like XRP. So I, I kind of would take it in with a grain of salt until there's resolution in, in, in that case. And until you hear something from the actual exchanges of what to do, like that's my best take on it. Cause I mean, he is very pro. That's almost all he posts about. I feel like it's XRP in, in that case. So. Yeah, that's my two cents. I, I I would agree to that. I've seen a couple of his his tweets, um, and, and sounds like there's some sort of vested interest. Uh, I'm just going to leave it at that and kind of move on. I'll I'll just say this. I don't know that possession and control really changes anything because if you think about like syndications for real estate, you don't have possession and control over the asset. Um, I would I would think that you have like title to like you're entitled to the the proceeds from the actual asset that is generated, like whatever the asset is generating so those profits, but you don't actually have possession and control over those shares. And even so, like um, some of those, well, again, these are registered securities, so you have a locked in period, so like you can't really trade your your interest in that that specific syndication. So um, I don't know that 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 takes it completely away from the securities how we test. That's personal opinion. Not sure if that's uh, what everyone else thinks. Thank yeah, just it, I think it's just tongue in cheek. Oh, sorry, Mary Beth, go ahead. No, go ahead. I, I just I think it's tongue in cheek, um, but yeah, that that that's all. Uh, I know we've had a couple of hands up for a while too. Yep. So thank you guys so much for bearing with us, talking about a lot of interesting stuff. We have a lot of really intelligent people up here. Just to reset the room a little bit. Um, there's a few lawyers up here. If you hear anything that, that I say, that Ellie says, that Pablo says, that Shekinah says, it is not legal advice. We're just up here talking opinion. We're talking about some current news. Um, and if you do need legal advice, you should definitely have a one-on-one -on -one meeting with an attorney. That knows, that specializes in the area that you're asking the question. <laughs> so don't come yes. to me about securities. Don't come to me about securities. That's what Same. I'll say. Don't. No, but if you want jacket, definitely go to Shekinah. I've seen you. Wow, you got us some amazing stuff. <laughs> awesome. Thank you. I want to go to uh, 1010. 
Thank you, Mary Beth. First and foremost, I have to say your temp dancing skills are amazing. First and foremost. Um, secondly, <laughs> secondly, I do want to start by saying, one, I have not practiced law, I have not studied law, anything and everything that I say is not financial or legal advice whatsoever. Um, but my biggest concern with the SE and their overreach, not just through the library case, the XRP case, now the Yuga Lab case. And I say this because if we reference back the library case, there was a part in it there that they, the SEC actually made a motion that utility didn't matter. If there was just one person that had the expectation of a financial benefit, that in itself would trigger the, the Howey test and consider, be considered a security. And secondly, there, there's more than just a Howey test that would determine a security. We would also need to take a look at the Reeves test, which is more of a note in itself. But my main thing is, at least for me, my personal opinion would be that right now they're trying to stake claim to regulations that they should be the ones in charge. Um, and it's just regulation by enforcement, which does not give any type of legal clarity. So we're all in this limbo state where, at least for me, I would say don't ever like if you're building something don't don't make any type of promises of equity or ownership or like i wouldn't even cons call anybody who puts any type of whether it's fungible or non-fungible token an investor because that is the wrong terminology and that in itself can put you in the crosshairs for the sec like your community members they're backers and whether you are doing a project that is kind of like a kickstarter well kickstarter has like they have their own regulations to go abide by it, and you have to also abide by those rules if that's what you're trying to fund your business with or if you're doing it like a sweepstakes, there's sweepstakes regulations that you also have to abide by. One of them is people would be able to participate without any type of purchases necessary, at least in the United States. So like verbiage in this space, in the Web3 space, because of the uncertainty of the regulations, we have to be very cautious and tread water very, very lightly just because anything that we can we say can and will be used against us in the court of law. <laughs> so definitely be careful with what we say. And the last thing is when, when it comes down to the, you know, should we say anything, should we not say anything, at least the way that I've seen the SEC play out has been, oh, no, you're okay, you're okay. And then they wait until like the midnight hour on the last day to then go ahead and file suit. So... It, it, you really never know if they're actually looking into you to, to enforce or just look at you, which to me, if they're looking into you, they're going to eventually enforce personally. So three things on that really quick, uh, very quickly before we get to the hands. Number one, uh, number one and number two, actually, I think one point. Uh, me and Ellie kind of discussed this some time ago, right? Um, has And Ellie, maybe you can update me on it. Since we've last spoken about, have you seen any type of Discord chats um, that have ended up in discovery or any Twitter spaces, recorded Twitter spaces that have ended up in discovery. Um, really quickly as a question to that, right? Because it's very interesting to me. The third thing is that we have gotten breaking news. We got a tweet from Gordon Garner, right? One of the founders of Yuga. He says, GM, good morning. So that's about it. E Ellie, can you, uh, can, can you drop uh, a little bit of that? Um, I just want to let you know that legit, I just typed out in a Discord saying, 
never, ever, ever shall anyone on the team use any of these words. And that just came out of your mouth, Pablo. So weird. <laughs> Sorry, Ellie. Go ahead. Guys, well, I just want to hop on this breaking news. Go ahead. No, if you read between the lines, them is an affirmative statement that Yuga is. I'm just kidding. Go, go ahead, Ellie. Oh Here my God! I cannot. Here we go. Here we go. Um. So yeah, no, nothing yet. But I expect that. I, I, if I was on on either side of any kind of litigation, I would definitely be subpoenaing uh, the uh, records from the Discord, and that's why I always said it from the beginning. And Carlos, I remember at the beginning of the year we were advising people to just be very careful what was um under Discord, so we read through everything. Um, with clients so that we would read through like what the disclaimers were, what the actual um, descriptions they were having for each of the channels, making sure that the, 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 even the titles of the channels were not really insinuating any kind of like, uh, you know, promise. Um, but yeah, I, I still haven't seen that yet, but I want to see it because I think it's going to really make it kind of clear that, you know, <laughs> it would be interesting. Let's just put it that way. Um. I, I agree with you 100%. Uh, um, for those that don't know, I'm also a retired cop from New York. I uh, kind of dropped that bomb out of nowhere, right? Um, and in, in the actual, um, the actual like, manual, let's say, of the police department, when they give it to you, they basically tell you, uh, when I went on anyway, that you cannot actually post pictures of yourself in uniform on social media. Otherwise, you would definitely get penalized um, under the procedures and policies of the police department. And I, that kind of always stuck with me um, when I deal with clients today where social media is way more active than it was 15, 20 years ago when I became a cop. And um, basically, you know, anything you put on the internet, uh, it's pretty much achievable. <laughs> so be very careful. And I'll just leave it at that. Thanks, Ellie. To, to specifically address the, uh, the question about the Discord messages and, and social media being used in cases, um, there definitely are uh, situations. Uh, I, I don't know if you guys remember what happened with Frosties. I think that was the Eastern District of New York. Um, the, the U.S. attorney there brought criminal charges against them. And in the actual complaint, they had screenshots from the Discord messages. I think it was a, an IRS agent that had infiltrated them and, and started conversing with them. And uh, side note, Ellie, you, you may remember this from way back in the day, way back in the far-fetched labs day. We did uh, submit as evidence Discord messages between us uh, and another party uh, during that case. So I think that they are probably going to be, th those things are going to be coming up. And guys, look, here's a quick takeaway for everybody in here. Not legal advice. This is this is a, a, a just practical common sense. Guys, go ahead and assume that and you put into a Discord message, into a Twitter DM, and just out there conversing with people. Go ahead and, and for the most part, assume that it's going to be in the public record. And surely, if you're in spaces talking about things, and I hear this all the time, Ellie, you, I, Pablo, Shekinah, you probably see this all the time too. We're in Twitter spaces and people are talking way, way too much. Uh, and just go ahead and consider that as, as out there in the public ether, no pun intended, and, and probably fair game. And it, I think most importantly, if you are in litigation or any kind of dispute, do not go in spaces, please, for the love of God, just save yourself the drama, please. We've seen that too many times. I'm like, where Great are point. their lawyers? Great please. point. Um, yeah, that's happened often too many times. 
Awesome. I want to go to our next hand who was immersed. Are you up here immersed? Uh, I am. Can you hear me? Yeah, go ahead. Uh, Well, thank you guys so much for hosting this space. Uh, I think it's vital for the entire NFT community being that we've been collecting this stuff for God knows how long. Um, And and I think uh, what couple questions one question is holders do like in this sense like if if yuga is in violation of of any of this stuff um i guess what's what's maybe the worst case best case for the creator and the holders are holders in are, are the holders liable at all do we have to worry about anything um are the creators obviously creators f- followed a lot of like the yuga playbook um so they've you know, really taking a lot of cues from them. So if they're in violation, then probably, let's say 90% of other, you know, NFT projects are also in violation, especially the ones that have been focused on the PFP uh, vertical. So um, I think those are the main questions. I, my, my specific, like my thought goes to all these companies are, at least Yuga is a VC backed company with, investment of hundreds of millions of dollars i'd be surprised if their their lawyers didn't foresee this and didn't foresee the sec coming after them um so i i really don't necessarily know if this will go anywhere but obviously if it does there's a lot of harm that be, can be caused to the industry so just curious about worst case and best case scenario and then uh, w- what about holders in this instance I mean, just talking from the top of my head, because I don't pay attention to anything really in the in the Yuga ecosystem, but I imagine your answer would be somewhere in their terms of use, um, you know, whether, you know, there's any language around you take this risk at your own, you know, like potential peril. I mean, it won't say it like that, but just something along those lines. Um, yeah, because, it, I mean... I think anyone who's buying an NFT, like we're we're taking a risk and not knowing what the legal landscape will look like. Um, yeah, that's my two cents. I think that um, to to your point about whether they knew or not, I think that GM message just tells you how worried he is about the project. So leads me to think that they probably did expect it or maybe this is like Shekinah mentioned information that is old to them and they already been preparing for this situation for a long time that's what I would assume again this is implications of the top of my head like Shekinah said um and then the second thing is that they did use KYC procedures for ApeCoin drop so I would assume that there's some level of you know with a kind of strategic maneuvering there so yes, I do think that they—they're not—they have pretty good lawyers in their back. Ellie, you almost yeah. made me spit oh. my coffee out with that oh. uh, GM line. Very, very hard hitter there. On a side note, guys, I just want to provide some very quick, practical legal advice. If you have a Keurig, always make sure that there's water in there before you hit the button, and don't walk away assuming. But there's water when you come back and see that add water button. Uh, it's really inconvenient. I think I'm going to be go ahead. I'm going to go ahead and jazz up the class action lawsuit against Twitter or against. Fuck, we're going to get shut down against Curious <laughs> so that we can get this taken care of. Uh, that is it. Sorry, I just want to break it up with some comedy relief there, guys. We're really going in on these topics. Yeah, I, 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 wanted, to admit, I, I, oh, I, I wanted to add to Ellie's point too. Like, obviously, they had to sign for this because. 
we all know, who, uh, uh, those of us who are in the space know that there's a connection between Yuga Labs and ApeCoin DAO. But when you look at it legally, you know, like what is what Yuga Labs is what Delaware Court, you know, but headquartered in Miami, but ApeCoin DAO is what Cayman Islands. And so they're planning for this, we're preparing both. Yeah. And they establish their presence in their foundation. Like they have a DAO, they have a council that's kind of in control of this foundation and the foundation has a, a relationship with some company in, in the Cayman Islands. Like they have such a good layering of like insulation to me. That That's what I see it as. Like they have a lot of layers that insulate them away from um, from Yuga Labs, from the Delaware company. So I, I don't know, to me that that's very strategic in their, in their part. And that leads me to wonder if the inquiries are trying to make the connection between or not, whatever. That's that because I'm like, what else? I mean, maybe it's other side, but like, point. I wonder. But I wonder if it's a point out doing something that we don't know about yet. True. Yeah. My thing that I, I do kind of get annoyed with, and I'm not gonna lie, um, that I think Brandon was talking about earlier, it's like. We're going to call it a spade. Let's just call it a spade. I mean, we all know legally you're right the way they set it up, but we all know there's a connection. And so that's my thing, too, is that, you know, how do you how do you how do you on one angle say like, well, we don't want nothing. We don't want any enforcement from the SEC. And then when issues like this pop up that they legally, yes, it's separate. But, you know, the world knows it's not. So then how can on one angle you argue that and on the other side you say, well, we don't want any SEC action against us either. So anyway, it just it's kind of a frustrating point to me, too. Thank you. Thank you for that. Um, I do want to move on to the next hand. Uh, Drew, then Imani, then El Profesor, then Clubhouse. Drew. Yeah, what's going on? I no, appreciate uh, y'all hosting this space. Obviously, got some banger speakers up here. Very informal. I think I just want to say a few things and, and definitely... You know, my opinion, not financial advice. I, I'm definitely an investor and owner in, in many Yuga assets and, and every uh, aspects to kind of preface with this. But, you know, for everyone on the stage, and I think I've seen this a lot on, on Twitter and, and in Discord is kind of going through everything, right? I mean, you really got to really understand exactly what's going on here, right? Like a lot of people are just retweeting this, kind of starting Twitter spaces, you know, really for the purpose of engagement farming or acting like they're experts when they really have no idea and their background has nothing to do with this shit. And kind of, you know, spreading misinformation and it really kind of causes, you know, adverse effects when, you know, people are at work and they see this, they read that and then, you know, they make emotional or irrational decisions purely based on that. Right. So, you know, if, if it's not if this is risky, if it's too risky for you, then, you know, make the moves that fit your tolerance and, and kind of go with it. Right. I think we've seen, obviously, the SEC start to make moves, uh, you know, coming after the, the top dogs and kind of playing the uh, fear card, right? I mean, we saw it with the Kim Kardashian. That's a whole other story, right? Whether that was true or not true, I think there's a lot of opinions based on that, right? Uh, of, you know, whether what they did is wrong. But, you know, you're not going to see them going after two or three little micro-influencers or, or two or three little little projects because they're obviously trying to, you know, establish their dominance in a space to where I think they don't even fully understand it as much as we're trying to figure it out, right? Like, you know, we, we can't sit here and say that the SEC has all this figured out. And especially when, you know, the majority of other cases, court cases, investigations, you have a lot of other cases previously that are referenced to this when what's the case that we can reference here? Ripple, which isn't even 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 finished in a probe or an investigation until what I think they said Q1 of 2023 to 
kind of formally announce something. So I think we're definitely treading in, in uncharted, you know, waters in, in a way. And I think, <clears throat> I can't remember who said this. Someone said this analogy. It was like, if someone were to come into the United States and impose a law that you can't swim after 9 p.m. at night, and then the SEC was going to probe to see who was swimming, everyone on the East and West Coast would pretty much, you know, try to abide or not abide by that. And then you have the people in the, the middle of the United States saying, you know, like, the fuck, what, like, what do they mean swimming, right? And there's a lot of questions because there's broad kind of statements being done because they don't know themselves and how they can impose that or enforce that because there's no regulation stated or said for them to go ahead and do that, particularly in that area. So they're using Web 2 references, you know, kind of incorporating those into Web 3 and, you know, it becomes this kind of conundrum we see here. Now, my question for all the speakers on, on the stage, definitely, and this is where my confusion and maybe it's obvious or, or other people have this in the in the crowd as well is, you know, obviously Yuga, ApeCoin, they created a DAO and a DAO for a reason, right? Whether they discovered loopholes, whether they, you know, kind of went around or, or abided by other things. Uh, but don't you think that somewhat of, you know, ApeCoin launching and them being listed on every single exchange the day of it launched and for people to claim claim their coin their ape coin uh it not being airdropped not other aspects especially being kyc with other deed and other aspects as well right don't you think that they had to also prove or pass some kind of verification to all the exchanges as well that they're not a security and that's why they were listed on that especially because the big one that stood out to me when they got listed on coinbase is that it was coinbase experimental platform Right, it wasn't like the coin change for securities. I would agree. Yeah, with that. so I, I yeah, and Ellie, go- you remember? It, oh, uh, well, piggyback on this, please. I don't know if you remember. This was several months ago. We had gotten, um, we had a situation where uh, a client needed a memo drafted. I can't. I think it was Bitmart uh, for the listing, but it was just it was a legal opinion basically on whether something was a security or not and, and you know as attorneys um and this was this was what we we actually even had some of the, the the new announcements and guidance that have come out up till now um we drafted a memo that that basically um it didn't say definitively whether something was or wasn't a security um what it said was here's the analysis here's the existing framework these are the aspects that may be construed uh, as something being a security. And these are the reasons why um, it wouldn't be a security. Do, do you remember that, Ellie? I do. And I also, yeah, I, I do remember that. I, I think yeah, that so I, they, and... some of those, oh, go ahead. Yeah, so the exchanges where we're just required, that's, it was a low bar, to, in my opinion. Yes. No, you're, you're absolutely right. And, and that's... Uh, Thank you for bringing it full. Yes, there probably was something that needed to be done and submitted prior to the listing, but it's like, and and look, truthfully, any attorney's opinion that writes something like that, it's not like you can go into court and say, well, I didn't think it was a security, so it's definitely not a security. It's just more of an, it's an objective analysis of the, you know, the frameworks that we have. Um, So, yeah, they probably had to do something. Was it, was it a lot? I, I don't know. Um, I'm, I'm guessing not based on my experience doing that for a, another uh, centralized exchange, but um, yeah, good, good point though, Drew. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I think, I think it's just super interesting. I mean, obviously all of us here, I think everyone 
in this whole entire space can agree that by the grace of God, religious or not, right, you would imagine that Yuga, ApeDAO, BOIC, all their entities, parent entity, have the best lawyers on the planet as much as they can, right? So now if they're going to try to make an example out of Board Ape, and they're all in compliance departments and and so they're doing their like research and making sure that their own exchange is staying compliant you know with um yeah with laws that they have to you know with you know federal government laws so that's all i want to add yeah and i i think that kind of affirmation right like i don't think there's any negative connotation really associated to this i think there's negative connotation if you don't understand you know, the purpose of like a pro from the SEC, which they're literally just doing their job, like they're making sure that they are indeed regulatory, like it's not always just negative. I think obviously, everyone thinks it's negative, because the example we have from Web3 or crypto is, or in recent times, right, is, you know, the Ripple, and obviously Ripple, you know, kind of got delisted, or you can't really exchange it other places. And maybe that was the fear of dropping ApeCoin and, and other aspects too. But I mean, I think, you know, realistically, what's what's going to happen from this is, or at least my my hope, right, and I'd love to hear y'all's opinions on this, is, you know, the end result, right, there has to be some conclusion or there has to be some kind of formatted legality of their reasoning and, and cases to be referenced to this, because this right here is going to be the case that's referenced moving forward, I personally think, opinionated, every single time for everything else uh, in, in this event of whoever else they go after. I think you think too highly of the government. I, they could they could leave it so open ended that uh, we we don't get any clarity. So I hope there is some clarity, but God knows the the way our government's going, we'll we'll see if that happens. Hope, yeah. hope is a hell of a drug. <laughs> I do want to say that I, I, the, the first thing you said, which is the smartest thing I've heard all spaces, is we're speaking from opinions and we often speak very assertively. So like, let's make sure to say this is our opinion and nothing here. It, you know, things could go completely 180 tomorrow because we have no idea what the government's going to do. Um, so, yeah, creating kind of this, kind of, you know, market kind of chaos is not really helpful to anyone. So I do love that you said that because I, I do see a lot of the spaces for engagement farming. To me, that's, that's so detrimental to the market instead of kind of uniting the, the whole space. And we're already a small space instead of uh, instead of doing that, we're creating chaos. So I agree with you with that. So just didn't want that to be remissed. Thank you for that, Ellie. You needed to hear that. Um, E-Money, then Clubhouse. E-Money. Yeah, so I uh, actually, you know, uh, I think that having conversations like this are very, very important, whether they're divisive or not, because there's a lot of people that are here and will be coming here that will not have the benefit of some of the knowledge that the people that are on stage like this uh, will. And having these discussions allows that knowledge to proliferate downward and allow people to go do their own research or figure out who they should talk to and form their opinions. Um, that being said, I do have a question for the lawyers here because this is uh, an exact example of what I was just talking about. One of the first things that all uh, about that how test is that it has to be a common as I think the argument could be made that in the example of for uh, Carlos using uh, that mutant right now as a potential brand for himself, um, 
it, it's not a common enterprise. And I feel like that, like, I guess my question is one, is that a valid argument? And two, who gets to have those arguments with the SEC or do they just get to decide what is their purview on their own? Before we answer that, um, Metaverse Lawyer is also down in the state, in the um, in the audience. So I know we, we're kind of uh, at a cap, but it would be great to have him up here because he has some really valuable experience. Absolutely. Please feel free to request. Um, if you're down there, we're more than happy to have you on. Thank you, Ellie. Um, uh, the, and can I speak really quickly to that common enterprise, Mary Beth? Yeah, of course. Um, it, it's very difficult to argue against the common enterprise here because of the fact that um, they actually created an entity. There's actually a, a company created um, there. You know, you go to a website, they're hiring people. Um, and, and so I would I would be able to kind of argue against that and, and say, well, if you're telling me there's not a common enterprise, um, you know, you file the copyright. Uh, I mean, you filed the uh, trademarks as well. So, I mean, you can't you kind of kind of have it both ways um, by saying we're not a common enterprise and then um, reaping the benefits uh, of a common enterprise at the same time. Yes. And, and also really quick, uh, Brian, thanks for joining us up here. Brian's also another lawyer in the space. Uh, if you hear anything as well, just please feel free to hop in and, uh, and give us your input. Do you any, um, uh, any feedback on the common enterprise and, and sort of that analysis? Uh, not too much more than Pablo already uh, mentioned, but uh, thanks for having me up here. I'm kind of listening in, still kind of half doing work, so I'm trying to focus in a little bit more here so I can provide some value. Um, but uh, I do agree that um, I think, so again, I'm not a securities lawyer. I'm sort of coming in from various uh, practice areas. Uh, traditionally, I did uh, litigation, um, which I foresee a lot of coming down the pike in uh, this area, but um, not to be negative. But uh with the common enterprise, I mean, just offering a license that allows commercial um, um, a, com a commercial license to uh, use that in branding, I don't think that rises to the level of control that would part of a common enterprise. So um, that's just my two cents on that, that I don't think that quite is enough. And I, you know, I wanted to throw this out there, right? Um, you know, in order for it to be considered a common enterprise that that implies that uh like for example yuga doesn't have control of the apes that it has like everyone has ip rights on that as far as i know on their individual apes so when you're buying that are you actually buying uh part of yuga since the actual ape itself doesn't confer any sort of control like that that's where i'm kind of confused here ellie do you want to touch really quick on on what that the license means and, and sort of some basic um uh, you know things that we well, look at in, in these ip licenses i just don't think they're they're I don't think they're related to the query that we're having here. So like the common enterprise and issuing the license is just the issuing of the license and Shekinah, you and I both cover um, Lane. I don't think that's going to be brought up in, in determining whether they're a common enterprise to be quite honest with you. There's just functions of the business. Like you you have an, uh, a set of NFTs that are tied to, an, to a copyright that you've licensed, but I don't think that the issuing of the license is going to be part of that query. And um, Shekinah, you, 
if you want to add anything, that's what I think. Yeah, no, I I would agree with you, and I would agree with with, with Brian. Uh, like it's, it, I think it'd be completely separate. Um, and they, I I just don't see them. Yeah, I, I it would shock me if the inquiries had anything to do with them. Yeah, with the commercial license, uh, I I think it's more you know in regards to just like yeah, the inner workings of the business. Like that would make more sense to me, but. You know, we don't know, and 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 I'm just assuming. Okay. <laughs> yeah, we're kind of all in the blind here, but that I agree. Just no, no clue that that would ever come up in the in the common enterprise question. Amazing, thank you so much. I did want to go to James from Clubhouse Archives, um, who you know does involve him uh, his community with communities we're talking about today, James. Yeah, thanks. For, first off, um, I'm appreciating um, the conversation here, although I have no idea what's going on. I've been in L.A. for the past two days meeting with factories and suppliers. So <laughs> um, I'm assuming the SEC has filed something against Yuga Labs. Can someone first uh, explain um, what's going no, on? No, because this is no, no, yeah. no. There's been no decision, no filing, no record. It's just someone leaked some level of information that came up in a Bloomsburg or a Bloomsburg or whatever article, and it just says that they spoke to someone from Yuga Labs. That that's basically all the sources we have so far. Um, if anyone wants to kind of do a room reset and kind of read exactly what who they're querying and why they're querying them, I think Carlos, you were reading the story earlier. So if you want to do a quick room reset, that would be great. So um, anyone that came in late. No, sure. I I do want to say thank you so much to the 164 people who are in here joining us today. This is hosted by Wind Spaces, so please give them a follow if you want more dope spaces like this. I'd also like to thank Carlos Garcia and Ellie and Pablo and Shekinah um, for being up here as lead you know, legal professionals who are not giving financial or legal advice. And thank you to all of our speakers here. So don't forget to follow our host. What's up to one mint down there. Um, they've made this all happen. So Carlos, if you want to proceed the recap. Uh, just sure. before that, I just wanted to say thank you. I just, I got to run. I actually got to get to a meeting in about two minutes, but I appreciate everybody. Thank you so much. Really interesting conversation. Super great guests up here. Thanks for all the questions. Um, now I'm not going to sleep tonight because I'm going to be thinking about this all night. Thanks a lot. There we go. <laughs> go ahead, Carlos. You're welcome. <laughs> um, yeah, so so just to reset the room a little bit, I know we've had some people coming in and out. Uh, what we're up here talking about is a press release that came out. Um, th there's several out there, but primarily the CoinDesk press release that referenced an SEC probe into both Yugo Labs and their NFT projects, as well as into ApeCoin, which is, is, is owned by a completely separate entity. The sources that have that have opined on this are not identified. There has been no official press release from the SEC or from Yuga Labs. So take it with a grain of salt as we're up here. Like Ellie said earlier, we're talking opinion. Nothing that we say is legal advice, um, but definitely some good conversation to be had about something that has not been touched on enough. May I refine your statement a little bit? So this is not a press release. Press releases are official announcements that come straight from the organi organization themselves. These are articles, journalistic articles, editorial ed uh, articles that have been released, for example, by Coindesk that merely narrates um, what they have learned on the record, but not an official press right. release from Labs. 
Okay, I appreciate that. So, because I'm like, you gotta. So, somebody said something earlier that actually now means it makes a lot more sense. And now I understand why um, he had said it. You know, it, it's funny. I, I've been away from the space for a couple of days. Um, this is the first space that I've been in. I, I hop in. The way things are being discussed and being framed, you would have thought that um, something had come down. So, I, I, I just, um, yeah, that was my perception. Um, given what you just said, yeah, I think, you know, uh, the only statement I'll say is if we don't think the SEC has probed quite a bit on what's going on in the NFT space and in blockchain technology, we're all fooling ourselves. Um, I, I, I think there are probably people in most spaces that, that are from um, some sort of organization to better, to better understand just what's going on. Um, so I don't, you know, I don't want to say it's a nothing burger, but I just think that, uh, okay, that makes me feel a lot better. Because, you know, look, what we're doing is, is I've tried to, I've tried to approach our business in, in, in the most sensible way that I thought would make sense to avoid um, any of this kind of, um, you know, scrutiny from, from larger government organizations. Um, even that probably exposure. So, um yeah, I just uh, caution sometimes around these conversations because I literally walked into thinking that the way it was being thrown about something I'd be nervous something had come down. So, but um, anyway, appreciate you bringing me up. Uh, I'll continue to sit back and the listeners and, and uh, enjoy the conversation. Thank you for joining us. We appreciate that. Uh, Drew. Yeah, just want to um, just ask a, a question kind of out loud here. Uh, I got two DMs specifically. Uh, that they want me to ask because I don't want to come up to stage is, you know, is this true, right? I mean, like, I know this is a, a leaked screenshot and they're pretty much asking, like, is this real? And, like, if this if this isn't real, I mean, I definitely think some Anon is about to, about to get a wake-up call, right? Because me personally, I keep refreshing Nancy Pelosi's mass wallet and I haven't seen her buy any apes, so I'm not entirely, entirely sure what's going on here. But, um, yeah, they were pretty much just asking. I mean, you know, since it was just a, a leaked screenshot, I mean, What's the probability this is just the manipulation of social media and we all need to kind of wake up a little bit? Yes, and, and speaking of that, uh, I just had, John, thank you for, for texting me this. Um, there was just a, uh, a tweet put out by Garga saying something weird going on with Other Side Meta Twitter account and saying that I have to say this, but don't trust anything coming from that account for the time being um I, sometimes i don't know if this is all lore and part of the story and the saga or if it's genuine i yeah so just um another little thing there and as as we're having this space i've been kind of following um the uh the different yuga collections out there uh, definitely i think this has at least in the near term affected the the collection the floor price on um, mutants is down at 14 now. So, you know, we'll see that it, we're in a very reactive, um, environment. So just take everything you're hearing with a grain of salt, because still nothing official has been put out. Um, go ahead, Mary Beth. Yeah, no, uh, keep on going. I was just going to go to, um, some raised hands unless he had more to say. No, no, please, please. Let's get the hands. You got it. Renji. What's good. What, uh, so this is uh this is obviously very interesting to us as well. Uh, context for those of you who don't know me, I'm, I'm the CEO of that other icon right there. It says Immersed. I think Mina is running Immersed right now. Um, 
but yeah, so I mean, context on us, we we actually did a crowdfunding campaign, and we there were some scares around. Oh, like, what does it look like for us to have to go through certain SEC regulations around crowdfunding? Um, because you know, it, you know, we're not a public company. Like, this is something that um, ultimately KYC is important. There were there was a couple different ways we could could have gone through that um, sort of crowdfunding thing. You know, using Regulation CF versus um, sort of like a Regulation A uh, sort of thing where you essentially have to register in every single state that uh, anyone who invests in your company like lives in, period. Meaning, so, so say for example, if, um, you know, if we were to release a cryptocurrency that ends up uh, being, uh, you know, ends up being deemed as a security or even, you know, virtual property or any sort of NFT or anything that ends up being deemed as a security, a, a question for the lawyers is, is the penalty for Yuga ultimately, oh, hey, now you have to like register in every single state and you have to do KYC on every single um, holder. Like, I guess, what does that look like? Obviously, there's going to be fines, uh, and I'm sure that, that can vary, but what if, if Yugo wants to continue doing this thing, right? If they want to continue, um, I guess, saying, hey, these people, these are people who are uh, loyal to our brand. These are people who uh, really kind of push uh, the for Yuga uh, or Board Ape or that whole ecosystem. Is it as simple as them? Uh, taking a financial hit from, as far as a, high, a fine goes and then also having to register in every state or every country? Like, what does that look like if they're found um, guilty? So you're talking about the Blue Sky that... Laws. Well, he's talking about the Blue Sky Laws, Carlos. And I think that, you know, if, you, if for, there's federal law for securities federal law and there's also state federal, uh, I mean, state um, securities also. Um, if uh, they could also be sued by specific states. So states have sued um, in the past before and SEC hasn't, like the federal government hasn't gone after certain projects. So I don't know, Carlos, do you remember what we spoke about that New York project? I think it was a casino that got sued by a state for violating their specific SEC rules. Um, so they're not this positive. And I would say that they, if you're, it depends on who you're targeting. So like if you're targeting investors and you have investors from all over the states, then yeah, you probably have to register all over the country um but carlos and i think you may may have i may have cut you off and you may want to talk about this but um the 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 i guess the uh the repercussions for yuga will be more than just fines it could probably be disgorgement of, of some sort of like a gains that they've had um and carlos you may know more about the actual consequences of it no that that was pretty much everything um and then, you know, I'll, I'll also say um, just, w again, with a sort of a grain of salt, and this is one of those areas where I, I would love to have a, a lawyer who's litigated some of these things uh, post-enforcement action, which is different than providing strategic guidance on the front end, uh, kind of talk about what they've seen and what some effective strategies would be to um, – you know, to insulate their company as much as possible once those come down. I, I can speak for me personally, maybe some other uh, of my fellow attorneys up here. Um, I don't have experience in the post-enforcement, uh, but definitely in advising prior to launch and things of that nature. So um, I think everything Ellie said was on point to the best of my knowledge. But if there's a, uh, a securities attorney down there that's that's litigated and taken one of these Post enforcement, It'd be great to hear from you. Well, I saw Rodrigo's hand go up. Uh, do you know? Yeah, I can. So I can jump in. I'm Rodrigo. I'm part of the legal team at uh, Paradigm, and I'm not an enforcement lawyer, but I'm a securities corporate lawyer. Um, I think just to, to clarify a couple of the things that have been said, um, there are state blue sky laws that apply, right? But when you register 
uh, a security with the SEC, all this, well, the what registration you do, but most of them, they will preempt um, state securities laws, right? So you, you don't have to do both. Um, and then I think the, the main penalty, right, that um, issuers of unregistered securities are liable for is something called rescission, which is basically the purchasers of the unregistered security have a right to like put it back to the issuer. So basically, Yuga would have to buy back all of the um, unregistered securities that it offered. Um, would it be at market price or would what? it be at where they got in at? When they, at the price they originally sold them at. Um, and then you can also tag on to that, you know, things like penalties, disgorgement, uh, potentially like label you a bad actor, which would prevent you from uh, taking advantage of uh, securities exemptions and other things. Uh, but I think taking a step back, I frankly think this is kind of a non-story. If you look at the Bloomberg uh, story that broke this, they it makes it sound like it's basically just a request for information, particularly like Yuga's response to this was saying something like, you know, they were... Uh, uh, cooperating with regulators and everything. And I mean, frankly, for those that have been in, in the space advising clients, like everybody got these like, six months ago, right? So it, it doesn't feel like um, like a huge story. I think the real kind of uh, thing to, to point out here is somebody leaked this and, you know, not pointing any fingers, but it's probably somebody uh you know in one of the three-letter agencies so i think i see this more as just frankly like the sec continuing on its uh marketing or like publicity tour and trying to seem tough here um yeah those are like my two cents thank you for coming because we were choking here um i'm definitely not a securities attorney so we're super ha happy to have you that's the little i know about securities um but we're really just glad that someone joined us that actually knows what they're talking about. Um, and just to follow up on that, what will be the repercussions if they violated any state like securities laws as opposed to just, you know, going after them? So I think basically the remedies are the same, but okay. um, I don't, you don't really see states and the SEC piling on typically, although you might see that in some cases. Uh, but my point was more to say that, like, if you register with SEC, like, you don't also have to go register with the states. Thank you for that. So, um, I'm, I'm glad we have someone that we could ask questions to. So, Rodrigo, I'm sorry. We're going to be piling all the questions to you now. I do have a question yeah. from DMs, if y'all don't mind. Um, and I'm going to read as is. What's the legal difference between buying and reselling NFTs versus sneakers or traditional art using secondary markets? Is it the fact that traditional retailers don't insinuate the potential for resale opportunities? End. Depends on how you look at NFTs. Um, and and I'll, let, I'll top in on that in just a second. Jesse, welcome up here. Uh, gosh, we have a lot of really talented attorneys up here, guys. Um, let me reset the room really quick. Uh, we, we have a bunch of lawyers up here talking about stuff. Nothing that we say is legal advice. Please do not take it as such. If you need legal advice, talk to an attorney one-on-one. -on -one. Um, with that, Jesse, welcome up, man. Um, you, you have any input on, uh, on that question there that Mary Beth just threw out? Uh, 
Um, yeah, again, I'm not even a securities attorney. So, you know, this is a very specific area of law. So I can just speak in generalities, but, but anything can be a security depending on how it's marketed is, is functionally kind of how this breaks down. So yeah, of course, you know, there's certain things that are obviously made specifically for profit. So when you're buying stocks, you know, you expect they can go up and down, but the original, how we test, and I'm again, not an expert was just based on real estate and the way you package it. And if you, you sell it as something that is primarily used, you know, we're sold as something that that can go up in value based on someone else doing the work, right? So again, if you open your own restaurant and or you and you and three friends are opening a restaurant, one of you is the cook and one of you raises the capital and the other is like does whatever they do, you know, that's why it's not a security because you're all doing something, right? The whole idea is that you're basically investing in someone else's work and and they're basically saying give to just give us money and we'll do the rest and you can profit, right? And so you can imagine, you know, a hundred years ago this was, you know people took advantage of this and that's where we are. But yeah, and I mean, it could be baseball cards. It could be anything. It could be, and, and in fact, it is art. I've seen, I think we've all seen in the NFT space or maybe you haven't the, um, of course, I forget the name of the company, but you can invest in real art. Um, uh, they, they used to have ads on Twitter all the time. You can invest in actual paintings and they, and you can get invest in a fraction of them, right? Because we all can't afford an expensive painting. And those are securities. They register those as securities. Uh, I wish I could remember the name of the company because I think we've all heard of them. But yeah, anything can be a security the way you package it, which isn't to like scare everybody that like, oh, every time you sell something, it's a security. But I mean, yeah, that it could be technically sneakers. But, um, you know, we have eBay and not everybody on eBay is to register. Not everything that's sold that's sold on eBay has to be registered as a security, whether it's a toaster oven or a baseball card. But yeah, it's the way it's packaged. And so most things aren't packaged. It's purely an investment resale vehicle, right? You buy a toaster, even if you can, you're using it for toast. You know, you, you buy, a, you know, sneakers for most people, you're wearing them. The fact that you that they go up in value is is kind of incidental. So Again, very general answer. Technically, anything that can be a security, but I think we all, I mean, I know a lot of people are kind of very hostile to regulation here and this whole like thing is scary, but it's like, let's be honest, guys, like we're mostly here to like flip these NFTs to make money. Or let, that's why I'm here. I'm not here to just like buy NFTs and just like look at my phone because it's such a cool picture. Like, the, the, Some we, people we, do we need... for the art. Some people yeah, no, no, you for can, the but like, the, but at least let's Or admit. the utility. But let's admit, it's not it's not like sneakers or T-shirts. Like, there's a really big financial component be. to this. That's uh, a generalization. I so have some I Tiffany disagree. Dunks, by the way, that I definitely hold on to. And I even flipped a pair in the past. Just FYI. But I hear what you're yeah. putting down, Jesse. Rodrigo, I actually want to hear his opinion on what a security, you know, like kind of painting yeah. by itself just be. It's not. I don't think it's just the way you package it. So I may disagree. Go ahead, Rodrigo. So I think to put a little bit of a finer point on it it's the expectation like it's not only the expectation of profit that turns something into security right people obviously buy collectibles people like commodities with uh, an expectation that it's going to go up the thing that really gets you in trouble is when the issuer is creating expectations that they're going to do work that's going to drive those profits right uh the sec has definitely looked at the creation of secondary markets as a potential effort so if I was going to expect that, you know, Ernest's broken bags that sell for money, for more money doesn't make them securities. Ernest was going to market. Is it cutting off for everyone or just me? Uh, for me too. Yeah, okay. you're right. Rodrigo, you're writing a little bit. Oh, sorry. So. 
Uh, uh, it depends, but no. <laughs> I like the honesty, Mary. <laughs> Sorry, I had to say hey, that. feel free to, um, <laughs> if it gets better by leaving the space, we'll, we'll pop you right back up here if that helps. I um, like what he said, though, yeah. that to yeah. differentiate right. between the expectation of profit and the expectation of work that creates that profit. I think that's a really key point that we forget. Rodrigo, are you back? Can you say yeah. that again? Yeah, yeah. Sorry. So I'll let him say I was it. on trying to do it on my headphones. Um, yeah, it's pretty bad. We lost you again, Rodrigo. Could you try again? Sorry. I think we're having an expectation of you talking in that. This is getting to be um difficult. Should we, Mary, I don't know if you want to bring him down and then bring him back up. Maybe that's easier. I just did that. Um, we do have a couple more people up here. I did have a question. It does shift a little bit away from Yuga, but it had to do with um, the Kim K ordeal. But I do want to welcome our new speaker up here. Um, I want to say July, or it could be totally Julie. I don't know. Um, but if you have a question, we welcome you. But while we're everyone, um, let's give one space as a big thanks. Um, hit them up, up with a follow or some comments and what tweets in their feed. Um, this is what it's all about. We know we're launching some bomb ass spaces to get, you know, healthy discourse going more often in Twitter spaces. So, um, the people you see up here on stage, give them a follow, you know, connect them with other friends, comment in their tweets. Um, cause that is what we do. Welcome. You did not make it up here. Okay. Um, Ellie, did you have more to follow up with that? No, I was just reemphasizing what he said um, to, again, uh, mention what Rodrigo was saying is, is the, not just the expectation of profit, but the expectation that someone's going to do that work that's going to generate that profit that's important to note. Um, so going back to the, the purse example he was mentioning, I think he said that, you know, it's not just that you're buying the, the purse with the expectation that it's going to increase in price, but that someone else is going to do the work so that it increases in price. And I think that's a really key uh, point to make, not just how you package. So sorry, Jesse, I disagree. Um, and I'm going to agree with Rodrigo. That is about that, that other person working in order for your, whatever you bought or whatever you purchased, that it's going to increase in price. I do have a question if I may shift a little bit. So um, I did pin something up top. So uh, per the SEC's official Twitter feed, it says, today we announced charges against Kim Kardashian for promoting a crypto security offered by Ethereum Max without disclosing the payment she received for the promotion. Kardashian agreed to settle the charges, pay $1.26 million, and cooperate with the investigation. So I know this is on a larger scale, right? She's known around the world probably got a ton of money like a lot of money to help you know, promote this maybe as i don't know how it works anymore are they considered talent like on a commercial or are they now in this case like consultants or contractors and my question is it has to do like there are a lot of people here on twitter 
Um, whether or not we're not, you know, people consider them influencers. Everybody here, even if you're listening, if you've ever put out a tweet and someone's engaged with you or even connected with you, that, in my opinion, is arguably um, influential, right? Doesn't matter matter what your following is. Anyone can have some type of influence on some other person. My question is like, okay, so the people who often host spaces here, I mean, what do you look out for? Or, you know, do do people who tend to promote spaces, people call them marketers, people call them hosts, influencers, whatever the word is these days, right? What are the obligations of that individual? And how are we supposed to know? Carlos, Ellie, Brian, Jesse. I'll just, this isn't really my, my specialty, but I do know that the key thing here is um, if you're paid or given something of value in exchange for promoting the product, that's where you have to say somewhere that I was paid for this. And I believe the rule is you actually have to say how you were paid. I don't know if that varies by state or on the federal level, but I think that's the was the key no-no. Um, but I'll let others more experienced uh, in that area add in. Like, is this just a Web3 thing? I mean... No, no, it's, it's everything. This is an Ellie talking point, so I'll defer to her you. But no, if you're getting paid, you just have to say in an appropriate form that you were, it's promoted, it's like hashtag ad, hashtag promoted, hashtag collab, right? They, 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 as CFTC and the, and, and the federal regulations have some pretty straightforward rules you just wouldn't know it from following web3 but you see it all the time uh, especially when it's a native native deal i mean the kid kardashian you think is a little more complicated but you see it all the time if it's Gwyneth paltrow and she's you know it's for walgreens like sometimes you can get away with it if you're so famous it's obvious that you're promoting something but really almost all the any any influencer you see it all the time especially on instagram you, ha- you see hashtag ad if it's a promoted space so if you're paid yeah, you need to promote it. And none of the Web3 people, even the, I've, I don't think I've ever seen it on a web, I'm, I'm serious. I don't think I've seen it one time on a Web3 tweet, um, a person saying, I'm promoting, you know, if they're paid for a project and saying, oh, this is a great project, hashtag ad, hashtag promoted, but they should. I mean, I've seen it uncertain, like I'm, I'm in a nifty morning space, nifty alpha, and they always say, you know, we have a sponsor say, so that's appropriate to the audio of a Twitter spaces. But yes, this is not just a Web3 thing. This is like, if anything, it's it's a very clear Web two thing that Web three is just completely ignored. Sorry, Ellie, I went too long. Sure, no, 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 no. no you're fine. Great. That's good. Yeah, you're you're completely right. The FTC is kind of the the regulator for those advertisements, but um, SEC has specific rules when it comes to investments, and because this was specifically investment, they have a marketing rule. And actually, I think went into effect like 2020, if I'm not mistaken. Um, but they have very specific rules about that. And then she violated that because I think she did have a hashtag that said ad or something along those lines, if I'm remembering correctly. But she, I think she didn't do the full extent of the rules for the Marketing Rule Act for securities. Um, and I wish Rodrigo was here. Oh, he's back. I would love for him to like kind of expand on it as he wants to. But for my understanding, um, she had to disclose how much she was paid because specifically this was an investment this wasn't just a regular ad where like she's you know selling uh, promoting on their or endorsing shirts or purses this was specifically an investment um and rodrigo we're talking about kim k i don't know if you caught that but um basically the marketing uh, rule under the act uh hey guys sorry it was a deceivingly sunny day in san francisco so i thought i'd take a stroll and join this but my audio immediately crapped out so i'm back in the office 
Um, yeah, so I caught a little bit of that conversation. I think, yeah, I think Ellie's right. Like, there's two different bodies of law that apply here. One is, like, the FTC, which is, applies to, like, kind of, like, all, um, like, influencer enforcements. And a bunch of people have gotten tagged with that. Um, and then this particular one is an SEC enforcement that applies only when you're basically promoting securities, right? Um, but, again, I think... For me, um, I don't know if you guys can still hear me. We lost the last part, which I think was the important part. So just rewind like yeah. two seconds. Um, so I, I think that the broader context here is uh, end of September was the end of the fiscal year for the SEC. And it's when basically their numbers for enforcement have to be tallied up. So there was a huge pressure to get this done before the end of the year. And for me, the fact that this was kind of like their big enforcement action at the end, in a way, shows like their weak hand. Um, so, uh, yeah, I don't know. Do you think is this the last one? Like, this is like the, you know, the cherry on top and the Christmas tree before the end of the year for them? So I, I'm sure they're working on a bunch of other stuff simultaneously to this, but um, there is notably like an uptake in the announcement of these enforcement actions uh, at the end of September. So I, I assume if they had something bigger that they could have um, announced, they would have. Okay, so I know we're going to roll into some other topics right now. Um, thank you so much, Carlos. And everyone who's joined us, please feel free to stay as you please. And we are taking more speakers up. I see you, everyone who's requested. I wanted to ask, is there anything that project founders or creators can do regarding, okay, so sure, terms of use in website and or discords, all the socials, as well as I know I've come across, um, you know, a, a marketplace that does help NFTs kind of, um, you know, launch to the public. And I've heard that there are ways to bake in legal terms um, within a smart contract. Now, this kind of shifts over to a little bit of dev talk. Is this a thing? And if so, how do we maximize that effort? tough one right now so yeah I, I i'm not super familiar with the um baking things into i know we've talked about like putting things into metadata and things of that nature um there's a lot of things that are going to come down to notice but just one thing really quickly um and this is again not legal advice but something that's that's very helpful and just good business strategy if you're a project founder uh, you you should let me let me rephrase this because this is going to sound like advice. <laughs> back up, back it's up. It's <laughs> objectively a good thing to insulate yourself from from business liabilities. One method of doing that is by establishing a business entity in some jurisdiction and using that to operate. So there's that. Uh, that's very important. And then um, you know, yeah, we we've talked about the whole. Oh, go ahead, Ellie. I sorry, I was mic. just gonna ask. Yeah, sorry, I was just gonna ask. Um, it just it for me it depends. Like, is it going to be a smart contract where the platforms are actually going to be abiding by those the the, the splits and then being able to kind of um respect the smart contract in a way? Because right now that's kind of the technical fault that we have in this system. 
where like the, even if you do bake it into a smart contract is that is that going to be able to be readable by the platform in that a new user is going to be able to ascend to those specific terms because even if you have those in the metadata as a link or whether you spell those out i think the issue becomes the contractual relationship whether you ascend to these actual terms or not and even to subsequent users so i think that's where we're coming coming to like a, a wall i guess thank you that for that ellie and i did bring on some um People who are have dev backgrounds, people who practice this kind of stuff um, every day. So please, please, please um, feel free to ask questions. Introduce yourself, Carlos. I know you got to jump, so um, you can, you may. I will allow you to relieve co-host responsibility. <laughs> but um, I'll give you a, a minute, Carlos, if you'd like. Yeah, thanks for having me up here. Uh, thank you, Wen Spaces, Wen Mint guys. Please uh, get, give Wen Mint and Wen Spaces a follow. Um, doing really good stuff out there. And please, uh, you, you're seeing a lot of really good conversation take place up here. Um, some folks that I, I consider very respected colleagues. So please uh, give Ellie a follow. I've known Ellie for a long time. She's she's a very, very intelligent lawyer. So please give her a follow. Give Jesse a follow. Give Brian a follow. Um, Rodrigo, if you're still lurking around down there in Shekinah, you guys have given some amazing input. And I, I was just friends and colleagues. Uh, it means a lot for you guys to come up here and have this conversation. Yeah. And um, please retweet out this space. This has been a badass space with amazing conversation around so many things that are important to all of us, whether we're participants, speakers, listeners, creators, or just buyers, right? Um, we're not investors. Just kidding. So uh, I did want to ask uh, the devs up here. What's up, Zorpheus? introduce yourself how's everybody going what up yeah yeah i'm one of the co-founders of winman i've been listening in on this y'all put together a pretty crazy panel here so it's been been pretty 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 interesting to listen to carlos i appreciate that now now that z is here i I got an extra 15 minutes (laughs) (laughs) no you know one one interesting approach maybe maybe one interesting thing for me to respond to would be that, that last question you asked about, you know, how, how maybe, you know, over time you might see some of these legal sort of uh, considerations working their way into smart contracts. And again, I'm, I'm kind of a legal, not a legal idiot, but I'm definitely not anything close to Carlos or some of these other people up here. But, you know, I mean, everybody in here has heard of a DAO and kind of like this whole vision, which I think is still like in the early sort of almost like the embryonic stages of where, you know, over time we will gradually learn how to codify more and more of our agreements with, with people or between business entities or so on in the form of smart contracts, you know, to the point where in some future utopian world, I mean, an entire organization and all the agreements that exist between, you know, whether it's, you know, the employees and the organization or the organization and its partners or whatever could be expressed in smart contracts. You know, and I, I don't think that looks like something where you have like big chunkies that are coded into metadata. I think it's more a combination of the two where you still have legal documents that are expressing some of the, the softer things that don't necessarily involve movements of value or sort of like, you know, mathematical kind of variables here and there, you know, but then when you have agreements between, you know, people or entities that do involve movements of value, because that's really what blockchain is all about is like, you know, code that also can sort of move value, you know, back and forth between wallets, whether it's like compensation or, you know, releases of value based on certain conditions that are met and things like that. I think you will start seeing, you know, more and more a combination of legal documents together with the enforcement of those agreements in the form of smart contracts where that enforcement relates to the movement of value between wallets and not doesn't necessarily have, you know, all these big chunks of legal, legal sort of legalese and metadata. 
that's just kind of my view on it. I just wanted to add a couple of things. I do have to jump off for a call in a bit, but I've spoken with some uh, uh, other attorneys that I really respect in this space. And we've chatted about different things you can do to get enforceable terms of use um, for, you know, for NFTs in particular. Uh, and uh, ideally you would have your own, you know, your own marketplace, first of all. So that's for secondary, but for, for initial mint on your website, you would want to click wrap where you actually say, you know, you have the link and you can click on it and you you're clicking, the purchaser is clicking that they've agreed that they understand and they've read them and all that stuff. Um, if you can't do that, um, the next best would be throwing in the metadata, but that's not really who's reading that. A judge is probably not going to say, you know, the, the judge is going to laugh at you and say they didn't go into the metadata and read that. But what you can do um, is you can add some of the key terms to the properties that show up because a lot of these flip, uh, flipper folks, you know, myself included, we look at the properties for rarity and whatnot. If you put in there, you know, the, you know, CC, O project or this is you have commercial rights C terms um, that would be something that's sort of a way that people might actually you know get their attention um, you in the description of the project you'll want to obviously link to uh, you know hyperlink to the terms um, but another thing that you can do I haven't done this myself and, and maybe a developer could could uh, could give some insight on this but is um, put the terms the actual like PDF pages up on IPFS and then link next to the image of the NFT link to uh, so it points to the images of the PDF of the terms of use. So it's right there next to it. It looks it probably look ugly, but it would definitely be have a higher chance of being enforceable, you know, in court. So just my thoughts. Um, and then I'm, I do have to hop off in a bit, but I wanted to throw that in in case it was helpful. Thank you for that, Brian. Uh, Jesse. Yeah, I mean, there's no. Oh, I might be losing my connection here. Can you hear me? Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, there's certain things you can disclaim with like a terms of, and there's certain things you just can't. Um, and there's no like bright line rule, but like common sense is going to get you through a lot of it. So, yeah, I mean, obviously on your website you can have these terms of use that say, you know, you can't you can't sue us if. Um, you know, you lose your wallet or whatever it is, you know, you, you, you know, someone uses our, you can't use our trademark, that kind of thing. And then if someone uses it, you can like disclaim certain things, but the securities one is a perfect example. You can't just say, uh, this is not a security and you can never sue us. It just doesn't work like that. There's just certain things you can't just disclaim by notice. Um, obviously if you sell like tobacco products, you can't, you know, say, oh, you know, you, you are. You know, we cert you you certified that you're over 18, and therefore, if we advertise to underage minors, you know, we we're, we're off the hook. There's just certain things you can't disclaim, and certain things you can. I mean, so you know, the best practice is always more notice and more and more, um, uh, you know, notice placed in an appropriate area. So if you do think if you are selling like a weed product, you know, have a have a bigger, you know, don't don't hide your um, disclaimers, like put it right out there, have a link right next to the purchase and, and put it all out there. The more transparency is always going to get you, um, it is always going to really reduce your liability. Even if you're not completely relieved of it from a regulatory agency, they're always going to, they're almost always going to consider that kind of stuff in assessing, you know, a punishment or a fine. So if you're trying your, your best, even with the IRS, if you basically try your best to pay your taxes and then they're like, no, you didn't pay enough, but you know, you weren't trying to screw us. They're just going to basically say, okay, pay us the rest with interest. 
Um, and that's kind of, you know, you know, I say it all the time. The best rule with anything in business is like, you know, just like, don't be an asshole and you're going to get like 85% of the way there. And then, you know, call to your lawyer on anything else you think is a close call. So, um, you know, no bright lines rules. There's definitely things you can disclaim on your website, but yeah, the more transparency and the more notice and, and, uh, the more kind of, uh, clear you are with your promises or your, you know, your, the expectations, you know, the better. Jesse, thank you so much. And uh, Ellie, I want to throw it to you for any any words as we short, sort of wrap up the legal portion uh, of everything today with when spaces. Um, just some final thoughts from from you about uh, anything we've touched on today or anything that you think is important for people as participants in this industry should know. I'll echo what Jesse said and I'll quote him and say, don't be an asshole is legal advice. Nice. I love you, Ellie. Thank you. <laughs> That's some good legal <laughs> advice there. Yeah, good life advice, too. Uh, good stuff. So um, thank you guys again for joining us for the legal portion. We're going to be transitioning to talk, talk about some other really, really uh, important and interesting topics. Uh, make sure you guys tune in and follow When Spaces. Ellie, all the other attorneys that hopped up here today, please feel free to hop in anytime we have law time. Uh, and, uh, and it was great. So great, great first episode time and, uh, and, and bring in when spaces and when mint and, and all the people in so that we can really talk about some important stuff. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. We have a couple more people up here. Um, go ahead, Ruben. Okay. How's the mic folks? This mic's a little sketchy. Sounds wonderful, Ruben. Wonderful. Buttery baritones. Um, Hey, so I'm, I'm going to break the rules and, and talk about more law stuff. Um, this, this, this might seem crazy to some people, but it feels really obvious to me. You know how when you go to websites and, and, it, and it says, clear the terms and conditions? You don't, you don't see that because, because that would be insane. What they say is, click here to agree to the terms and conditions. And if you don't click here to agree to the terms and conditions, then you don't get to use the thing. Right? So how about this is a crazy idea. What if you use like the, the like you can you can fold gating functions into the tokens, right? So <coughs> excuse me. <coughs> Why not just have a thing where you have an e-signature agreement and you have a um, whatever the, the rest of the terms and conditions are, whatever the, the sort of relevant notice is, is, is there for, um, and they simply just don't get access to the thing uh, unless they click the button and by extension, sign the e-sig agreement and, you know, to, you know, agree to relevant jurisdiction and severability of terms and so on and so forth. Like, uh, we have Panda, Doc. Uh, I don't know. Is this a, am, am I taking crazy pills? This just feels really obvious. I mean, look, we got some uh, devs with, I know, that legal perspective of having worked with people on their team, but someone please address this. I'm going to go with Carl. Carl. I would say, I uh, hope everyone's doing well. Uh, if you guys don't know me, I'm Carl. I'm a Web3 developer, cybersecurity expert as well. Um, and I just kind of wanted to, to touch on that as well. Uh, so that isn't a bad idea. You, you technically can do that. You can lock it to where uh, they possibly couldn't access the mint function unless they, you know, accept your terms and services and whatnot. Uh, the, only thing, the only problem with that, though, is that people that are, you know, experienced in the NFT space and people that kind of know their way around things they can just go and mint directly to the contract and it kind of bypasses that completely 
And if, you know, there's technically not a hundred percent way to prove that someone minted through a contract, right? I mean, because it all technically looks the same on either scam. So I guess you could I guess you could do it and then if it just comes into an illegal, you know, illegal battle, um you can say, well, you minted, this was on our website, regardless if you went through it or not, then, you know, that's just something that you'd have to face. Like I said, I don't know the legal stuff behind that because I'm just a, I'm just a nerd. Um, but, you know, people can go through and they can mint through the contract. And then if it comes up, they go, oh, well, I didn't even go to the website. I just minted it directly for smart contract and bypass it completely. Carl's, 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 are you there? You're breaking up a bit. Totally underwater. Underwater in a rabbit hole. And getting electrocuted while underwater. A hundred percent. But we hope you're okay. Just throw up some emojis. Let us know you're okay. Can you guys hear me now? There we go. There we go. Okay. Go ahead, Carls. You might want to back up like 30 seconds. Put your left leg up and stand with your right arm extended and pat your head three times. I think it works for an antenna. It 100% does. This is what we're going to do, Carl's, because we really want to hear from you. Um, why don't you exit <laughs> the space and we'll bring you back up. Carl, can you hear us? I love that Widow just said it was Africa, nothing else. Uh, we'll wait for him to come back, Carl's. I know you can hear us. Um, definitely leave the space. There you go. Bye. Um, definitely leave the space and come back. We'll bring you right back up. 10-10. Hey, Hi. Mary. Hey, real quick, Project. Real quick. Yeah. Um, nobody should interact with anything coming from the other side meta. Um, it's been compromise so don't interact with it that's all i really wanted to come up and say real quick why thank you um we did have that little tidbit just a little bit ago in the last segment but we always appreciate the reminder for everyone who just got in here we're on some dev and security talk right now um so convenient actually um just want to give thanks to one spaces and the one mint team for making this all possible and thanks to e-money what up for co-hosting uh go ahead 1010 Oh, man, I wanted to ask this, and I was trying to comment on your post, Mary Beth, because uh, when you brought up the, and I know this might be a little bit off topic, I'm bringing it back to the, the, the lawyer talk for just a second, because I wanted to, to make a note, because I did want to confirm that uh, with, um, and I forgot her name, uh, the Kardashian lady, uh, yeah. she actually did put hashtag ad at the bottom, uh, and the issue that they had was that she didn't disclose how much she got paid, but in my opinion, wouldn't companies make the people that they partner up with for those type of ads sign a non-disclosure agreement so they don't say how much they got paid? That way the next person doesn't go, hey, so-and-so got paid this much, so I want to get paid this much. I mean, I'm on the same page as you are with that that query, right? Um, I wish we had people to speak on that. 
Um, but hold on to that thought because I would love to hear any insight from anyone in the audience who might be able to speak on that. So feel free to request to speak, retweet out this space. This is a dope space right now. Um, you know, when spaces is really pushing out amazing content that everyone in the community can really appreciate and, uh, Let's see who's here. Crypto RN. Oh, what's up? Um, you know, can really appreciate in value. Um, but I do want to go to Carl's really quickly because he's back up here. Carl's. <laughs> can you guys hear me okay now? Yes, sir. Yeah, you can ask. Uh, you can ask me money. I live in the middle of nowhere. Uh, cell phone service is quite uh, non-existent. Um, yeah, I hear you. <laughs> but what I was uh, what I was talking about just yeah the website you know putting the. Um, legal agreements on like basically making it to where it's necessary for mentors to accept to those terms and conditions before they can mint. Uh, it's not a bad idea, which is technically something you can do, uh, but that doesn't stop people from going directly through the contract on Etherscan and minting through it, um, which they kind of just bypass that complete thing. And I could see possibly where if it does come up in a legal battle, you know, uh, where they could say, well, I minted directly through their, you know, through their contract instead of going through the website and accept, accepting the terms and conditions and whatnot. Well, so so on that note, wouldn't it be possible using an ERC-1177 to create a sort of um, de facto escrow party as part of the, that was, was a co-owner of that token, but it's just a, it's just a nameless wallet that nobody has access to, like a zero address, and all it does is it creates a gating function so that you have to do a thing before the transfer is fully unlocked, even with the even with the parent contract, you know what I mean? Because like, you you fold the gating function into the contract itself. Yeah, yeah, I can definitely see that. I could that that definitely is a is a possibility that I didn't even think of, um, and I could definitely see people you know uh, projects doing that if that was the route that they were looking to take. Um, it would just be basically, I guess you could say. Um, the developer that's working on the project's skill uh, or knowledge in regards to building something like that, um, because that is that that is quite interesting and it, uh, that's a route to take. But I think that would be something that possibly not all projects would, you know, have a developer that could do that, uh, which I find a lot uh, with, you know, some projects just not having basically the skill set required in order to fulfill every action that they need. Could someone build it and open source it so people can fork it? What was that? Can somebody build that and then put it on GitHub so people can fork it and just fold it in? I'll so put that on my I'll put that on my to do list actually. Awesome. Cheers, man. Uh -huh. Hey, yeah, making moves. I love this. Um, did you have anything more, Carl's? Uh, no, no. Uh, I just wanted to to kind of you know touch on that um, and just kind of you know provide where I thought you know it could uh, it could help out. Yeah, yes. Perfect. Crypto RN. Hi, thanks for having me up. Just really quick, wanted to speak on the Kim Kardashian situation and her disclosing the amount. Um, in Web3 and crypto, as you know, things are a little bit different. Jane. So I would imagine that there is kind of a snag there in terms of signing a non-disclosure agreement, but also having transactions on the blockchain, like did she get paid in cash? Did she get paid in Ethereum Max? Did you, you know, I think there's, it's a little bit nuanced in that area. I just wanted to bring that up. Mm, thank you for that. We also have, I, I mean, because the blockchain is trying, so it's right. so like you can see the transaction. And but I I, I'm sure that Jenner Communications and that whole enterprise got, 
you know, opted into receiving fiat. You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. But I just wanted to bring that up because I think it's it's relevant. A hundred percent. Thank you. E-Money. What's good, E-Money? Good to see you up here, co-host. Yes. Okay. So, devs, correct me if I'm wrong, but one of the things about uh, the blockchain and all those transactions being apparent, you know, one of the important things is that if you don't know what that wallet is or what that transaction was for, uh, you don't really have the full context of it. You can just see that it happened. Being able to look at a transaction just gives you questions. You need context to make it make sense. And without any way to identify or KYC wallets uh, regularly, um, I think that that's going to be a struggle uh, when you're talking about how to regulate these things, as uh, I think it was Baroness was saying. Um, Because, like, you know, all right, if I'm sending something to a wallet address, am I going to be responsible for um, understanding that the person on the other end of that has a different set of taxes that I have to also be aware of. Um, it, it makes this very challenging, but I think that there's a couple of new things that are coming out like name tag and some other things that are allowing to, uh, you know, identify wallets for specific things. Do you guys know about any of those products in digital detail? identity? Yeah, there's a lot of that, like up and coming projects uh, focused on digital identity, which would be wallet based. And your kind of your digital identity is based based on your wallet, pretty much. But not not just money focused, but that's kind of the touch point where where it starts. Baroness, I know you're holding back. It's OK. Oh, <laughs> my goodness. I, See? Well, there we go. There we go. I'm listening, but I'm also typing because I'm trying to create a RSS feed for a podcast. Um, All right. So talking about digital identities, wallet addresses and so forth, it's not necessarily. So the problem that we actually really have with, uh, you know, you can spin up as many uh, wallets as you want. Um, Associating it to one individual can be a headache. So you know, as far as like our identity associated to like what centralized governance is, you know, where we're located, it more or less is just like any banking ATM withdrawals is when you actually remove the transaction. A lot of times when people enter into the space, whether it's DeFi or not, um, you're you're using an ISP that is fully centralized. You're using exchanges that are centralized and they can't, necessarily hit you up i mean they can get you with kyc which is just you know a pii or pi personal individual identification or data but then you're thinking of dii's which is uh, or dids which is decentralized um, identifications but the transactional amounts that are withdrawn would be uh, more or less like where that was created and then also where it's withdrawn for the uh, exit point like, you know, when they say about like Europe and they're trying to centralize and for people with different taxable events, it's more or less they can't centralize it enough under, I forgot what the acronym is, but I think the transaction in a certain amount of countries is up to five grand um, in USD valuation. So 
I, I think more or less we we would really on a have blockchain to... transaction or a regular transaction. It, it is a black it is okay. a blockchain transaction okay. Okay. once it is a converted. That's the problem. So we're we're actually trying to micromanage rather than look at the uh, you know the vault. I'm not under the illusion that you know I live in a decentralized world in Web three, so I'm not going to argue that point because. I mean, it, it really is a false kind of a presentation of Web3, I think. I also wanted to welcome up NFT Drew. Introduce yourself. Tell me who you are, Drew. Hello, hello. My name is Drew. I'm one of the co-founders for WenMint. Uh, I am a quote-unquote cybersecurity engineer, not an expert. For everyone in the crowd, I can't say why people say expert because nobody's a damn expert. All right. I am experienced. I am not an expert. And I am super excited to be on stage with all of these super smart people. Uh, and these spaces are super badass. I don't know if everyone was in the last one. These are continuing all the way 10 p.m. Eastern. And make sure that if you're enjoying this, 11 p.m. Eastern, 11 Eastern, p.m. Eastern. Actually, yeah, mm-hmm. yep, so it's like that. We are rallying Mary Beth. I think she's on her third Red Bull. Let's fucking go. And uh, yeah, thanks for bringing me up. Hey, um, Baroness, were you able to, <laughs> okay, so layperson, take that last sentence, those two about the PIDD, don't kill me right now, and break that down for me, please. Okay, so KYC is an acronym for Know Your Customer, and a lot of centralizations, um, you know, in a nutshell, if, like people enter on using the general computer, and this is not blockchain technology, just talking about like using Google. Google Analytics will analyze your um, server or your cloned server, which is your IP address, MAC address, and so forth for what devices you use. And doesn't mean that they share the information, you know, quote unquote, <laughs> but that will basically curate your analytics for um, ads, preference and so forth and business partners. Now, P- those would be a kind of a form of know your customer using personal individual identifiers or personal. Actually, they use PIDs, which is personal individual data. And when we start talking about. Uh, blockchain technology, those, um, (laughs) I know, thumbs down, it's unfortunate, people don't know about this. But blockchain technology with wallet associations, when you interact with your wallet to all these different server protocols, they're collecting data. So that is a form of PIIs or PIDs. So there is a digital print that you're creating, whether it's interacting directly to the blockchain or not, so that they can follow the addresses based off of, um, you know, centralized businesses. Now, when you think about trying to, I mean, I'm trying to make this as easily digestible that you can relate to. Um, So I'm talking about Web2. Talking about decentralizing is almost like you're using a certain web browser with a VPN or uh, Onion or Thor, um, or not Thor, sorry, a Tor to mask your address in some way or form. But essentially that that gets a little bit messy. So when I talk about the, um, the issue with, uh, you know, governance is depending where people are, you know, withdrawing or liquidating, causing a taxational with that, uh, particular wallet that has that data associated to it, then they can actually, ta- you know, follow up on it. 
Thank you for that. Um, I didn't know if Drew or what's up, Black Alchemist. Good to see you up here again. You know, I love being here. Thank you for being here. Step down so you can make more room. Thank you, Crypto RN. We appreciate you. And yeah, Black Alchemist, welcome, welcome. Um, go ahead, Drew. No, I mean, I was just say, yeah, I think, I think, you know, as much as as everyone thinks that you know our data is super secure and I'm so private because I'm on a VPN and everything. Now your data is everywhere. Everyone knows all your kind of data, right? Why, why do you think recently, and that this is if you're a very somewhat maybe observant person, when you go to a website, you now have to accept that they're tracking your cookies, right? Now, what the fuck is a cookie, right? A cookie is some funny things, you know, not, not, not Sesame Street related, right? Uh, <laughs> but some things they track in your browser. And, you know, that's why ads are so targeted, right? If I go on Amazon, and I search for, um, <clears throat> you know, let's just say a pool, right? And then, you know, maybe I log off my computer, I log in, and then I go to CNN.com. Well, all the ads are popping up as pool, 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 Amazon, 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 right? So it's tracking. Like, your, your data is all over. Now, I think there's a difference of you having a uh, unique identifier, aka being your wallet and everything obviously being decentral. Um, which is, you know, ether scan tracking and all that kind of stuff. And, and kind of where I'm headed to this is, is I'd really love to have, uh, hear Zorf's opinion on this because, uh, and Black Al- Alchemist as well, because um, I know we talk a lot in the chat and, and even you making me crazy, all, all three of y'all specifically, uh, because all of this data, I think, has not been utilized, good or bad, in the way that it has been in Web 2. And it's kind of funny because in Web 2, I think it's somewhat more difficult because of laws and regulation in a centralized space to query this data via APIs or, or other aspects when in Web 3, everything's searchable, right? So I'd really like to hear, you know, particularly y'all's opinions on like, you know, decentralized, how we can use it, how we can search for things, good and bad, and, and how that even kind of relates to uh, kind of, you know, unique identifiers and it being a wallet instead of a username, password, pros, cons, X, Y, Z. Hello, Black Alchemist. Yeah, for sure. Uh, yeah, go ahead and hop in there, Black Alchemist. Hey, I appreciate that, man. Hey, peace and blessings, everybody. I'm uh, so happy to be, thank you to be having me on stage. Um, really want to engage this conversation because I think it's really engaging and I think it's really uh, a conversation that needs to be had. I, I'd like to step back to two speakers prior, uh, the, 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 the young woman or the person that was discussing uh, just the intricacies of how metadata currently and how just data in general is currently being harvested under any kind of regulatory or any kind of oversight by anybody in the Web3 space now. And just how she really illuminated to everybody, and I wanted to drive this home, that, you know, every time you connect your wallet, every time you give up your wallet address, and that's just one thing. Every, there, there's tracking mechanisms for your PO apps, your, your, where you move your NFTs, all of those insights, how you move them, how, they're associated, how your wallet's associated with somebody else's, all of those insights are being leveraged today as marketing and data insights that are being sold and leveraged to create more value for other projects. And another fun thing to understand is, you know, and I, I say this and I want to just express this from a certain position. So I'm going to talk about a split second about my past for a split second just to provide context so you can understand where I'm speaking from. 
there was a point in my time in life that I was the chief information security officer of the largest data broker in the world, Experian. Most people think of it as a credit bureau, but it's not. It is the largest data broker in the world. And one of the most beautiful, beautiful and poetic uh, things that I observed in my time there, and I'm, I'm saying this with sarcasm, was their ability to convince the world that they didn't exist doing the things that they were doing, which was collecting insights about you. And they would fight vigorously with the SEC. They'd fight vigorously with the FTC. I would be there in these meetings, in these board meetings, on how to determine, lang redefine language so that it doesn't expose the nature of the collection of activities that they were doing. So why is this important now? in this conversation. Because as we see the SEC is doing the things they're doing with Yuga Labs, we see the maturity stepping up with the DOJ, and we start seeing, and we're starting to see even the FTC as they're slapping Kim Kardashian, you know, soon there's gonna be a time when these, these data elements are under some umbrella of, of regulation. But until then, this is gold. And the more that we understand that our wallets, how we transact, how we interact with OpenSea, because there's no uh, regulatory body right now governing that data, how we interact is exposing ourselves because you can buy, and I've done it, like I'm not, you know, I run a crisis mitigation firm now. So we handle problems that people can't, you know, handle. So I'm about to tell you a little formula. You can marry data from a, from a Twitter handles insights, how they interact, where they interact, then layer that with insights that you collect from a wallet's transaction or a group or a farm of wallets transactions to try to deduce where a person is going to spend money in their NFTs or how to deduce or anticipate how they're going to make decisioning on their purchases of NFTs in the future. This is where we are. And I just want to drop that in there and, and step out a little bit. I really appreciate you allowing me on the stage. Thank you for that, Drew. Yeah, just to just to kind of piggyback off that too. Like I, I think from a consumer standpoint, right? For everyone in the audience, you know, if you're if you're versed in the NFT space or you're not versed in the NFT space, you know, there are some, you know, quote unquote fundamental analytics that you can look at, like Dune Analytics, obviously the OpenSea stats, there's plenty of plugins um, that you can look for, premium or unpremium, like I know I use Super C uh, and others, right? From like a consumer standpoint that you can help you know, somewhat make an, an educated decision and to invest. I mean, although this is this is DJ on land and, and a lot of stuff doesn't make sense, right? Uh, you know, I mean, I, I'm still looking at these potatoes and, and Goblin Town, like what in the fuck? Um, personal opinion, but uh, you know, the 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 data and the stats, you know, don't lie to a degree. And then even from a founder standpoint, uh, and then I'll, I'll pass this off. I feel like founders do not even look towards analytics because if I'm a founder. <clears throat> Why would I not be looking at the analytics of my community, right? Why would I not be using that to my advantage to make sure that, hey, look, what I'm doing is actually what my community is interested in. Imagine if I have the ability to go ahead and collect data or to analyze everyone's wallet and see if there's a commonality of an NFT between all of those or the majority of my holders. And then I go and I reach out and I do a collab or I do a giveaway with that NFT, right? Like all those kind of things to make sure that, hey, look, if there's a strong interest there, let me go ahead and capitalize on that for the best interest of my community, right? So I think data and analytics is, is highly important and it's at the whim of our finger because it's all, this is all decentralized and it's, and it's there, right? Just completely, completely searchable. I mean, EtherScan is a badass fucking tool. Doing analytics makes it very easy to go ahead 
and read and interpret if you can't necessarily interpret EtherScan. But there's just so many things available to us that we just necessarily haven't had accustomed to doing because maybe it's not as popular or there isn't as easy a use case to go ahead and use that data appropriately. Thank you for that. I, I did have a question. I tweeted earlier today that, what was it? Google swiped right on Coinbase, or maybe it was Coinbase swiped right on Google. So this means, uh, so according to Google Cloud's press release, an actual official announcement, um, Google, they have chosen Coinbase to help uh, Google Cloud, quote, drive Web3 innovation, unquote, right? So that means um, if you use any of their cloud services, um, this is something that's already integrated with Shopify and um, they've left AWS, by the way. So Coinbase will not be working with AWS, but only Google Cloud. Um, I wanted to know, because as a consumer, okay, I'm a lay person here, not a dev. Um, what's up with all our privacy stuff and Google and Coinbase and all that jazz? You feel me where I'm going with this? Yeah. Yeah, I'd jump in if that's if that's okay with everybody. So, so here we go. That's a very beautiful question. The the where does your privacy go? So this this acquisition is as we can all imagine, or this merriment. Let's just call it a marriage at this point. This marriage is going to create a whole series of privacy implications. But to answer your question very directly, what I would do now, and this is what 99.99% of people on the internet do not do, all right? So this is what I would do now. As you start to really concern yourself with the aspects of privacy that you may or may not have control over as far as your utilization of technology services online, start reading the end user license agreement. This may be something that may take you all night, it may take you all weekend, it may take you uh, a week. But everything that you think you understand about the privacy or how companies handle your data may be unraveled when you, when you read these end user license agreements. When you signed up for AWS or when you signed up for Google, any of their services, it clearly states in each one, and that's the funny thing about IP rights, or, or just confidentiality of, of sensitive information. When you're leveraging one of these services, you lose about 99.9999% of your expectation of privacy to it, or your expectation of privacy of, of the analytics and data insights that you use on it, because that is a product something. Here's a fun thing to remember, and I know a lot of people have heard this already. If you don't pay for the product, i.e. you're not paying for MetaMask, you're not paying for OpenSea, you're not technically paying for Google, you're not paying for, for Amazon technically. If you're not paying for these products, then you are the product. You are the thing that is generating intelligence, data and sources for them to generate wealth and revenue into their systems. So it behooves them to ensure that they have the most porous data security expectations known to exist that still align with regulations in the states for them to manipulate and use your data. I hope that answers your questions a little bit, at least. Uh, that definitely does. Drew, did you have anything to add to that? Thank you so much, Buck Alchemist. That was dope. No, I mean, I think that's that's a really good a really good call. I mean, something that's that's super interesting, right? And I'm, I'm just going to throw this out there. This is definitely not what I'm suggesting by any means. Is, you know, you can go to, uh, oh, I can't remember what the government website is, but you can go and you can request 
your social, uh, what is what do they call it? Your 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 online uh, presence. What do you, do you know what it is, Carl? Yeah, it's uh, your uh, your your online fingerprint. Yeah, Foot your print. online Foot fingerprint. Print. Yes, yes, thank you. Gosh, I, I was skipping my mind. But obviously, in order to do that, you have to fill out almost more than I would fill out for a background check to make sure that they're giving it to who they are so they're getting you know up-to-date information, right? So I think it's very interesting. I mean, I, I don't know anyone who has done it. If someone here has done it, please like DM me. I, I would love to you know pick your brain on exactly what they showed and all the other aspects, but you know, kind of to what Black Alchemist says was, you know, keep in mind, you know, you definitely are the product product with everything free. And even without being free, I mean, you know, these these companies got to make money somehow. And, and your data is being sold, whether you like it or not. I mean, think about how many, you know, uh, raffles, uh, giveaways, random things, right? You've, you've filled out your first, last name and email on. I mean, that's enough to go ahead and, you know, run with, uh, you know, NFT Drew V2, right? Um, I mean, just that, you know, our, our personal identity, I don't think has really been of the utmost importance until recent years, especially now when we start moving into a web three, when, you know, people are freaking out that, you know, they have to KYC for something. Uh, yet we've just been giving away this information for free for decades. I saw a hand up. Go ahead. Uh, yeah, I, would say I also had a, another thing to, to kind of touch on that with as well is, uh, I mean, like, me personally, I know I don't know about you know all of everybody else in the room and whatnot, but we all know that Coinbase really and truly isn't that decentralized. Like if someone wants the coin, like the data, like for transactions that you sent on Coinbase, they can get it. You know, I mean it's it's not that hidden. I mean, there's a reason when you sign up on Coinbase that you put your first name, your last name, your address, you link all your debit card information to it, and everything like that. Coinbase has everything that they want. And I mean, just because you're every time you receive or send, you know, uh, crypto through Coinbase, yeah, you generate a new wallet if that's, you know, if that's a route that you take, but it's still linked to your name. And if someone wants to find that, they 99.9% sure that they can. And if it's going to link to, you know, the Google Cloud and with everything that's in their infrastructure, uh, I mean, like, we know how many leaks happen on that database a year. You know, and if that if that information is going to be synced across the platforms and stuff, I can only imagine what kind of trouble that's going to cause. Mm, thank you. Black Alchemist. Yes, I, I like that. The, the, both of the last two speakers are hitting the nails so, so square on. It's beautiful. So I really want to jump on the back of that because you actually add, Mary, uh, you asked uh, about the, the, the impl implications of these uh, two companies, cons you know, becoming uh, teaming partners, you know, for uh, of sorts in certain aspects. But think about this. <clears throat> so much of Web3 currently is premised around the idea of anonymity. Ooh, I said that one smoothly this time. Yes. So I know, yeah, like baby's butter. It was amazing. So <laughs> I felt so proud of myself. But anyway, so it's premised around, you know, and a lot of people are relying on their idea of privacy or their their construct of, of security uh, based off of the you know the, the the flag words of you know you can be an anonymous here and you can do things without being doxxed and etc cetera, etc cetera. so to your question I want I would like for to drop a, a little bit of dirt on top of your shovel because this is going to get deep 
<laughs> in, <laughs> in time, in time, these the analytics that these two companies will have, because as we know right now, you know, Google has a vast majority of insights and data, you know, data, data revealing data insights on almost every human being that has an electronic connection, right? Over time, as people start using these platforms more, and as regulation starts enforcing more KYC, there is going to be a net that these two companies can cast to associate almost any identity to almost any wallet. And if you're not having the proper offset practices in place now to ensure that you're KYCing on vested ch vetted channels, that you are only doing it when necessary, absolute necessary, and that you've separated your personal identity from that doxed identity or that KYC identity so that in the event of any kind of exploitation, it's compartmentalized and it's not exposing you or your family to like, you know, people knocking up on your door, or hacking into your ring, saying this to put tinfoil, you know, blinders on anybody. What I'm saying is this is the reality of the situation and we just need to think about that. It's a really important topic. Zorf, Drew. Yeah, I really don't. I don't have a lot to add. I think all this is interesting. Uh, I see Black Alchemist is pretty deep in the privacy stuff. You know, I, I just, love it. <laughs> you know, I think I, I just think you know, no matter what, uh, you know, you're going to start seeing more and more of this data aggregation uh, kind of coming into the space. I mean, you can see from some recent acquisitions. I think of like Jim and Jeannie. You know that uh, any businesses that are that are aggregating data right now are kind of pretty juicy targets for some of the bigger players in Web three. And uh, I mean, it's like several people said, you know, I mean, obviously all these blockchain transactions are visible on, you know, on all these various chains. It's just that, you know, we haven't really got to the point yet where you have any wide scale attachment identities with these transaction histories. But I mean, that's obviously going to happen. I mean, you see these like these little partnerships between Coinbase and Google. I mean, what else could they possibly and, uh, then then eventually taking all this historical you know, history of blockchain and starting to associate identities with it? And I mean, at that point, you know, you look at Web2 with cookies like this, and there's just a whole bunch of crazy trickery that had to be done to actually track the purchase history of people, you know, with cookies or with, you know, with whatever. Uh, and with blockchain and Web3, you know, you don't need to do that because, you know, all the transactions are public. And uh, the, the big the big challenge is just attaching these identities. And as soon as you as soon as you do, you have, you know, the I mean, years of history and, uh, and you can use that for retargeting. And so, you know, I mean, you already know that's coming. And uh, so I don't really feel like I'm contributing anything beyond that. But I mean, we're actually building, you know, and again, we're not building it for the purpose of targeting people for with ads and all that kind of stuff. But we are starting to build, you know, data ingestion back in, you know, mainly for the purpose of just making it a lot easier to search and filter on NFT, you know, collection data and transaction data and things like that. But I just think any company in this space that's building out infrastructure is definitely thinking about data aggregation. And, and so it's definitely a good time to be having these discussions about privacy. Yeah. yeah. Go ahead, Drew. I was just going to say, I mean, it's kind of funny. I don't know if anyone has ever thought about it or noticed. You, know, you can't use MetaMask in an incognito browser, right? Go ahead. We can drink the Kool-Aid. Wait, you can't use MetaMask in an incognito browser. Okay, word. I had to think that. Yeah, that says a lot. <laughs> that, that was so much volume you just put on this space. <laughs> I mean, it was one sentence that just made a huge if, impact to if, so many if people. Everyone, if everyone doesn't understand that, right? So, like, when you use an incognito browser, it quote-unquote blocks and doesn't track cookies, and there's not a lot of, you know, history, you know, kind of uh, it, it noting down or it knowing where you're going because it's quote-unquote incognito, right? Although, in reality, it's not. 
really entirely incognito, but you know, for, for certain plugins and other aspects, right. There has to be um, some kind of tracking or there has to be some kind of backend RPC calls or I'm getting too technical, but there has to be something back there. Right. And, and it all, it's all being tracked, right. Tinfoil app. And just to narrow down, uh, RPC is just a way of communicating from one device to another or so forth remotely. How'd you know, Baroness? Thank you. Psychonaut. Hey, what's up, guys? I think this whole anonymity is, uh, and I actually can't believe I said that right either. Um, I think it's a little overplayed. You know, the reality is like when you buy products, you have to ship them somewhere. You know what I mean? Um, also, yeah, blockchain actually takes all the all that away if you are buying stuff like that you're actually obtaining because in Web2, like, I don't know what you buy on what website. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know that information. Sure, Google does, but I don't know that. But now I know what you buy through the blockchain. See what you're purchasing, where you're purchasing from. If stores are taking ETH and you pay with ETH, I know what store you're buying from because I can track that wallet. So I think the the anonymous thing is super overplayed. Um, I think it's cool that Twitter's anonymous because I get it. People have fucking jobs and shit and they don't want their jobs knowing they're like fucking around on spaces all day. Like that makes total sense to me. And I, I love that about it. Uh, I don't think that founders of projects should be anonymous. And I know that's something that is hit or miss with people's opinions, but the full opinion on it, just because I'm putting my money into your project and I'd love to know who you are. Like Frank's name might be fucking Josh from D gods. Like who knows? Right. So it's just like, it's fucking weird to me that we, we play into this a little bit, a little bit too hard, but at the end of the day, you know, you're actually a lot, a lot less anonymous here than you are here overall, if you really think about it. So that's, that's my two cents on that. I don't really have a whole lot more about it. Thank you, Carl's. Yeah, I just wanted to, to kind of, I guess you could say, just kind of plug some alpha in for people that want to uh, stay completely decentral. Um, so, I mean, if you guys didn't know, if you're making any type of purchases uh, and you want it to be anonymous, you can use Apple Pay to make your purchases. And that is probably more secure than buying something on the blockchain uh, just because of the way that Apple Pay works. Um and that's just that was just a little little bit of extra that you can wait. You can, how is that more anonymous? Because the way that the Apple Pay servers works, it essentially you buy stuff with a uh, with a token instead of using your own like fiat. So it's essentially if you link your dev Apple Pay, you pay Apple, then Apple in return pays the the person that you're you're sending. So it's like a secure token that gets sent essentially to the person that you're or to the entity that you're buying from. Um, that will in return, it'll kind of keep you completely masked. But the only downfall side of that is that if you're buying, if you're using it on web two, and then you're like ordering something, uh, then of course your, your name and your address is going to be, you know, plugged into it. Uh, I'm going to go with black alchemist then kit Baroness black alchemist. So all it's, I always speak with positivity, love and light, positive affirmations to everybody in this space. However, I do want to address maybe the way that the, the previous speaker's uh, message was, was sent. Definitely understood that, you know, it's better to use uh, Apple Pay uh, for certain transactions, but specifically because I, you know, my company, Black Alchemy Solutions, we actually have a product called OSINT Scrubbing specifically for uh, 
politicians, NFT founders, DeFi managers, people who are getting up in there, getting up in their notoriety or developing some kind of visibility, we secure their footprints digitally, 100% loss of life capable. So I say that to say this, one of the clear things that we always advise our clients, and I'm going to share these a few things about staying anonymous, just because uh, I loved Carl's, um, and I, if I missed up your name, I don't mean to do it intentionally, it's all respect. But the previous speaker was speaking to privacy and uh, how to stay anonymous. And I just want to drop on some things. If you are staying offline, if you're in a capacity where you really want to reduce the amount of uh, footprints that you leave for investigators, people who have the capacity to subpoena records or transaction logs from different payment providers, then leveraging uh, Cash App or these electronic uh, token uh, systems is probably the worst idea that you can leverage unless you have created or developed some fake identity that is not associated with your real identity behind on the cards or when you're registering for the service itself. Uh, mainly because uh, all of these records can be subpoenaed easily. And from a cybersecurity and a hacker or exploitation perspective, these companies get breached more times than not. And everybody in the room should also understand that because you're not always notified when a company gets hacked, and you should, in a perfect world, everybody should be you know, very happy and nobody should die and we should live long, wonderful lives, but unfortunately we don't. We live in a world where companies get hit and breached all the time and they're not notifying the people whose data, first names, last names, address, places of residence, MetaMask wallet identity. I mean, I'm talking about serious insights, right? Well, which hand they use to you know, pitch left. I mean, serious insights, and I'm not being sarcastic. I'm telling you, these insights get lost every day. And out there in the dark net or in, in, in some of the darkest corners of the internet, there are people that sell that data for whatever reasons, whether it's to target you, uh, to create blackmail campaigns. Some of you may have seen the scams where they look, I've been recording your web, your web uh, camera for a while and I've seen the naughty things you do. Well, some of those are real especially when they're surgical and they're going after high net worth individuals and they really have broken into it. So I said all that to go around my elbow to get to my ankle and say this, when you are really in a capacity where you're trying to stay anonymous, remember that every time you have typed in your first name and your last name into any system, that system has the propensity to be hacked, compromised or subpoenaed. So the best systems to use when you're trying to anonymous are ones that haven't asked you those questions because they have nothing to reveal about you. For instance, if you're looking at V technology and you're saying, hey, which VPN should I use? You know, I, I definitely know I should be secure and I should be private. Which one should I use? This is what I say to my clients. Well, this is what I say to people. Uh, my clients are different. So this is what I say. If you're doing it to stay anonymous and you really just don't want people to intercept and see what you're doing and you don't want your name associated with what you're doing, like if you're doing research on uh, business intelligence or you're doing you know, geopolitical research, whatever you're doing, and you just wanna have some level of you know, anonymity and privacy, then here's my advice. If you had to give up your first name, last name and a credit card for it, then it's not that private. It's gonna be nothing but a subpoena from the federal government or from another case, uh, some, somebody in the legal system, that there is a justification to understand what identity was using this VPN at this time and browsing this information. So my advice, if you're leveraging a product that requires you to give a first name and last name, then it's not really anonymous. Companies like VPN, they take Bitcoin, they take cryptocurrency. You know, there are a lot of other ones that take cryptocurrency that don't allow, that don't need your name. So just think about things like that. Peace and blessings, and thank you for allowing me on the stage again.
Yes, of course. And before I go to Drew, I'm going to go to Kit Burness. Go ahead. Oh, boy. Uh, I'm being a little bit flighty today because everything that I was thinking about kind of went out of my head. But um, one of the things, backtracking a little bit, uh, Imani, the... All right. I know what I can talk about. Sorry. So we were discussing about the ability to go back and request your information from the government. Now, trying to tie in because we have a room full of devs that are speakers, but we also have plenty of listeners that are also um, people that are curious. We don't want to scare them off. So to tie in what we're talking about in general about taking control of your information, your carbon that is uh, forever on the interwebs is just like credit scores. So you can always, you yourself are to request your credit score and um, refute or dispute transactions and so forth that may be on your score. And you might also be able to start a business to do on someone else's behalf. Same with our FOIA, which is, I forgot what the heck that acronym stands for, but you can look it up. It's a government website. It's called FOIA. You can go ahead. I think and dispute- that's Freedom of Information, if I'm not mistaken. Okay. If that's okay. the same thing you're talking about. Yes, that sounds right. Sorry. I, and by the way, I have been sick, so my brain has not been able to retain too much information a little so just bear with me. So you can go ahead and go on to the American government website. I think it's actually america.gov and go ahead and look up your FOIA, do a request, just like any uh, credit transaction. Um, the, gov- the day that you do your submission, you have 20 days to request for it to be striked off. It's, and um, if there's any disputes, you can continue it. And the best thing to do is probably send in as much information as possible because they won't catch it all. But I didn't say that. Interesting <laughs> that you did. Um, I did not say that. Everything I say here is a lie. Okay. Um, I had actually a really valid point to give out, but at this point in time, I don't have it. So I'll have to get back to it. You got it, Carl. I just had, I had a question for for Black Alchemist. Uh, the reason I mentioned the the thing about the the Apple Pay was because whenever I was going through my uh, cybersecurity degree, um, my professor had mentioned that to me, and the way that they had basically kind of pushed it to us, or like the way that I, I've seen it and the way that I looked into it, was essentially that yes, the bank understands like your information, right? Because it's essentially linked to your card, but the person that you are buying from essentially won't know your information. Uh, whenever it's sent to them it, only the bank has it so i guess if you know if you were subpoenaed and they went through your bank records then yes you could see it uh but in terms of like sending you know money that way or you know paying for something that way can't you stay completely anonymous like essentially that way or have i got it flip-flopped no i mean so when it comes to security and pri- and thank you for for jumping back and allowing us to engage i appreciate this dialogue and experiencing this experience with you so that we can have clarity on it so when it comes to security and privacy here's a thing just to 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 maybe plant in the back of our minds it's a mindset it's a mindset before it's an activity and before it's an activity and before it's a mindset it's a concept that has to be followed so and I'm gonna I'm gonna get to your answer and we're gonna address it head on. So there was a time in my life 
for 20 years, but to be more precise, it was seven years, very active in the U.S. intelligence communities, uh, for operations, exploitations, uh, agencies like the NGA, NSA, and a few other ones we don't have to mention on this line. And for a long time, for those years, my life depended upon my application of OPSEC, operational security, privacy security, and understanding digital exploitation to a level to where if I had made a mistake, not only might be a danger, but the others as well. And I say that to say this, there is a difference between conceptual understanding or the, the things that we learn uh, from when we pick up a book and we first digest some source intelligence, that is one layer, especially in the technology space, in the security technology space, that is one layer of information. The, uh, the application of those technology concepts, protocols, uh, are, are, are sometimes completely different only because the darker side of the, of, the, of the security spectrum has already learned how to exploit it before it becomes public knowledge. That's, and, and, and that's where the zero day, you know, that, that, that type of uh, tag comes from. It's, it's a exploit or a vulnerability that hasn't been addressed. So to your point, when you're leveraging a digital identity or digital token uh, transaction service like Apple Pay, Cash App, or any NFC, uh, and that's what these, you know, the, that's the technology for everybody listening. We're talking about Apple Pay, and is it a good means of uh, anonymity? Huh? Almost as smooth as that time. Uh, or, or privacy when you're trying or attempting to live a more private and secure life. Uh, the, the position here is that we're just discussing the various ways that that could be uh, a weakness to privacy. And what I'm going to say now is, yeah, I still believe and I still know that when you use a phone and you're leveraging NFC technology, number one, that transaction at that merchant may not say that this is Jason Tate buying this pack of, you know, Americans, uh, you know, hypothetically. It's not saying that. However, at the merchant payment processor and at the, the credit card uh, processing stations, those places can be uh, subpoenaed. And those places can be uh, otherwise uh, used to uncover your transaction history, which can then be used to locate you. And of course, I know we're talking about level of effort. I just wanted to address, you know, that's where I was speaking from. And from a privacy perspective, do I suggest it? Here's what I suggest. You know, like we could talk about theory or we could talk about what I place into the back of the minds of all of those who ask about privacy and, and staying, you know, remotely anonymous as much as they can. One of the first things you do is take cash, pay cash, need to, but more importantly, send somebody else, your cousin, your auntie, your nephew. I have, and if anybody challenges me, I can show you my wallet. I have about 50 of them. Uh, prepaid cards, prepaid cards that are not bought with me going into the store. And it's not because I'm running from the law. Obviously, I'm not. It's because I maintain a certain level of privacy for my own pattern of life. So using prepaid cards that are not purchased directly by myself, like I'll give somebody, hey, here's $500, so give me three of please. And this just helps to, to keep that information off the center, you know? And that, I just wanted to address that. Thank you for allowing me on stage again. Dope. I'm going to go to Baroness to see if she remembered. <laughs> I did remember. Oh, my gosh. Uh, I hate feeling this way. Gosh. So... Uh... Okay, really briefly, somewhere in there, you guys were talking about the NFT transactions and so forth and ties hand in hand with the idea of, you know, people talking about for 
what we have currently. Everyone favors Apple because they basically said F you to the government when they were trying to have them, uh, you know, basically dox their clientele and their, you know, your UI, user interface information and data. And uh, it has to have, a, you know, court records that specify um, the reason to cause, show cause, versus like AWS or Google. It might be, you might have a device or smart TV. And whether you say like, hey, it's it's okay, or um, go ahead and send in a subpoena, they can just go ahead and subpoena directly to the company and pull those, uh, you know, whisper tech or listeners uh, without your consent, which is very unique. So... Um, Apple, Apple as is, yeah, it is one of the safest plays that we have in, you know, in real life situations. However, um, you know, it's, it's a large business, but never take faith in businesses that are too large to fail. We've seen multiple times where, you know, chains or acquisitions and, and different merges that they, they tend to always change, you know, they get different updates, they change their, um, user agreements and who actually reads through all of those or takes uh, control of their privacy every single time or even knows of every update that's coming along. So in that case, we also talk about blockchain technology and how not everything has to interact. Same with every individual itemized transaction that we have, right? So we talk about NFT transactions um, as the actual asset and the image and so forth, whatever data that's associated with it. But we're also talking about, about extra layers onto a blockchain. Um, certain like HBAR uses a whisper technology into a node system that doesn't have everything dumped and written onto chain, reducing gas fees and so forth. But we also have uh, different uh, layer systems to work between Ethereum and the Cosmos, which uses like Kepler wallet and multiple um, wallets associated with the Cosmo chains. So in that case, NFT transactions would actually be considered as a receipt where it can have the, it'll show the receipt of the transaction uh, with a certain price point for what a, just like a receipt. That's all it is. It doesn't have everything itemized to dox the user or what products that were being transitioned, but also um, in return, you'd end up having a isolating messaging protocol attached to it. So that's when we get out of our maxi mindset of creating um, you know, we have to have those little buffers in between. And I'm, I'm trying to figure out more layman's terms, but maybe the devs can actually help out with me with uh, trying to explain what uh, emulator and mo a module is, because that's what a layer system is to create the isolations. Mm, that on. Otherwise, I'm going to kindly ask Brick Chain and oh, it's you making me crazy. What's up? <laughs> I was wondering when you were going to notice that. Um, I just had no idea that was you. What's good? It's good to see you. It's really good quick. to see you too. Yeah, yeah. I just let me while I have you here. I I just want to say thank you so much, everyone, for kicking it with when spaces of when mint. Um, please, you know what? Give everyone on stage a follow. Um, look, I've never had the guts to really dive into this type of talk before in spaces, but hey, we all have to have a first time, right? And um, I'm very honored to be part of this discourse. What's up? You making me cray? Uh, not much. Um, I wanted to comment kind of on the anonymity thing. So if you KYC to anywhere and you used it as an on or off ramp, you're not anonymous. Uh, I mean, the only way to be completely anonymous 
completely is either to use Monero. That's your on and off ramp. Uh, anywhere else, pretty much, you're not. If it's used as an off ramp or an on ramp, and they have your name, social, anything about you, you're not anonymous. Uh, the only other way is literally like selling somebody some kind of cryptocurrency in person and them giving you cash for it. But I agree with Black Alchemist, like green dot cards and burners are the way to go. Can can you quickly explain just so everyone's aware, what's what, what do you mean by on-ramp and, and off-ramp? Uh, you know this, but yeah, I'll clarify for everyone else. Um, so an on-ramp or an off-ramp is where you buy and or crypto to convert it into, so wherever you do that at, normally nine times out of 10, you're going to have to KYC. So there's there's a track of that. That can be subpoenaed. Look at what just is like. What was it? Fourteen thousand pages of people's names, addresses, everything about them, in court documents. I have a question. Does this count as on ramping anonymously? Since Carl brought up, um, what was it? Apple Pay. I think the first time I purchased crypto was using MetaMask via Apple Pay. If I'm not mistaken, I just picked that. Like, hey, it, does that not count as? You know, I didn't KYC, but obviously it goes through my my iCloud or whatever, Apple Pay. So does that not technically count as anonymous? No. Um, so I, you should have used like MoonPay, I believe, right? Look, I didn't know back then. But yeah, <laughs> no, school me, school me. Yeah, um, MoonPay or Apple, like, I mean, to a point, it's anonymous. Like the people looking online, unless they can attach it to, you know, an account that you transferred it to to cash out, like... Mine goes to a crypto.com account. Now, if somebody wanted to, they could have those records subpoenaed and get my real world information. Like they would have to have a reason to, and they would have to be someone who could do a subpoena. Like you can't just request that information. So to everyone online, I'm anonymous, but you know, to crypto.com, I had to KYC. Word. Thank you for that. Uh, Drew, actually, why don't we do this? Can you give us, Drew, today's weather report in our world of tech? Absolutely. So uh, I think we'll do a little mid, mid-hour mid segment of, uh, you know, maybe the, the security weather report for this week. Um, I think in regards to scam shams, uh, seeing a huge, huge, huge amount of people getting DMs from this group. If you click on my profile, I actually made a thread about it. Um, and this has been going on for a super long time. Uh, talking to a couple other people where they'll get a DM. It's very convincing. They say, hey, we're looking for beta testers. Do you mind going to this website? Here's an activation code. Just go ahead and enter the activation code, which auto downloads some kind of EXE or zip file onto your computer. Go ahead and beta test the game and we will give you $2,400. We will give you 0.35 ETH. And as soon as you go ahead and download that game and then run said software, whatever it downloads, a lot of people are getting key logged. A lot of people are getting RDP sessions established, right? That means all of your computer. There's a lot of scams that we're seeing out of this. Uh, so definitely just make sure don't respond to DMs. Close your DMs to friends only on Discord and Twitter. If you don't know how to do that, go to set settings, privacy, uh, privacy and safety. And don't ever click random links. Don't go to website. Respond. If people are offering you money in the DMs and you have no idea who they are, it's too good to be true. I can't believe people are still out here trading without a ledger. Get a ledger, right? Go ahead and protect yourself. 
It can only do as much as it can, but at least it's something. It's better than nothing, right? It'll go ahead and protect you in the event that your space is compromised or something. Go ahead and install in the Chrome browser, revoke.cache plugin, WalletGuard plugin. Always make sure to go ahead and read and be fully aware of what you're signing. Be, be weary of approve all. MetaMask is, is getting a little better at kind of having that in plain text. And a little alpha for some people is um, on desktop, if you go to your MetaMask and you click those three little dots on the top right-hand side, you go connected sites. I always say, ugh, excuse me, disconnect from sites that you no, no longer need your wallet to be connected to. There's no need for it, right? That's just plain and simple. Your, your, uh, your wallet can't get hacked this way. But it's just good not to have your your uh, wallet connected to these sites uh, for various reasons that I'm not going to dive into the rabbit hole about. Uh, on on mobile, you actually have to go to general privacy and settings and then reset account, which actually clears all of them. And other scams, shams that we're still seeing is a lot of people are still sending around fake trading sites. Don't ever trade. If they want to buy, just do it on your preferred platform. Always make sure that, you know, we're on Twitter.com. Make sure someone isn't sending you a link for Twitter.io, Twitter.xyz. Um, a lot of those are going around. Uh, Premit.gg versus XYZ, right? Those kind of things. Those will get you really good. Uh, a lot of other people are also trading on X2, Y2, and there's been a huge amount of scams from that, especially for people minting, uh, you know, let's say a, a board ape on the Polygon chain, and yeah, it looks super legit, and they send you a link, and... Um, they trade you a Polygon copy pasta board ape for said assets. So always make sure that you're viewing into the contract, you're going into Etherscan, you're actually seeing that the asset is the actual asset that you want to trade it for. It has secondary volume. It has the blue check mark XYZ. And please be be vigilant. If it if it's too good to be true, it is too good to be true. And if you're not sure, just ask people. Ask people that you trust. No one's an expert in the space. Ask two or three people, and if the majority of them give you the same answer, then it's probably right. Don't ever just ask one person, especially if they are claiming to be an expert. And I will also defer to the rest of the security experts on here because we have a great panel if they'd like to add anything else to this week's weather report. Yes, let's hear that weather report. Over here, it's super cold. I'm not used to not being in L.A. weather, um, but I'd love to hear any other uh, forecasts from any of the teams here. I just want to say about the DMs, if you get one from Crystal World or Metal World's P2E or whatever, just send them my way. I love fucking with those scammers and DMs. Try to get money up front from them before I download to whatever it is. But I, I download inside of um, a VM, loop through a bunch of different other shit. So if you get a DM like that, just send them to me. I will gladly blast them for like hours, as long as possible, before they get annoyed. There was another one. I mean, so it is it's kind of sad because well, does anyone legit ever give out some kind of like hey, here's beta, or, hey, do you want to try this game? Does that even is that even a thing? Yeah, yes. yeah. So how are we supposed it's to It's a thing. It? Well, I mean, if I may jump in here. Please. If somebody got if somebody listen, so the, the 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 day that you signed up for NFT Twitter, the say the day that you signed up for Web three, you is the day that you 
signed up to be extremely, extremely vigilant inside of your DMs. The, the, the choice that you leverage, the, the choice that you make listening to or entertaining information inside of your DMs is a very risky one now. Now that you've entered into, like if this was an onboarding discussion, if I wish I had NFT Drew or, or who, yeah, I think it was NFT Drew's like, you know, his whole, I loved your spill on the weather, man. That was groovy. I was over here about to put a beat on the back of it. But anyway, as soon as you, you go into Web3 and the day you sign in for NFT Twitter is the day that you have become the biggest target right now in a certain logical space. So you have to make conscious decisions to whether or not you want to engage with somebody who does not know you. I'm going to share something with you on my weather report. Here we go. Uh, I tried. So on my weather report that I actually give to a lot of my celebrity clients. All right. So this is really important. Just listen. Pay attention if you want to. <clears throat> because you are now in that visible sector, because now people see you, they're going to want one thing that you can't afford to give them, and that's your attention. Your attention is much more valuable than your currency because with your attention, I can manipulate you. With your attention, I can drop seeds of information inside of you that can impregnate you and give birth at a later date. Your intention, your attention is so important that maybe the most important thing you need to do right now is preserve it. So how do we preserve our attention when it comes to things online? First and foremost, if they don't know you, then why are you entertaining them? Why are you soliciting your attention to something in your DMs when you have sent it or engaged somebody to send you that information? So that's, a, that's another baseline that you can create in your whole pattern of life. You can say things to the effect of, well, <clears throat> people who are valuable to me or people who are going to add value to the energy space that I'm existing in on this planet, whether it's technology or whether it's mindfulness or whatever it is, they know how to communicate to me directly on this platform, which is X, Y, and Z. If it's not X, Y, and Z, then I don't want to really allocate a lot of my time and attention to this area, namely DMs inside of Instagram and uh, Instagram inside of Twitter as well. I tell them this because, listen, if you are spending all of your time going through the thousands or the hundreds of scams trying to figure out and decipher which one you want to entertain, what you're doing is playing Russian roulette with your <laughs> with the virginity of your scam of your, your scam existence, meaning or what I mean to say is you're playing Russian roulette with, you know, of being hacked or not. And I, I know I could have bet, choose, chosen better words, but I am microdosing on shrooms at the moment. So excuse me. So he <clears throat> said. When you engage and when you decide to pay your attention there or, or actually go into your DMs, you're playing Russia roulette. So why wouldn't you create an authoritative channel, right? This is what I advise my people to do. Like, listen, create an authoritative channel. This is what we tell NFT projects to do. We just posted this as well on our Twitter. We say, hey, listen, you know, you could just put their whole thing about their Twitter spaces, you know, their Twitter handle is just out of outer spell, whatever, we just got hit or they're having issues with it and then they just lost it. Okay, so the response to that was this. Creating an authoritative channel. This is big boy business stuff. This is this is or big person business stuff. More mature, not sophomore. When you're creating a vacation channel for anybody in your community of interest, make sure not on a platform that can be manipulated, hijacked, or otherwise finagled with to tamper with the integrity of what you're saying. Meaning, use a secure communication platform, whatever you, I'm not going to name drop anyone here, but using one or identifying something in your community of trust in, you know, Mary Beth, when you are engaging with other people, do you want to say, oh, well, maybe there's a possibility that somebody who knows me is going to reach out to me in my DMs. No, 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 no. People that oh, know no. me are going to hit me on signal. Huh? I said, hell no. Right. That's people that know me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. People that know me, for instance, 
if they know Jason Tater, if they're trying to reach out to Black Alchemy, they're going to reach out to me, especially if they have something important to say. They're going to know that I have a rule of engagement. They're going to first at least take the time to read my profile. And they're going to see that it says, hey, don't DM me anything sensitive because hackers hack, you know. And then number two, they're going to communicate with me on Signal. And that's how I know I'm spending my time and my interest and my focus on a secure communication platform that is not going to be compromised. So I hope that touched a little bit of the answer that you were seeking, or at least I hope it provided value. That First of all, I mean, we got some spoken word up in here. So everyone throw up some hearts and claps for Black Al Alchemy up here. Um, that was dope. And yes, you did very eloquently speak to my query. Thank you so much. Um, I do want to go to Hans. I think it was you making me crazy first and then Drew. I'm just going to say what eMoney was probably going to say. The only beta testing that I've done in this space was for IGL. And even then, and I told uh, Chris, you know, the founder, when I downloaded it, I said, first time I run this, I'm doing it inside of a VM. I hope you don't get offended. He was like, nope, I expect nothing less from you. So literally the only beta testing that I have ever done in this space, I have downloaded a few of the Crystal Play ones just to help other people out. But that was inside of virtual machines that were routed through a whole bunch of other shit. So don't do it. If you get a beta testing thing, chances are 99.999% is bullshit. Send them to me. I'll fuck with them. <laughs> All right, Drew. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think one one 1.2 is, you know, e-money and, and make me crazy. I think you guys both know IGL and you both know Chris, right? So it wasn't like it was a, a random DM either. But I just want to say two things. Uh, one thing uh, also is, you know, just because someone has a lot of followers, just because someone has a blue check mark, no offense to anyone, just because someone has an expensive PFP, even me, I'm not an expert. Don't listen to me, right? Take all this, you know, food for thought and just keep it in the back of your mind. I mean, maybe some tips and tricks here will save you from getting scammed. I personally, I'm a cybersecurity engineer in real life and I've gotten scammed, right? There are very, very, very good social engineering things and new things coming out every single day. And you just have to stay vigilant and continue to educate. And the second thing I want to say is I swear to God, I think Block Alchemy is Jason Bourne. I mean, I won't argue against <laughs> that. E money, what's good? Yeah, I I'm gonna throw this out there, right? If I hadn't been, uh, uh like beta testing anything is something that you uh should do only if you're a hundred percent certain of the source. Or you've seen it into like you need independent verification that it's safe to do. Uh, there's a reason why beta testing, like, so beta testing, like open public beta testing, is never the first stage in beta testing. There's always dedicated people that do it behind the scenes first before it ever goes to public. Um, and there's a reason for that. And it's because, you know, uh, Black Alchemy will definitely back me up on this, but. If there's vulnerabilities, if there's avenues, uh, if there's malware, uh, you'll see it on the back end first. And um, I like the reason that I like, you know, if you're dealing with any kind of sensitive information, if you're, um, you know, I literally have a separate computer for gaming that I don't do anything else on. Like, that's all it does is just game. Um, I have a separate computer that I do my crypto on. It's a little tiny notebook that all I do on it is crypto. That's it. 
Um, and then I have my main computer that I do most of my work on and it's never connected. So, uh, you know, having, having said that, you know, just always be careful as careful as possible. Drew said it, he's been scammed before I've been scammed before. Um, it's not something that you want to go through. It's always, always tough, especially when the moment of realization comes that, there isn't anyone else to blame in the situation except you letting your guard down. It it's brutal. I'm just telling you that from from firsthand experience. So if you can spare yourself by being more vigilant and informing yourself better ahead of time, you can reach out to me anytime you want. Um, Black Alchemy has been very, very, very open with me over the last few weeks. I've actually talked of times and. He's given me a ton of information and spaces. Drew knows his stuff inside and out. And you're making me crazy. And Carl's have both demonstrated an incredible aptitude to me in discords and tracking down blockchain stuff and a number of different things. And uh, they, they've they all made a huge impact for us, for me over the last, uh, you know, since I've been here. And so finding the people that you can trust and know uh, is a very helpful thing to do for as a source of information. Black alchemist, alchemy. Yeah, <laughs> alchemy. There you go. Yes, it's Black Alchemy. Black Alchemy Solutions Group is the name of my company. But yes, now that we're friends, you can call me Jay if you like. Um, so there we go. So really quick though, we we've been talking about the pain. We've been talking about how it feels to get shot. We've been talking about how you could look at different guns to ensure that you can disarm them. But let's talk about some pain relief for a second, right? Let's, let's throw some morphine out here or some mindful meditation, rather. So when you're doing your own research, because we're thinking about, okay, you got a DM, and it sounds like some people may have like a, a viable need. I say, listen, I have to really legitimately, for the nature of my pattern of life, I need to evaluate what's in my DMs. I can't, so, I can't create the secure communication channel, Mr. Mr. Tate. Okay, cool. So... What about this? A part of D-Y-O-R. Like Drew was saying earlier, listening to spaces and, and listening to people talk is not your only source of validation. It should never be a source of validation for information or intelligence about any particular topic. Doing your own research for you to do a little bit more than listen, right? Listening to learn is one important thing, but when you're getting DMs, here's something that I do. And this is what I, I really hope a lot of people are listening to. Whether or not I'm getting a DM, or somebody is, you know, asking me to assess the security or, you know, whatever, an evaluation of a project or tell me if it's a rug or give me some insights. I take it to the step furthest possible on my research. Somebody sends me a DM. I'm looking at your name. I'm looking at everything on your profile, deducing who you work for, what you're associated with. And every little NFT at symbol, every single thing that you name in there, I'm getting a dossier developed either by myself or one of my teammates. And we're going to run you. We're going to run you through open corporates. Write that down. We're going to run you through open corporates, which lets you know a free way, an easy way to let, let you know the legitimacy of, of, a, of a traditional company if it's viable. Of course, you can go to the local you know, state uh, registr business registration uh, sites, but open corporates is a really good site to look at the legitimacy of a company. Then I'm also looking at the, the, the tenure of your accounts. I'm looking at who you are, who you're associated with. And of course, if I'm dealing with, we're talking about beta testing. Beta testing means you have a product and it should have been, been viable or it's almost viable, or it's ready. 
for market. So you should have a company behind it, especially if you're developing something that somebody's going to be using and that game is going to be something that's going to be transacting. So you have to have had it registered with a few other places. I'm taking it to that level. And that way, if I don't see those types of interactions, if I don't see those articles of evidence that you are a legitimate entity, then I am not going to waste any more time with you. Does that make sense? Yes, it does. Oh, Drew. Yeah, just, just to add there, I think, I think it's always the, the detail, right? Because a lot of these scams and a lot of these tactics, they just build, they build on FOMO, right? And, and what happens when, when FOMO kicks in? Our logical thinking or you know, our attention to detail kind of goes out the window because you're just trying to get to it first, right? So it always comes in attention. You know, when I'm beta testing a game and let's say it's associated to an NFT project and that NFT hasn't come out, well, why the fuck do I need to connect my wallet, right? What for? What is it verifying? What's the purpose of it, right? So like, it's kind of taking a step back and just thinking about those kind of things of, okay, you know, what am I actually doing? If this need, if, if I need to install this on my device, why, right? There are games that can be played in the browser. Do I need to beta test by installing this into my device, right? I mean, there's, there's certain aspects to where, yes, of course, some games need to have it installed in other ways, but also just kind of doing your due diligence or even asking a simple question, right? If you ask, you know, why do I need to install this? the answer from the person that you are campaigning to can really tell, you know, you could tell by their response of, okay, yeah, red flag, screw that, right? So even just a simple question can go a long way and just really kind of doing attention to detail. I mean, I think a lot of things that, that takes five seconds, for example, right, is if someone sends you to a site, right? Um, and this is just, you know, maybe add this to your, your, your checklist of things to, to kind of look for. Uh, and let's say it's a minting site or it's, it's a website, go to virustotal.com and just enter that in there, right? Like doing something so simple like that, which literally takes maybe 10 seconds max, can let you know immediately, okay, hey, this is a flagged malicious site. This is just infected. This is the, all this kind of stuff from, from multiple sources, which it, it comes into feed, right? Or it's clean. And just because it's clean doesn't necessarily mean that it's actually good. But in the event that it does detect that it's bad, in a matter of 10 seconds, you just determine that, right? So I think it's just kind of building a checklist for yourself, an arsenal um, of, you know, kind of due diligence and then paying attention to detail. It just goes such a long way in this space because it's, that's, that's really what it's all about, you know, especially you know, when I was saying I got scammed, right? Uh, someone sent me a link to, and this is back in the day when it kind of just first came out. It was nfttrader.io instead of .xyz or something. I didn't look at the end of it, right? I was like, oh shit, this guy wants to buy it. I've been trying to get rid of it. This project's pumping and boom, there it goes. Right. So lessons learned and it's just attention to detail just every single time. That's really interesting. I'm glad you brought that up. My very first mint ever um, was late last year, January, actually. It wasn't that long ago. And I went to a website that was the exact, I swear, it was the exact same design, everything word for word, the way it scrolled except the extension was not IO. It was actually a .com, which was very weird. Because you would think, you know, a, a, an everyday person would be like, oh, it's a .com, it, you know, it's normal. But it cheated me out on $300 just after 10 minutes of being away walking my dog. And I realized that it was a scam website. And I was just like, oh, that must have been a mistake. I'm not even kidding you. This is what happens when you're just like solo, you know, working with MetaMask for the first time. And I was like, okay, let me try this again. Yeah. Put in another 300, gone. Within, and then I visited the Etherscan because I had just learned 
what that was. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is a bot taking 300, 300, 300 every two minutes out of so many wallets. And I was like, holy moly, did not know that was a thing. Um, I had a question. So, you know, as we were talking about a little bit about gaming and, you know, people are starting to test out, you know, newer metaverses, um, you know, whether it's, do I know of anything at the top of my head? You know, very few are accessible right now, but, you know, a lot of people differentiate the two. Um, you know, they, there's a metaverse for gaming and there's a metaverse for whatever, walking around, looking at stuff, just trying it out, right? Are there anything, specific things that people need to look out for when they're wandering around these new worlds? Seems like a kindergarten question, but um, it's come up in some of my space only. Um, I can... I can kind of comment a little here and then definitely pass here. I think e-money would be, be good for you to uh, kind of toss in here. But I think it's just, you know, there's there's a lot of metaverses that I think took off. You know, obviously the whole conundrum with Microsoft and NFT worlds, I think, put a really bad taste in people's mouth with, you know, metaverse and and the fundamental understanding of the capabilities and other aspects. Obviously, Decentraland and, and Sandbox goes that way. Now we have the other side, which, you know, I think we're still all kind of on the on the edge of our seats trying to figure that out and, and what it can possibly turn into with, you know, the testing and everything else. I think you really just got to be aware or understand what you're doing. Right. And I, I like, I say that and it sounds so simple, but it can also be so complex at the same time. No, what are we doing? You know what I mean? Like yeah. what is, what's actually going on? So please. Yeah. Thanks. Like, you know, I, I think just, you know, having a fundamental understanding of like, what's the purpose? What does this require from me? And what am I getting out of it? Right. It's kind of like, you know, asking the age old question, who, what, when, where, why. Right. And then applying that to the aspects of Web3 and what's the purpose of this metaverse? Does it actually benefit if I do beta test? I mean, you know, like, why do I want to and, and what's the reason? Um, you know, are they just trying to get statistics for the capacity load of the server? Because I think there's also other statistics they should be looking at, like in regards to the uh, actual game loading time, other stuff. I think. Prime examples are the only project I've seen that has done something similar so far as the other side with just, uh, you know, low testing and other aspects. But, yeah, I mean, I definitely like to hear uh, E-Money's kind of perspective. I think he's a little more a little more averse than, than I am in that area. What up, E? Or Black Alchemy? Well, until E gets online, I'm pretty sure he has a lot to say. Can't wait to hear that response. But thanks for asking. And I'm really following back on what was he said. At the end of the day, these different metaverses are, are different testing beds. They're different environments to for companies. And you know, at the at the root level, I'm not talking about the usability or our you know the interaction level. I'm saying at the at the root level, a lot of a lot of companies and organizations are testing their metal. They're evaluating the space. As we see with Meta, they are putting out, you know, front page articles, advertisings, and they're pushing, Meta's pushing the whole metaverse in a, in a way that I think most people have never seen before. They're trying to get people to adopt to it. So that being said, as we understand that these are test beds, these are evaluation centers, these are also proving grounds for different technology vendors to evaluate how they want to interact with this space. Whenever you have something like that, you also have the darker side. And, you know, that's unfortunately 
uh, <laughs> the lens of which I see things, uh, especially in this, in this uh, pattern of life that I live. That being said, whenever you interact, you know, you have to consider this, you know, there are criminals that are just as technically savvy as the people that are creating the technologies that you are having fun in. How you interact with people, the technology, what they're asking of you, uh, just like the five W's that was previously said, you know, ensuring that before you interact, you need to understand what you're doing. You know, as you as you buy these 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 lens, these goggles, and these different headsets, interact on this level. Remember, especially if you're living a moderately private life, or if you're trying to maintain a low signature, a low footprint on what you're releasing out there, identifying that you need to have you know separation of function and separation of duty in all of your devices. Using the same device that you want to play on and interact in the metaverse is the same device that you want to interact financially on may not be a good idea right now if you have that financial freedom or flexibility. How you are submitting your wallets, ensuring that you actually, okay, if I'm going to just play over here, I'm going to have a segregated wallet because, you know, I don't know if I do anything on this space and it, it, it may provide weaknesses or holes that can worm into another space. That's why you hear a lot of security uh, engineers, professionals, practitioners, experts, et cetera, et cetera, tell you, hey, separate your devices, separate your wallets, get you a hot wallet, get a cold wallet, get you a st store this stuff separated, you know, se separately. And it's not because, you know, people want to encourage or security people want to encourage you to spend money. It's because the, the simple principle uh, when it comes to security, the simple principle that most people simply need to adapt in their lifestyle is defense in depth, defense in depth. When you think security, you think about how you interact, think about, okay, if I get hit, if I get breached, what is this platform going to provide access to from an adversarial perspective? If I only have one container, or if I have one, if I created this own wallet, this sole wallet and this technology footprint right here, this laptop, this computer that I'm talking on now, or this, this phone that I'm talking on now, and this set of goggles, this set of goggles right here, because I just so happen at this point in my life to actually have the disposal income to buy an extra set is only used for entertainment purposes. But this one over here to my left, this one right here, I'm gonna do business on. And these two do not touch. No MetaMask wallet or identity or no Bitcoin wallet is ever going to be in any merriment or transact with the, my, my entertainment set. It's not supposed to. It's supposed to be compartmentalized and layered and structured in a way that if there is a uh, exploitation event, that it's only happening on this device. It's only happening in this space. So if the same goes for companies. A lot of us are devs and or a lot of people in here are devs and they're working for different companies or they're running their own project. If you have the financial flexibility to give your team its own devices that is already secured and locked down and you give them a use policy that says, hey, you're only using this for that. And in the event that it gets breached and you're violating our policies, then we can sue the, you know, the, you know, the skin off of your, your uh, we can sue you. That type of innovation is what shows is giving you some maturity and some, some a level of assurance that in the event that something happens, you have insurance to back on or you have some kind of liability to pivot out of. Not only does that work for personal, you know, this device works for personal lifestyle, but also works for business. Dope. And thank you for addressing that. I did want to say what's up to the IGL camp that just came in. I know you heard my questions. What's good? Hey, how are you? Thanks for having us. Of so course. I, Sorry, I got dogs in the background that just don't want to stop barking. We love dogs. I did miss the question. I'm sorry. I just popped in the space. <laughs> no, it's good. It's funny. I was um 
actually um igl came up this morning when i was in a space it was pretty cool but we were just talking about um look and i'm a i'm kind of a noob right i'm a lay person in this aspect wanted to know i I mean are there really safety what are the types of safety precautions when people quote game in the metaverse or whether they're just chilling do we interact you know stuff like that so black alchemy and drew um were able to um address queries like that just seeing what you had in mind well there's a couple of different ways that that it can be handled and especially when you're starting to talk about like onboarding new people that have no idea how Web3 actually works and you're getting them into stuff that involves blockchain to begin with. And I think that the first thing that I, I do with the way we look at how NFT is integrating into and blockchain is integrating into our game is that we have to separate out blockchain and NFT from crypto because of two separate things. Like NFT is actually a store of information and a store of, of like data that can be used that gives you immutable ownership on a blockchain. The value of that data comes to whatever somebody's willing to pay for it. So as soon as you separate those out, you can do a lot of interesting things. Like when you're onboarding people into a new space like this, for example, like with IGO, our plan is to let people join with a membership on a credit card. And that issues them a custodial wallet, kind of like the Coinbase version of getting people into uh, you know, crypto. So you give them a wallet that is under the custody, uh, the, under the custody of IGL that gives them access to all of their things that if something happens to it, it's not attached to them directly. Like it's not attached to their personal wallets. It's not attached to any way that, that anybody can drain any of their other NFTs or things like that. If they choose to want to have the ownership themselves, then you can actually upgrade that into a a non-custodial where we issue the NFT to yourself. And then at that point, it's kind of gets into that decentralization part where, you know, if it's in your wallet and something happens, you can't really do anything. But in that same respect, like the way we're, we're doing it is like when we have things that interact with a wallet. So, for example, like you go to a store and they're selling you something in crypto. We do it by pulling up your actual browser on your on your system that's got your web extension built into that. So it's not actually going through our game engine. There's no reason for us to get in the middle of that transaction to add that kind of aspect into it. So we're trying to keep that separate in that respect. Does that kind of answer it a little? Uh, Yeah, that was pretty awesome. Thank you so much. Um, I also, for anyone who just came in, we're talking about gaming, a little bit about safety, Um, have a bunch of devs up here. So if anyone in the audience, please, Every question is a great question. It doesn't matter what it is. Um, and we are going on our three, four, five, six, I want to say five or six. Um, and for anyone who doesn't know me, my name is Mary Beth Salas. I'm super honored to be here co-hosting with uh, When Spaces. Got my buddy E-Money to Zips over here with me. Um, and shout out to all the amazing speakers who have joined us and all the listeners too. I see, see you. People have been kicking it with us. Um, thank you so much. If you like what you hear, um, you know, give us all a follow, uh, when spaces, especially, um, and retweet out you. The content is dope. Um, it's just going to, you know, raise the bar when it comes to, uh, the kind of valuetainment. I hope that one dude doesn't, uh, sue me for that one, the guy on YouTube, um, or entertainment, right? So, um, please retweet the room or share it with some friends, send it in DMs, um, I wanted to go back to, I know that Malka has requested to speak up here. Who else we got? I know Chris is up here as well. And Narks. Welcome, Narks. 
and welcome, Malka. Hey there, thank you. Sorry, my uh, Twitter is the worst app in this entire world. Look, I True. know. I, we I deal with it. <laughs> I, I have a follow-up question to the question that you asked on the security of like blockchain gaming and things. What reason do people want to have chain in gaming? I think that needs to be expressed to begin with. Like for, for me, for example, the reason that I want to implement blockchain into our experience that we're building is because like I watch my stepson spend a couple hundred bucks a month on V-Bucks into Fortnite and he's dropping, you know, all this money into Fortnite. And then he's got all these skins and things and that sit in his in his inventory that he can't do anything with once he's purchased them. So you can't wear all those skins. And if you don't want them anymore, you can't sell them or do anything with them. So what blockchain gives us is the ability to then be able to make a marketplace that gives you the gamer or the owner of that NFT, the digital ownership to be able to sell that, whether it be on an in-game marketplace or bridge it out to a third-party marketplace to be able to sell for, you know, in our case, Ethereum, that you would then be able to transfer towards fiat. So it basically gives ownership to places that don't currently have ownership. That's some very good clarification. Thank you for pointing that out. I'm going to go to Narks and then Scott Narks. Hey, what's up, guys? Hope everyone's having a good night. Thank you. What's up, E-Money? Appreciate you as always. Oh, he's gone. That's sad. Um, oh, he's back. Soon. He's back. Um, when, when it comes to what you just said, actually, so a little bit of my background, I've been playing video games for quite some time. Former professional player, signed to TSM. Um, worked heavily in the esports world for many years. Uh, kind of a passion project for me. But... Um, everything you just said is the pinnacle of what blockchain can do for gaming, but I think we're going to have an extraordinarily rough assimilation over that process because you have to look at the, the cash flow sheets for what these industries are pulling in off of the sale of those skins that you can use once, then put in a vault and never use again once you buy a new skin. Um, and I think that's kind of the opportunity for a new game to really emerge, which could create a system people are uh, more prone to using, more appreciative of, and is going to allow just a overall better user experience. But if we're talking like Call of Duty, Fortnite, as you mentioned, um, Apex Legends, League of Legends, any game like that, it, it, it's unfortunate, but it's probably a highly unlikely um, possibility that they're ever going to entertain that because they simply make way too much money off of uh, that core fundamental uh, and ecosystem. Mm. Mm, who is next? Then Scott or Scott? Sorry, it was Scott. Uh, I got yeah. I I gotta agree with Chris on the ownership. I think that's the biggest aspect. Um, IP ownership is what attracted me to the space. Um, like two two and a half years ago. Um, I'm an artist. I make movers for Beverly Hills. I got movie posters all over who Amazon Prime, etc. And I don't own any of them. Um, put that in the gaming ecosystem with streamers that are streaming these games they have no ownership over anything they're doing so i think the ability to tie your entire player profile and actually own it and monetize off of based on whatever skill they have is going to be very powerful in the future as well as owning the assets you're purchasing i've spent thousands of dollars on fortnite call of duty whatever you name it i don't own I have no ownership over the thousands of dollars I've spent, and it's ridiculous. So I think this tech is very helpful in moving that industry forward. What else we got? Who's up here? Uh, go ahead, Chris, and then Narcs. Chris. The other thing that I would say, like, 
and again, I'm, I'm referencing my project just because that's the, the base of reference I have at this point is, is it gives us as a studio the ability to listen to our audience for a change or those people that spend endless hours in the game to have a way to have a governance system that we can put in where, you know, based off of the NFT, you can come in and have that vote registered and it's registered on a blockchain where it's immutable, where that voice can be heard. And even more so because NFT is a store of value, we can base those votes on weighted systems, like for example, playtime in game. So if you have zero playtime in my game, but you own my NFT, your vote may not count. If you have hundreds of hours in the gaming system, your vote may be weighed above people that may only have an hour or two in the gaming system. So it can actually level the playing field and get rid of the pay to play model that is kind of cursing the gaming system at this point. And also give the gamers the ability to feel like the studio is actually listening to what they, what they want and be able to see those changes, hopefully, if the studio is doing things right. Mm, nice. So that's actually a system already kind of implemented in traditional gaming. Um, when it comes down to it, hours definitely do matter. I mean, I have close to 6,000 hours on Apex, for example. I'm a nerd. I'm sorry. Uh, nobody roasts me too much for it. But um, when making uh, progressive updates, putting out patches, looking to see how they can improve the ecosystem, they definitely are leaning on the people that have the most time in the game. Those people tend to be streamers, professional players and whatnot. So it would really just be a shift of the movement of how that could transfer. And I completely understand what you're saying, but um, I, I still kind of go back to my first fact or uh, aspect of the combo that it would be really difficult to really shift um, the, the old school traditional games that are large making it. So I'm really kind of bullish on your guys' project because I want to see how the entire community and uh, Web3 as a whole kind of uh, consumes your model and what you guys are trying to do because it would be a really telltale factor for the direction in which the space is going to take for gaming as to if it's going to be a modern assimilation of what's already there or if people are just fed up and sick of it and want to do something new. Malta. Hey guys, just wanted to um, just say what a great space this is. Um, it, you know, um, it should have been done a long time ago. Um, I'm loving all the alpha that's being dropped. Um as you can probably tell, I'm from Sydney, Australia. And uh, just a couple of things for me. Um, I'm not going to name drop anything, but um, I'll be, I'm in a project, an NFT project, where you can actually buy an NFT and use that as an avatar in the game that they're making. Um, and the interesting thing is, so obviously, you have to connect your wallet um, to that game. The game isn't out yet. It's still beta testing. Um but, uh, yeah, I just want to say that, yeah, you actually need to connect your wallet, obviously, so it can know what avatars you have. And the interesting thing about it is if you're not playing with that avatar, other people that don't have the NFT um, can actually still play the game. And if they choose your avatar, you can actually monetize uh, whatever percentage uh, that they're making. So it's a, you know, play to earn type of game. So I just found that pretty interesting, but I just want to point out that you needed to connect your wallet for all that to happen. Um, and the other thing is probably about Black um, Alchemy will find this interesting in Australia right now, what's happening, bit of a report. Um, our uh, One of our biggest telco companies, telephony companies, Optus, uh, was hacked um, and I think tens of thousands of people's information is um, out there on the dark web. I think they're holding the information for ransom, the hackers. So, um, yeah, it might be an interesting thing to um, have a look into and keep up to date with. That's all from me.
Thanks, guys. Yeah, yeah, you bring. Hey, that's 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 on point. If I could just address him really quick, Mary Beth. Please do. Please do. Thank you so much. So about that breach and how it affects not only Australians but how it affects anybody that has used any kind of data insight marketing program or data. Uh, or, or, or marketing alliance affiliation with that company, and you are doing NFTs or you're in a space where you process sensitive information, let's unpack it for a quick second. So all of the insights that they collected during that breach are enough, is enough information to emulate a personality or emulate or to assume someone's identity online. And that's the problem with a lot of these breaches when people are, you know, they, they, they forget simply, oh, what did I use? What do I use Cox te Cable Television for? What do I use Verizon for? When Verizon gets breached or when, when, when uh, you know, T-Mobile gets breached, they say, oh, what do I use them for? Oh, well, just your first name, your last name, your home address, just your, 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 your maybe the, the security token or the last four of the, the, the credit card that you use, or maybe just that phone number that now everybody in every dark net and every cyber criminal now has that can try to scam or try to you know spray you with a two-factor authentication intercept all of that needs to come into play when we think about how breaches affect us if i was you know and that's why we do run a breach monitoring service for our clients something to just for yourself as everybody in here is saying to themselves all right which technology services do I run? You know, it has my personal information. And which one of these person, which one of these companies has enough information where if my phone number is stolen, it could be used to try to scam me or emulate something about my personality. These things need to be answered. And as soon as you identify maybe that Oculus breach or that, you know, T-Mobile breach that just happened is something where I need to get a new phone number. Because these companies, if you're waiting for somebody, if you're waiting for the savior, if you're waiting for somebody to come save you, nobody's coming. There's nobody coming to tell you that you've been hacked. There's nobody coming to tell you that this is how we save it. You got to do it yourself. And that's all I wanted to share. So, thank you so much. I do want to go to E and then Chris, I believe, had their hand up. E. Yeah. Uh, can you guys hear me this time? Yes, sir. Awesome. All right. Uh, I apologize. Twitter has been on a tear on me today. Um, so... Uh, I'm going to, some of the earlier subjects, um, about compartmentalization and stuff like that. And I do want to talk on, you know, so one of the things that I think is important for people that are engaging digitally at all is to kind of know where those breaches are as much as you can having, uh, and what their impacts are. You know, it, the digital identity that we are slowly moving towards, um, I, I kind of feel like it's inexorable, inexorable, and mm, don't remember how to say that word. Uh, it's inevitable that we're going to be getting to a point where digital identities are a thing, even if they're only through accounts like, you know, your Amazon account or your Apple Pay account. Um However, when you're using those all over the place to pay for certain things or handle stuff and there are breaches, um, it, it's important to know when you're at risk and do something about it. Uh, and I wish Drew was up here because Drew is one of the best about this. He actually comes through every Discord that I'm in and reminds people every 30 days, hey, change your passwords. He encourages those kinds of good behaviors and habits. And I think that, uh, you know, learning, having discussions like this, learning about the impacts across fields where you don't really think about security as much like gaming, right? 
There's not a lot of things going on about gaming and security, but it's one that needs to happen. Um, and having conversations like this, getting yourself into better practices, um, compartmentalizing, putting things in bins, stuff like that. You know, uh, if all of that sounds too complicated, hit me up. I'm always available to help people figure this stuff out and try to secure their stuff. Um, I will point you in directions. I will send you to people that can help. Um, but I, I just want everyone to know that, you know, a month or a year and a month ago, I didn't know about anything that these guys were talking about right now. Nothing. So you're never too old to learn. You're never too old to change. Um, and I highly encourage all of you to take, like when you're, especially when we're having discussions like this, take some notes, go do some research. It's good for you. It really helps out a lot. Um, you can massively expand both your understanding of how information impacts you and how it could further down the line and allow you to make smarter moves just by researching and learning more about the world that's going on around you. Mm, thank you. Did you have anything burn us? Oh, gosh. I have... Um... The only input I would have is on the flip side of um, the technological side of um, internet security. Uh, I basically am just going to be non-contestant and just say everything that all have been covering previously. It just triggers memories and there's no lies being told, even though I say everything I hear is a lie. Um <laughs> Uh, I'm not going to dox any particular information other than uh, back in the day, um, I was the best individual uh, as far as uh, hacking goes. I hate that terminology. There's different terms to of a hat society to basically call out the different levels by colors, which has changed as time progressed. But back in the day, I was part of a, ha um, a hacking society where we would create websites or certain protocols within a, not in metaverse with blockchain technology, but interactive play to earn. And with the with that, people would get so so involved in the gameplay, they would just automatically approve a user agreement, even though it was plain as day in there. And they would not change their information. They would not switch out. Um, you know sensitive material I'll just say and with that I would harvest their information and we had what was called they were just blogs we would actually sit upon that data for years or months and sell it and make quite a bit off of it so I'm just putting out that warning whatever these people are saying follow through with it dope thank you Baroness Chris well, I, I think that brings up another discussion. I mean, we, we're in a space where everybody keeps preaching decentralization this and decentralization that. And I honestly don't think that a lot of the people that are talking about it quite understand really what decentralization means. Because if you're talking about something that's truly decentralized, it means that you are the only person that you can count on in that space. So, like, if somebody hacks your wallet and steals something out of it, you, you, there's nothing you can do about that. So it's on people like us, these people that are creating new projects and the people in this space, 
as new people come in to to kind of edit the proper ways of doing things. Like, you know, if you're going to have a wallet that's going to be connecting to metaverses and games and things like that, that you're going to be using on a daily basis, that should not contain any of the assets. Like if you have a board ape or something, that should never be in that. You should have a specific wallet just for connecting to these types of experiences. And then if you get into like what is going to be built in these experiences, I think gaming is one part of it, but then you're also getting the, the kind of hybrids you know, like, like the experience that we're building is a hybrid between both a game and a metaverse and a social platform. And so depending on what each one of those things are and how much interaction you actually have to have with a wallet to make that stuff function, you know, I, I think these are all just that need to be had. And I don't think that we're having them yet. Let me ask you a question. So I hear um, I, I'm assuming it's a branding term that you use. So you use the word experience quite often and sharing um, the different types of experiences you speak about? Well, like, you, you've got a metaverse. So, met, you know, what people think of as a metaverse is is something where you're li living a digital life. You're going to go in and you can do different things. And it's, it not, it's not necessarily a game in the gaming respect of, like, Call of Duty is a game. Apex Legends is a game. You know, you're not going to go into Call of Duty and go sit at a club and listen to a performance from a DJ or dance with your avatar. You know, you're going to be in there playing the game of Call of Duty, trying to, you know, shoot your friends or whatever the case may be. And then you get into something like what we're building with it. And the reason I call it is an experience is because you can do things like go play a shooter game, but you can also walk down the street and walk into a store and buy a physical item that gets delivered to your door. You can go into a club and listen to a DJ. You can watch a movie in the movie theater. You can, you know, get an apartment and be able to invite your friends over and sit and have a private chat, you know, through the gaming engine, just like you're, you know, like a phone call or hold an event where you can have multiple people come in and, and in essence do like a Twitter space, but do it in a virtual environment. Um, you know, so depending on what those things are, I think it's all kind of getting lumped into one word that nobody even really understands. Like if you say metaverse to, to 10 different people, you're going to get 10 different definitions of what metaverse can be. And so I, I don't like to kind of pigeonhole it. If you're a game, great, you're a game. But you're, you're not going to be a place where people are going to go just kind of hang out with their buddies. If you're a metaverse, you're going in there to do fun things, but you're not expecting to go in there and play Call of Duty. So I, I think, you know, as these experiences kind of get built out, you know, putting them for what they are is going to be important so that people know what they're getting involved in and what can be done within those. And that's going to bring the value to each one of those spaces. So basically, when we say metaverse, and we're trying to walk away from certain terminologies that have turned into buzzwords and have no merit them anymore. Um, in general, would you say that would be a, a form of UI of a user interface, such as a screenless experience? Um, for me, metaverse is pretty much any kind of digital world that you can experience, whether that, you know, you could call a game a metaverse because by technical original definition of a metaverse, you're, you know, going and experiencing something in a digital format, in a digital world. So that technically at that point makes Fortnite, Call of Duty, all of these games a metaverse unto themselves in that respect. So, you know, I, I think it, it's kind of it, the, the early stages where we're there's a word out there and it can have a hundred different meanings for it. And at some point it's going to kind of get narrowed down, but I don't know when that's going to happen. 
Well, the technicalities that are out there too, I mean, we all live in our own little echo chambers of uh, creating uh, new verbiage to understand what we're talking about. However, the people that are trying to enter into the space, they are lost in the sauce. So the information that we currently have, like we talk about um, patents, we talk about UIs, which is user interface and the UX and and people be able to create um, their own server um, metaverses off of uh, other UXs such as Unreal Engine and so forth. But um, in, in that case, would you have uh, a better definition for the rest of people to define different forms? I wish I could say yes, but I don't yet, just being honest. I think, you know, I'm still trying to figure it out along with everybody else. I mean, if anybody else on the panel's got ideas, I'd love to hear. I would definitely throw that query over to Black Alchemy. I would love to hear what you have to say to that. Don't want to have to bring in Eugene to this convo, but go ahead, Black Alchemy or Bareness. My apologies. I was doing something with a client. Could you tell me what the question was? Kit. <laughs> I'm just I'm just here to fill in space but all right so when we talk about the forms of metaverses or like the things to define um uh, different um like we talk about what AR is um versus uh VR and so forth and then we talk about metaverse do you have uh, anything to add to help people that are adopting or coming into the space to understand the differences and related to what we do know? Oh, wow. Well, I mean, yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's, 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 you know, that, that would be a wonderful video for somebody to go ahead and produce and make it very interactive and edutainment. But, you know, my only insight to this that level of, of, of being aware of what you're interacting with is the only thing that I can say is doing your own research. I mean, there are so many different acronyms out there. There's so different, so many different pivots and segments of new technologies that are getting thrown around. It's easy for people to get uh, consumed by them, overwhelmed by them, and also ultimately, obviously, I have to speak it, you know, scammed by them. So being very aware that, you know, you're not expecting to get an AR experience versus, you know, getting, uh, you know, an augmented reality versus, you know, you're going through a, a full-on immersion situation in like a VR headset. You know, the, understanding the differences is up to you. At the end of the day, I hate to, I don't hate, I say that, I take that back, I re remove that. I fortunate that that a lot of people don't do or want to take their time to do their own research, but that's really what gets you hit at the end of the day. If you're not, if you're thinking or assuming you're in a space or in some kind of technology platform uh, because of your own ego and lack of ability to want to research it, and you get uh, you make a mistake or you, you make a fumble on a play or, or something with your company or your personal pattern of life or your safety, it's all up to you. It's on it's on you at that point. So all I, I don't want to go around my elbow to get to my ankle again, but that's what I suggest is, you know, people just paying attention to what they're doing. Black Alchemy, I think the original question to put it in simple terms was what is the metaverse? Can you, do, oh. can you define that? Wow. Can I define what the metaverse is? Someone recommended just me like, a, a just like book. Just like the... Just like the, just like the internet is nothing, it's not nothing. The internet is a series of internet, interconnected computers. The metaverse is a technology platform that has visual aids convincing you of another reality that is synthetic. I mean, and of course that's. 
Absolutely. Well, it's produced in a way that makes it visual for those who want to intercept it or to intervene or interact with it. I think the, there's the, also audio to it, right? And, and you it touched on physical touch that you could be full immersion. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, without getting, yeah, I didn't want to, I didn't, I did not mean to, or intend to, to silo its experience as being one that's only visual. It is a platform that is created in a space for people to interact with it based off of the input devices that have been created for them, whether or not that's physical, audio, digital. We're, I mean, I believe, and I, and I, I believe this with a very strong opinion that in the next five to 10 years, the metaverse experience is going to be 360 degrees of the experience, or it's going to be a more more comprehensive and holistic experience versus the very limited senses that we are really dealing with now, which I believe around three. I think the metaverse is, <clears throat> it's, it's not only going to be the internet defined, it's going to be the interaction and the experience defined. The way that we experience life right now in today's world, how we are all, uh, most of us are, are getting sucked into looking at these little devices on our screens and, and focusing our eyes into these experiences through a device that gives us access to other verses, if you will. I think the metaverse is going to make that experience more experienced or more robust for us. And that's, that's a problem and a solution all in one. Uh, you know, if you're not really connected to yourself, if you're not really sure of, if you're not really centered and understand right now to this day as we speak on this phone or on this Twitter, on this Twitter space that, you know, right now you're looking on your phone, you're already looking at your phone, you're being conditioned by other marketing insights from companies. In the metaverse, that whole conditioning and that whole programming of marketing and advertising and insights and getting you to make decisions based off of what they think you know and what, you, what they think you don't know is going to be amplified exponentially. And that's why I think it's very important right now for people to become aware of the metaverse's capacity, its capacity to influence, the capacity for it to influence, to, to, to move you in ways that may not be natural. And that's why it's important for people to be very cautious about what they put in their bodies. And when I say put in your bodies, you're putting things in your bodies when you watch these visual stimuli. So if you're conscious about that, then being more conscious or aware of the necessity to be mindful and meditate and, and, and take time out for yourself to actually detox uh, these things in your head because you don't know it, but most times when you're interacting, and this is just something that we learned many, many years ago in places where I used to work, but you can tell. I can listen to a person long enough and see how much time they spend behind a computer imitating other people. I can tell if you've been on a computer by the way you talk and the way you articulate and the way your entire vernacular is going to be different if you are not connected to these social experiments or these social synthetic environments than if somebody who interacts completely, you know, uh, person to person all day. And that's because you are conditioned to, most people are not free of thought and free of expression. They like to say things to be in the like and in the heart and in the, the, the dopamine hit space versus being free and unique and, and uh, uh, standing on their own to be more expressive in their own existence here. And I'm saying all of that to go back around to the topic that Mary Beth asked. The metaverse is going to be a place where if you don't know who you are, it's going to tell you. It's going to tell you where you need to go. It's going to tell you where you need to buy. It's going to tell you what you need to do. And over time, it's going to stop allowing you to be you, and it's going to create another you that it wants you in the first place. That's not a conspiracy. It's already happening inside of Web2. It's happening right now as you interact with life. 
It's happening right now as you find, you know, as you, as you think you're going to a supermarket and you're buying something, you think that you want Crest or you want Colgate, but it's those colors, the red, white, and the blue that are, you know, it's exciting you because you saw that, you know, subliminally in another post on Facebook that was sequentially at the time that you woke up. All of those things that you're not aware of the programming happening to you in the background, your subconscious or in the back processor of your existence is picking up these little subconscious cues and making you think that you have original thought. And if you can't identify the difference between the original thought that you do have and the original thought that's being proud of you, I say it's time for a meditation session. <laughs> but that's my spill. <laughs> yes, Go ahead, Baroness. Oh my goodness. I, I like when he took a breather at the very end, I took a breather too. I'm like, <laughs> but um yes i just noticed you changed the title to the gaming experience and i just back off of uh what he was saying in general like we were talking about fortnite uh, i'm a big fortnite uh player and one of the things I, I do want to say, and like uh, most people with casinos and so forth, that you think that you're choosing your numbers, you're choosing the tables that you want to go to. But in reality, they've been grooming you the entire time. If you're staying at the hotel, the colors, the designs of the the, the paintings, the, the carpet designs as well. Um, it, it's all subliminal that you're not fully catching, but you're subjected to something at a long period of time that your brain will just automatically go to what's familiar without you even it's it's automatic you're not making you're not conscious of the entire process that your brain's going to make that decision so when it comes to you know playing video games as well like you if you're if anybody understands how Fortnite works or any other um, campaign RPG for shoot 'em up um, uh, cross platform play goes is that you have a seed map that will populate other players with similar experience base of the data that's associated to that avatar. So if you've been playing for X amount of hours and days and, and your interactions to what experiences, it will try to match you with similar like avatars. So in that case, you'll also have that experience within just, um, I won't even call it Web3, but um, you know your user interface, your user experience will be similar. Um, as time progresses with the marketing schemes, oh no, I got to turn my water down. I'm boiling water. Okay, so <laughs> the the one thing that I really have to be disheartened about is when we talk about technology, blockchain being integrated into user experiences, it's a lot of marketing schemes that are going into it because unfortunately the users, we are human and what has happened within our economy and associating, you know, this technology to monetizations is that we're going to be going through the same uh, habitual um, the uh, theoreticals. The idea of the technology that goes behind it, however, is we're so early that we don't have enough um, computer processing power, energy, not just GPUs or CPUs to integrate. It's also the idea of the rendering conditions of almost like a quantum computing. Actually, there is quantum computing that's moving forward in qubit, qubit to actually consider with your processes. 
Um, I'm not going to get into that because this is kind of a, a intro level. Wait, but, I, uh, I need to know what a qubit is because I know it's like a it has a bit of four positions. And how, how does that change computing? My brother works at Google, it, but I, I just don't understand. They said they declared quantum su- supremacy. I'm trying to understand. Yeah, they're 10 seconds of fame where 10 seconds yeah. of running a quantum computing and cost them, what was it, $100 million? Is that true? Wow. Uh, yeah, yeah, it was. But th- that way they could actually put in the news, yes, that they they succeeded. Um, <laughs> all right, so uh, qubits, you pretty much put it in a nutshell. The idea is a lot of the technology that we're doing, coding, contracting, and the, the processing currently as is, is using algorithmic um, computations. And they're doing automatic processes, just as a, a human function, can, we can multitask, but we can only multi- multitask to a certain degree. Um, if you want to consider the amount of our brain power that we actually do conscientiously understand and harness the remaining part to work together, that would be the idea of quantum computing to where it is the algorithm is moving so fast that we are unable as humans and even AI at this point in time to function at the same or even catch it. So the the best way to describe why we're early is the ideal of hardware and devices. Like we all have, majority of us have Apple devices. I use this in another space as, as an example. That the amount of data that we are currently processing into our our Twitter feed, we might be going to the same uh, Twitter page via Android, Apple device, or you know a, a regular. Um, computer screen. However, if you connect with a certain wire cord into a charging block and it's not compatible, you're going to end up feeling overheating. Um, DIA have these bridging mechanisms of cross platforms, um, blockchain trying to talk to another and so forth, but we don't have the means of um, computational power working off of in uh, each blockchain's own algorithmic design. So there's a little bit of a, a, which I call, it's rendering, but I call it the ohms of resistance that tends to not be productive. It's actually counterproductive within like Wii's and, and the other fees that's associated to it because that's the, it causes a, a slowing down or bottleneck effect. I think I need like 15 more IQ points, but thank you. <laughs> She's dope. I told you, right? Um, she's been dropping breadcrumbs, but she's finally putting some loaves of bread together. Hey, Zorf, what's good? How's everybody doing? No, I'll throw throw some of my kind of observations in on this. I mean, I'm a software engineer, and I also I'm like obsessed with AI. I studied uh, AI for a lot of years and did some graduate uh, study in AI at Stanford. But you know, I, I just think the way we experience the web is going to change here soon. I mean, pretty much all the way back into the 90s, the web has been sort of a 2D environment where, you know, you land on a page. It's basically some words and some pictures, maybe some videos, you know, uh, uh, sort of like the the great innovation is the hyperlink where you can click the link and you can land somewhere else kind of, you know, and get more context about what you're reading. And obviously that was like pretty innovative back in the, you know, the, the late 80s, early 90s. But I just think that, you know, I mean, right now the web that we that we still, I mean, even we call it Web 3, but really Web 3 is just us infusing all of this Web 2 stuff with blockchain integration, 
but it really didn't change the way we experienced the web, you know, with our eyeballs and our ears and all of our sense, sort of sensory organs. I mean, it's still a 2D environment and we're still clicking on hyperlinks to do stuff or buttons or whatever. <clears throat> and I just think there's some new innovations that have happened in the last decade in browser technology, you know, including WebGL and WebXR. You know, WebGL makes it possible to do, you know, virtual reality and augmented reality type stuff from right in the browser where you don't have to build desktop apps or mobile apps that have all this sort of game engine type functionality built in. You know, you can actually do it right in the browser. And then WebXR allows you to connect these VR devices like, you know, VR headsets and, you know, these body sensors and all this other kind of stuff so that you are starting to get closer to full immersion in the browser where you can create like really high fidelity 3D sort of experiences in the browser, you know, that anybody has access to without special hardware or software. And so I do think that's going to change the face of the web. And I don't think the word in the world, maybe this is getting into the Westworld territory. <laughs> I'm trying to go there. You know, I mean, <laughs> I think there's some really deep sort of implications, like like really deep implications for our species, you know, where people who are paralyzed and things like that, you know, in the, you know, it's, it's, but, but just to back up here. So I think I think websites are going to change. And so when you go to a website like Macy's.com or something.com, instead of just landing on some little flat 2D site and just look at the squares, okay, there's a picture of some shoes, a picture of whatever, you click into it. This is boring as hell. I mean, it was it was interesting, you know, a decade ago, but it is boring as hell, especially, you know, in an age where everybody's playing games and have all this crazy shit going on. And so the first thing I think you're going to start seeing is essentially websites are going to turn into what I like to call microverse, where you go to a website, and it's like a little small, little miniature universe where instead of you clicking on a you know picture of a, 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 a shoe to get a little more information for the shoe, you know, you, you can almost, it's almost like they call deep linking, like in a, a mobile app, like you can deep link into a specific screen. So you could basically like mark your, you, you know, you leave and when you come back, you can land in the same spot. You're walking around and navigating. Most importantly, these web experiences will become very social. I mean, like right now, if you're on Macy's.com, me and eMoney and Mary Beth could be sitting there shopping together. I mean, maybe we're, we're even looking at the same tennis shoe and none of us know we're even looking at the damn thing. So the web that we live in right now is very non-social. And I do believe we're going to move towards a more social web that is 3D, where we're experiencing all this stuff together. You know, we can shop together. We can go and dance together. I mean, literally, we have our headset on and our body sensors, and we're in here dancing, high-fiving, doing all this kind of stuff. And I think of all of that as the metaverse, especially when you start connecting it all together. I mean, you're literally over here, and all of a sudden, you can click something or tap something, interact with it, and you land in another 3D experience. I think as all these, right now, all these game platforms and these quote-unquote metaverse platforms are all kind of siloed, where you... You either go into meta, uh, you know, you either go into or you go into Decentraland or you go into Sandbox. But I can't really teleport from one to the other. It's all just kind of like siloed. And so I think you're going to start seeing these little microverses, sort of like websites turning into 3D experiences. You're going to start seeing game, sort of like real low-level game operating systems develop that can bridge these various platforms together into a true sort of like virtual universe of sorts, where we can experience all this stuff and move around in it, maybe even with the same character. We're buying accessories over here and we can use them over there. And I just think this is the natural evolution of the web. And I think that it's important for our species to get there because you do have a lot of people that are not able to experience a full life. They can't walk, you know, maybe they can't talk or whatever. And I, I mean, everybody knows brain machine interfaces are coming. I mean, Tesla's already working on something, not Tesla, but you know, uh, Elon Musk, other company, Neuralink, working on some crazy shit. And I just think you're gonna get to the point where like the metaverse is important for quality of life. For a lot of humans that have injuries that don't allow them to live a full life, and so I think it's important that we kind of get outside of this talk about gaming and play to earn and this kind of stuff and just know this is the direction of the web. And, and, it's, and, it's, and I think it's pretty important for our species. Thank you, Zorf. Yo, Chris, what's good? 
Well, and, and I agree with what you say 100%. I mean, let's take it back old school. Like, remember when SimCity came out, it was create a virtual city and run it. And then all of a sudden it turned into The Sims and live digital life. And what you're saying is very much true. And, and not to try to shill it, but that, that's kind of like what, what we're creating with the project that we've got going. It's, it's bridging right now what Web 2 and Web 3 is. So you get that kind of Web 3, you know, metaverse style of experience of being able to have your avatar digitally walk around a storefront. But then when it goes to actually doing the purchases and things, it goes back to the kind of old school way that you're used to that's trusted. So if like if we pop up a website where you can order that product straight from the, the, the actual vendor's website through their existing e-commerce client. And so it's we have to take it in steps because one thing about the human population is that they don't really like change until somebody gives them a reason to have the change. And so most like like my wife is is change averse, like anything that changes up her her schedule, like just throws her off. And so until there's a reason that she has to do it, she's not going to. So when you start talking these experiences like metaverse and, and especially like the the evolution that the Web is going to go into, it's going to become these virtual shopping experiences where you create an avatar and it'll be at a point at some point where you upload your actual dimensions of your body, like the measurements of your body. You'll go and physically try on items in a store via digital wearables and if you like the way it looks you click an order button and those items get shipped to you directly like this is where things are going but it's going to take little kind of baby steps along the way and where web3 gives you kind of some some security there is that depending on how that's being handled on the back end your NFT can actually be that store of data for you. So instead of like me as a company holding all of your information, you have that information and you get to decide who you give that information to. And that's really what it's about because the number one industry in the world is data collection. It's knowing what people do and say and where they go. That is the most profitable, most powerful thing anybody can own. Oh, that's such a bold statement because it's so true and kind of painful at the same time. Kit. I was just going to say one of the things, especially with the bear market that you can always rely on is disassociation. Um, you know, the, the psychological aspect of, uh, you know, um, human traits is that we tend to, you know, our, the way that we relate or function or try to disassociate is uh, another um, you know psychological operation that is also being integrated within you know quote unquote metaverse uh, play as well as shopping and commerce. Here, sorry, I got another space going at the same time. There we go. <laughs> sorry if you heard here in the background. The the one thing though that I can say is a lot of these uh, you know not uprooted, but the erected metaverse uh, marketing ploys are popping up is just focusing more on not the on crowdsourcing but not knowing their audience and as chris was saying about his wife um trying to get her into it and so forth and and you're you're mentioning sid meyer sim city and another thing that actually made it huge was the sims it originally was created to be a uh, architectural structure with reticulum scaling and all that fun stuff. And it adds a little bit of a nuance um, idioms that, you know, still to this day pertain to our verbiage, you know, just silly um, mom jokes or dad jokes that you put into it. But 
people could relate to it. They could disassociate from their, you know, everyday grind. They're able to sit down, create a dream house environment, dream job, and they can actually just go ahead and create a life in a virtual setting. And they could always change it up without the, the emotion associated to like, oh, what if I do this? That right there is where I see the metaverse going into that direction. Absolutely. And then NFT gives you the ability to have actual ownership in that, where in games like The Sims and things, you didn't own any of that. Hey, I have a question, Nick Mondu, since um, this is the first time I've seen you in this space. Okay. or I've met you. It's a, such an honor. I was wondering if you could introduce yourself just a little bit about your background. The honor is mine. Um, let's see, I think my bio says I went to Cal. So someone said Stanford. I say go Bears. Uh, <laughs> um, I'm very close to Stanford and Berkeley, actually. I lived at home. I still am living at home with my mom. Uh, it's a nice, beautiful house uh, close to Berkeley in the Oakland Hills. Uh, I ran for Congress. That's how I got my blue check. And I'm very pro-crypto and anti-taxation. So no fear for me. Uh, 2024, I'm reconsidering a run in a more winnable district. But that being said, I did get almost 35,000 votes, which is not bad. That's actually kind of dope. For, I think I was 26. I was waiting as, as soon as I could run for Congress, I ran. There's an age requirement for that? What is it, 2025? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I didn't know if it was 24 or 26. Okay. I think Senate's 30, and then I think presidency's 35. Well, I love it. Dope. Um, We just have just a couple more minutes of this segment before we go on to the topic of personality, sentiment, and influencers. But I wanted to hand it over to Black Alchemist for any, like, final words on the gaming experience because this has been such a riveting conversation and uh, for everyone who's in here thank you so much for hanging with one spaces and myself and e-money and company up here and zorpheus um you know this has been one spaces is coming at it with some dope content so please give them a follow along with the one mint team um and anyone else anyone else up here you find helpful shoot them a dm if their dms are open or give them a follow connect with them um in a message or something like that um my name is mary beth salas and it is super super cool to be here um with all of you listeners down here don't forget to retweet the space um, things are about to get spicy, so I'm super excited for anyone who sticks around Black Alchemy. Final thoughts? You know, I think the previous speakers have really laid it all out. Uh, just watching how you interact, the gaming space is a whole different platform that's going to really encourage us to really identify how we're living our lives and how we want to interact with technology, especially the distractions that we have. But more importantly, I am so interested in the next topic. So, yeah, that's all I have. Thank you so much. And Zorpheus, I wanted to give you the mic, too. Oh, I'm just enjoying the conversation. I'm happy to be here. I appreciate everybody. Yep, yep, yep. And what about Team IGL? What's up, Chris? <clears throat> I just want to say thank you for having us up here and, and letting us kind of, you know, talk. I think it's it's hugely important that these types of spaces with all these different voices come and we can really kind of educate people on on where things are right now not only where they're headed, because you, you can't figure out where you're going until you know where you're coming from. So this really kind of helps us with that. And thank Of course. And um, <clears throat> who else is on? And Nick, is it, do we call you Nick? Is that right? N Nika. That's fine for sure. Uh, yeah, Nika Sher. 
stands for little lion in Punjabi. Sher was my great 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 grandfather. So my my grandma's grandfather. So Nika Sher, that's cool. That's cool. Thank you for yes. coming. Yeah, I'm half Punjabi, half Ukrainian. Snap. Hold on, hold on. Let me marinate on that for a second. Yeah. Yeah. Half Punjabi, half Ukrainian. Same mix. What'd you say? I met like one or two families with the same mix. That's actually it's my first time um, encountering that, so that's pretty cool. I love it. Um, I wanted to welcome up some other people up here. We have legit NFT and Tim Brown and Leslie. As we get on to the next segment. Yo, E-Money, can you uh, tell everyone what this space is while I just take care of a couple DMs? Absolutely. So, guys, this is our brand new, fresh off the line, Win Spaces Tuesday. We are going to be running these every week, um, and we will have a number of topics and a number of guests to speak on those topics. We're well-informed that we run into throughout the space. Um, we encourage all of you to... Uh, if you have questions, you can drop them in the comments. You can DM them to us directly if you don't want to come on stage, or you can request up. If we have room on the stage, we will happily bring you in to um, ask questions and talk with us. Uh, we've had an absolutely exceptional show today. I want to thank everybody that's come through so far. Chris, thank you so much for taking time out. Uh, Black Alchemist, Narc Narcs, I really appreciate you guys making time. Baroness, Always a pleasure. Nika, uh, it's been awesome talking to you again. Um, and now we have Leslie and Tim Brown up here again and legit NFT marketing advisor. Yeah. And, uh, that's Psychonaut Anon as well. You guys have all been adding a ton to the conversation. Um, we really appreciate it. And I just want to personally say thank you. Uh, these conversations are very valuable to educating the greater web three space and we will be doing these every week dope thank you thank you we are just rolling in like look i changed the title to personalities and sentiment so this is kind of like relevant right because we just came out of i'm not even kidding two and a half hours of a lot of verbiage um technicalities that i honestly am not so familiar with right so for anyone who's in here sometimes you'll hear me say like okay hold up break that down for me right because um i have the guts to do it it wasn't always like that right um i, I was always scared you know just admitting to people i'm like i don't know what they're talking about but whenever i feel that way but there's at least one other person who might feel the same way right and so I found that uh, sometimes vernacular can be a little bit uh, can can maybe isolate people right um, into different groups or just you know keep some people from being comfortable. So um, I wanted to welcome up and that my next topic here. I wanted to welcome up a couple people. We've got Leslie Moda and Legit NFT, aka Craig and Tim Brown. Um, I also have Baroness up here. Where are you, D? Hi, down there. This is so fitting, by the way. Um, but please introduce yourself, Tim Brown. Okay, I'll get the mute button to work eventually, or unmute. But hello, Mary Beth and everyone. I am Tim Brown, and I am host of the Confidence Speaking Space. And I've been in these spaces for quite a while now, probably a year that I've been in and out of spaces, getting to know people and 
trying to find ways and places to add value to people I come across. So it's been a great experience and looking forward to the conversation this evening. Thank you for having me. Yeah, of course. Go ahead, Leslie. What's going on? Hello, everyone. This is Leslie Mata. I am the founder, along with my daughter, of Women of Basketball. And I also co-host with Tim Brown, Confident Speaking, on Saturday morning. So I am very, very excited to be here. Thank you, One Space, Mary Beth, and everyone that's up here and in the listening space. Awesome. And then we have Craig and Hermie. Craig, what's good? Good morning, Mary Beth. I know it's not morning where you are, but it's just clicked 8 a.m. here for me. How is everybody? Awesome. Happy you're here. Well, it's always a pleasure to be anywhere where this quality of people congregate together. So my my name is Craig. As Mary Beth said, I am a senior marketing executive in real life and been in the NFT Web3 space for close to two years now. Um, been in crypto since 2011 and um, currently I am the co-founder of the MetaRides project uh, which is a unique collection of uh, metaverse ready vehicles and also on the senior management team for the Isles of Meta Metaverse and I just want to give a quick shout out while I've got the floor to uh, Eugene Capon down the bottom there, who is the uh, metaverse guru in uh, in the Web3 space. So if anybody needs on the metaverse, reach out to Eugene. Right. What's up, Eugene? Shout out to Eugene down there. What up? He's my um, partner in crime whenever there are conferences, and we like to bounce from booth to booth and ask ridiculous questions, sometimes great ones, sometimes crazy ones, but we always like to see what the reactions are. Um Thank you for that, Craig. And Hermie. What's up, Mary Beth? How are you? Awesome. You've been going at this for a while. So, uh, a I know that, yeah, exactly. Um, I am Hermie. I uh, have owned a small business called Everything Baseball for 22 years. Uh, I am also the founder of Hermie NFT, which gives back to youth sports. And just like Craig, I am the co founder of Meta Rides, and I also am on the senior management team for Isles of Meta. Awesome. Thank you. And before I bring up, um, Moonpa is going to co-host with me. So I'm super excited because I'm going to have her introduce herself too in a second. Um, what up, D-Hype? It's first time we're Yo. in a sec- Well, second time, I guess, we're in a space together. Well, yeah, yeah, officially, officially. But I'm super pumped. I'm also excited a pump for Moonpie to come up here because she's really good at spilling drinks on me at conferences. <laughs> and Who let and- this guy up here? And and I am at a conference right now. I am hanging out with my new buddy Corky from Prasaga, and um, we are Web Three Expo in Las Vegas, reporting that all things are good here, all conditions are good. We're gonna go party at the Nerd later, have a content creation day with a lot of other personalities and people, and uh, a lot of good mojo here, hanging out with the Meta Wizards, all kinds of like cool um, communities that have been like really supportive of each other, and it's just like lots of smiles and good naturedness going on. So uh, really grateful to be a part of it. Awesome. Thank you, D-Hype. Um, I'm also bringing in another speaker who's coming up here. Hey, introduce yourself. I'm so stoked to have you a co-host. Hi, everybody. I am Moon Pie. Um, I am a part of the One Mint team and a normal host of One Spaces every single Wednesday uh, with eMoney and Quigley. Um, I also am a co-host for Ape Spaces and um, 
I am a part of many different projects doing a bunch of different things also on the team for NFA and um, happy to be here. Dope. Thank you, Moon Pie. I'm just rearranging the stage really quickly. Don't anyone get mad at me. Just bear with me for a second while I do this. Um, if anyone's ever like hosted spaces for a very long time, throw me up some hearts and emojis because it is a little bit difficult sometimes as you track and just keep going. So thank you. Thank you everyone for the love and the support and thank you to all the listeners down here who've been kicking it all this time. Um, so we have, who just came up here? Is that bands? Oh man. Hey bands, introduce yourself. Cause we're about to get in some fun talks here. Uh, I had to walk away from the TV, but, uh, I don't really know who I am anymore. I just kind of tweet. I uh, make friends. I like to listen to spaces and give my uh, insight and then, you know, listen to other people and then see if it changes my mind, I guess is the best description of myself right now. You know what? That is probably the most raw and honest statement that I've heard <laughs> regarding a personal introduction. So thank you, bands, because bands make a dance. So KJ, hello. Um, I want to introduce uh, to everyone a very special guest. KJ is here. Introduce yourself. Hello, Mary Beth. Thank you. And hello to everybody who's on the stage and in the listeners right now. I'm KJ. I'm a 15-year-old NFT artist and developer, and I've been in this space for, I could say, about nine months oh i also forgot to mention i'm a tutor as well and um you know i've done a lot of things with my journey which you know it it was crazy i've learned a lot from it and through those learning experiences i was able to speak at various places like nft vip nft expoverse crypto connect and now nft london which i'm super psyched for because it's going to be like my biggest one yet um you know, part of what I do is inspire children and, you know, other people in general. I have a chronic illness, which is ulcerative colitis. So, um, you know, I was in and out of the hospital a lot. Like, it, it was something that was impacting my mental and physical health. And art was just my way of coping. And it, it was what, you know, pretty much cared me. So, um, you know, I was able to pretty much move on to NFTs thanks to my parents who told me about them. And I did some research did some deep diving and I was able to do what I am right now. Now I'm even making smart contracts and, you know, collections for like pretty big people. So I think that's, you know, something awesome. I can't say too much about it, but you know, once it comes out, it's going to be pretty big. So that's a little bit about me. And thank you again for inviting me to the space, Mary Beth. Of course we have, I'm just giving everyone a round of applause, like in, in real life clap, because we have such a cool, cool panel up here, you know, um, Earlier today, we were talking a little bit about, you know, we were talking about Yuga Labs, and then we were talking about influencers, and I just feel like the space dictates sometimes, kind of dictates the entire community's sentiment as a whole, right? Um, And sometimes it's just like when I have these spaces, I'm just like, okay, let me try to like shift the mood a little bit, you know what I mean? But I, I don't know what it is. And when it comes to NFTs, I, I've just felt recently that there's an air of a little bit of haughtiness or sometimes arrogance. And that's such a strong word. But sometimes it kind of separates uh, me personally. I can only speak for myself. But it kind of pushes me away a little bit from like even even just a Twitter space or NFT communities. But I was wondering if anyone had anything to say on that or if I'm the only one that's thinking this. You know, 
And for oh. who's in the audience, feel free to request to speak or raise your hand. We welcome all. Tim. Yeah, I was going to feel some of that space then. So I, I do. I sense the same sentiment in spaces that I go to, especially when people are super excited about the projects thereof. And I often hear this segregation, so to speak, where those that haven't made the leap into Web3, you know, they're being considered the normies or given some label of isolation that makes them the us versus them, so to speak. And I, I recall sharing that. I think people should be careful with that because if you're saying that to the wrong people, especially when you're looking for mass adoption, some people may not take too kindly to that. And it may repel more so than bring them into the fold of what everyone is trying to do in this space. So I agree with you. I've, I've seen the same sentiment. Go ahead, Craig. Yeah, I believe so also. You know, I've seen from, you know, I'm in spaces all day just about. And what I've noticed is people come across, and I'm not saying they have this opinion, but they come across like Web3 owes them something already. You know, like they've been here long enough that they're owed something, but they haven't put in the work to be entitled to that, if you know what I mean. So, you know, like, and I see so many projects who have a very small following and they're trying to build a community and you may launch a 10,000 collection when they've only got 100, 200 followers and then they expect that the space now owes them sales. So I think, you know, the sentiment that I'm seeing is it's a sense of entitlement, if you know what I mean. Oh, yeah, 100%. I mean, I've always wondered, was it Web3 that created that sense of entitlement? Or was this always a thing before? I I don't know. That's just a rhetorical question. But I, yeah, think, I think it was. Thank you. Moon Pie, then Black Alchemy. I just was, when I work with projects all the time, I I tell them having real expectations is so important. And so... I think, you know, you guys say it as like entitlement, but at the same time, I think I'm not sure if they felt entitled to it or if they just had very false expectations, which is like really, really common in this space right now. Thank you. For like, that. just look around, do your research. You know what I mean? Like, look at other projects that are launching and, you know, what they've had to do. And like, you're not an exception, you know? I'm going to go to Black Alchemy and then Leslie, Black Alchemy. Hey, thank you so much again, Mary Beth, for having me on stage. Um, so interesting topic and interesting discussion, because when you think about it, there's nothing new under the sun. I think a few people in this room have heard this before, but there's nothing new under the sun. Um, the way the crowd moves and the way the crowd acts is always going to be the way it moves and how it acts. Whether or not we're talking about Web 2 and Web 3 or personalities and you know sentiments that people, personas that people deploy, at the end of the day, a lot of people got into this space to generate wealth, revenue, and currency. Whether that's good, bad, whether you feel good, bad, or indifferent about that, I'm talking to anybody, that is the nature of this beast. And when you have people that are inspired by finance or financial gain, one end of the spectrum or another, there's going to be levels of fuckery and, and tomfoolery and massaging and, and deception to get you into a certain space. The, the separate that was spoken to earlier by um, Mr. Brown 
that's a part of all psychological operations, and I, I speak on that, uh, with that, through that, from personal experience, um, and that, that's why it's not new to me. I worked for the intelligence services for 20 years, uh, various intelligence agencies doing various things, hacking for the government, doing other cool stuff, but that's why I figure or I feel as if what I'm seeing here is, is it's more mimicry. It's not real genuine, authentic uh, development of personas that are, you know, true. Well, not, not, and I'm not speaking for everybody. I can't speak across the board, but for the majority of the cases that I see, you know, and the, the life pattern that I live, a lot of people are manipulated, deceived, and influenced by the personalities, by the way that the separation is created, uh, the GM for, GM for you and not GM for them, or if you're new, you're not experienced, or you haven't been making flips. Let's just unpack it for a second and create some reve revelations for people who are reading this book on <laughs> NFT or this, this space. You've got large groups of people, large groups. I mean, I apologize. You have small close-knit community groups of people that are moving large waves of flow of people channeling through different NFT projects to use and encourage that energy, that, that same, you know, that type of flow, marketing hype or whatever it is to get people who bought from one project to go to another. And they're, while they may not be above the scenes, you know, so, you know, the, even in, in, it's almost the political game. You may see two people going at it, these big name brand personalities and these big, you know, oh, this guy is so big or this woman's so big and I need to follow her. And on, on the surface, you get into the spaces and it seems like they have uh, discord, they have problems, they have some kind of problem with each other. So you feel as if there's no affiliation, but behind the scenes, they're sipping wine. And that's a real thing that I think a lot of people are not really paying attention to, that what you receive on this platform on this Twitter space, on this Twitter, on this social media situation that we call a platform or engagement place, it is all a representation of an avatar or a person that somebody's putting on it. It doesn't mean that you're looking at the true nature of that essence of that personality or that sentiment. And when you keep that in mind, it helps you to deduce or make more, more informed decisions about you, what you want to buy or what, what community you want to be a part of. Hope I didn't go over with that. No, you were, you were great. Um, we were talking, okay, so the last part you were saying, I've, I, I watch, right? I watch projects. I watch people. I like to see what other, let's call them Twitter hosts, right? Space hosts. Um, even influencers I like to watch them. And sometimes when I see, for example, oh, wow, that project partnered with that person. I'm like, okay, so that project wants someone who's kind of a, has a, a tough mouth on them and who's kind of arrogant. Okay. Is that a part of their branding? Like I sound completely judgmental right now, but you know, I take those things into consideration and I kind of associate certain personalities with certain brands, because if that's who they've chosen, that kind of tells a story to me about, you know, the kind of community they want to build or the kind of project, even though sometimes I kind of think like, I don't know if they know, knew any better. Do you know what I mean? Leslie and then D hype Leslie. Thank you, Mary Beth. I want to agree with the sentiment I was actually going to add in regards to the entitlement, but after hearing Moonpie as well, and in this space, when people have the sense of urgency, I kind of understood a situation a little bit more. I think also is kind of knowing the environment because some of the people that do host spaces, you know, we host it just to build the audience and for people to get to know projects. But 
there is a sense of entitlement sometimes where if you happen not to host a space, you know, because something came up in real life and you're letting people know, hey, my bad, we're not going to be able to host spaces and they get upset and whatnot. It's like they also have to understand that. For some of us, this is not a page. We're hosting it because we want to host it. So therefore, we're asking you to come on. And if we happen not to have it, have the understanding that, hey, you know, we're going to have it again. You're more than welcome to come on. But at the same token, you know, it's like we're reaching out to you for us to showcase you on these spaces. Um, so have the understanding that we're human as well and you can't get upset but we're also understanding the sense of urgency. That's a really good point. I'm really glad you brought up the other side of the fence um, because not quite often, um, you know, people who do host or have some type of leadership role in the space, like are very hesitant to, to uh, speak up. So thank you, Leslie D hype. What's up. What's up, Mary Beth. So it's really cool to hear this discussion because I'm actually in the hotel room right now at the whim as like the hype, um, panel is about to go up, which does not include me. Okay, just FYI, I'm not on the hype panel, but there is a hype panel happening. I'm in the audience right now. I'm here with Porky. We're just having a discussion about because I actually have been having meetings this weekend with people about people hiring me to do exactly what we're talking about, and um, we we're discussing how I felt very comfortable with the company I was talking to because they chose me because of my personality and it matched with them. I thought that was very cool, and I feel like that's important for people to do that. Not only that, but also to have a personality in the room um, as far as business goes where everyone feels comfortable, everyone feels like they can be themselves, express themselves. So it has to be complimentary also. Um, that's a big thing for me is to not have personalities be like overwhelming or something where other people can't feel comfortable. Um, and you have to balance that out too because you know we need strong personality to be in this space often, um, to speak, to do all these things. And as you know, with like my whole thing that I do with like my Doug High persona, it is to have that strong personality, but it really does come from a place. I, uh, at least I try from a place of gratitude and trying to be, do like good things for people, but we need to have strong voices for the things that we are either trying to get across or, um, you know, things that we even believe in. Right. So like when I personally start a Twitter space, I like to just acknowledge the people in the room, like make jokes about Moon Pie and myself and stuff like that to create people's um, connection to make people feel comfortable, make them be seen to make them feel okay to be themselves and also point out things about them or myself that might be funny or silly or whatever about us so we can all just talk about this stuff and be okay with it. So I feel like that's my personality. And um, I really enjoy people that, that do those things. Um, when Mupai and I have like fun conversation with each other, like it's super, when, when I um, bump into her and she spilled her herself at um, the Pigeon New York party, it was one of the coolest moments ever. She looked at me and she's like, hi, I'm Moon Pie, because we had never met before. And all of a sudden, I was just like this level of shock of like, oh, my God. And this is amazing. It's so cool. And I, know, I just ruined Moon Pie's dress. Yes. And also, I was like, I was really worried. I was like, I'm so sorry. I was like, I hope I didn't actually ruin your dress. I was like, I'm so sorry. And she gives me the look. And I'm like, wait a second. You just, well, you just swung on a swimmy. I mean, I think it was your fault. So I kind of be are provocative like that. But I don't mean it. Like, my obviously you know i feel bad and i hope that it didn't ruin her dress but it's just a way for us to interact and have a good time and i feel like you know it's a level of having a strong personality but supporting each other and doing it in a way where every action and thing you do is really about being respectful and um 
aware of your surroundings and who's around you and celebrating everybody's individuality too. So I think if we can do that in a really good way and being grateful for what we do, we can have a great community, great leadership and, and things of that nature and have strong personalities, but have it be really good as opposed to like, you know, the idea of an influencer, somebody with a strong personality and they're just doing it just for their own ego or like their own like self Hey, um, I mean, motivation. some people get hired. I'm just saying, you know, right, what I mean? right, right. And that's, and that's, and that's the thing that we have to do. We have to balance that. Right. Like, and that's fine. And I think just think that like, you know, I'm cool with everybody and I'm like wanting everyone to be successful, but um, I'm just saying what like my personal preferences are, I guess. And, and so when a company hires you, I'm hoping that they, or works with you, I'm hoping that that's the thing they do is they try to have find some form of alignment because that's kind of your job is to be a little bit of a mouthpiece for that brand. Right as an, in essence is like you are kind of like a representative of them even if you're not an influencer even if you're a vp of this or that you somehow are a way in a way a representative of that brand so all these factors of who you are as a person should play into um all this stuff in a good way um and when i try to talk about brand building and stuff like that um like that moment when i met moon pie and she did that and it was funny and hilarious if i had the opportunity to work with her i'd be like wow that sounds exciting and fun and she's like a a really cool person and she was able to like relate to me in these levels of humor and fun and she's i could just feel her self being a real person and she saw me and was like interactive with me on a level where she valued me and it was fun and cool and like that's the kind of thing i want to see and i really adore and appreciate and um and that's the kind of thing i think that you know um I, that is worth like a lot of respect in having you you know someone like moon pie be um you know doing what she does just as an example right for sure. And first of all, I want to say your Midwestern accent just takes me right back home. Um, second of all, um, no, I appreciate that. Although I wish someone could tell me how we all can get together and make it work with our, all our personalities, because it sounds like a pipe dream to me, um, respectfully. But I love that you share that, D-Hype. Thank you. Oh, Hi. Mary. I'm sorry. Can I also add one thing, too? Wait, who? A real I'm sorry. Oh. I, just, I just want to add one more thing, please, if that's okay. I'm just kidding. I'm a, it's Mary Beth. Oh, Mary Beth, sorry. <laughs> okay. Go ahead. I Go apologize. Ahead. Go ahead. Um, but thanks for giving me a hard time about it. Um, also, Eve, I ran into Evo like a bunch of times yesterday. So that was a lot of fun. And we were hanging out in this space the other day. And um, actually going and meeting people in real life, seeing how they are, all this stuff builds like so much cool connection and everything. And it just making people feel Did you run into how they, they are. Evil from um, Uninformed Opinions. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's where I met Mary Beth in his like Twitter spaces. And uh, he was hanging out with Fiddy, and Fiddy always likes to run up and hug me and like surprise me and stuff. And so it was a lot of fun. Anyways, just saying we're having here. Speaking and of personalities, really you, you should definitely send him the memo to stop bullying me about following him in space. I had Thanks. a few things I wanted to touch on, if that's okay. Of course. Go ahead. Go, yeah. Oh, I can't hear Mary Beth. She said, go for it. You're awesome. And also, I should call her Mary, not Mary Beth. Can Moon Pie hear us? Can someone hear me? I can hear you, but you can't yeah, hear can each hear other. Me. You and Moon Pie cannot hear each other. Okay. She said to go ahead, Moon Pie. I don't think Moon Pie can hear. Um, I, I did want to move on to a next question while... Um, I'll, I'll DM Moonpie and tell her to, uh, leave and come back. Um, KJ, I was wondering as an explorer of different NFT communities, I mean, 
And I, look, I know that you are a very confident, uh, you know, well-spoken young individual, right? Even not even that young, but just younger than the most of us. I mean, how do how, what is your what's going on in your head as you maneuver through these communities? Um, you know, as I maneuver through these communities, I, you know, get to see what their vibe is like. Some of them have like more of like a cultist vibe and some of them is like a, you know, peaceful community. I tend to go, um, you know, more to the, you know, calm communities because I feel like it's peaceful and, you know, I could have a good time and everybody support each other. Um, but what I've noticed with these cult communities is that, um, you know, when you join them, um, and you're like really deep in them, like anything that you put out, they'll just like really, you know, leech onto it. And, you know, it's a, it's whether like, you know, you, you want to stick with those communities or if you want to be in a calm, peaceful place, that's what I've noticed with these, like, you know, different NFT, um, communities. I don't know if it's making sense what I'm saying. No, for sure. I mean, okay. So, uh... But how do you even get more interested in a project if you're already feeling like, oh, this is kind of cultish? Oh, the way that I get more interested in a project. So usually, though, like sometimes the ways that I get into like different projects is that, you know, usually it's like a giveaway that I get or somebody sends me one to kind of like, you know, have me welcomed into that group. And I start to go into their spaces and they start to get into their community a lot more. Um, that's how I can say I can typically get into their, you know, their community. But sometimes I just, you know, buy some on my own. And if it really resonates with me, I'll buy it. So that that's the way that I get into, like, those different communities. It's either, like, it's from a giveaway or, you know, it really resonates with me. And I like the way the community is running. And that's usually for the more peaceful communities. And then I buy it. But for the cultist communities, I would say that um, it. <laughs> It's through giveaways that I usually get into those communities. Can you define what you mean by that cultist? So, um, I'm not going to say names, obviously. But, like, you know, it's like everything's centered around that group. It's like when, when one person does this from that project, like, the whole rest of those people go into that, like, do that exact same thing. Like, say, for example um it's not really like a bad thing but um you know trolls i'm sure you guys have seen the trolls project like how everybody who was typing in those weird letters they were doing that weirdish thing and you know oh, all the all goblins that. I think. yeah the goblins trolls I, I forgot the name of it but like you know all that funky stuff and like everybody started adapting onto it so that's what i mean by cultish um type of thing like everybody um creates this like la la land with that community and they just abide by it i don't know i don't know how to describe it but it's like if you see it then you, you'll know what i'm talking about a hundred percent but it works marketing wise right oh of course definitely definitely works leslie i think you had your hand up or not sorry someone had their hand up um and welcome back e-money and moon pie glad you're here i just want to make sure moon pie you can hear and talk and everything i can hear <laughs> yes sorry okay. Okay, great. Um, saying before? Oh, I just wanted to, I feel like the conversation has gone on quite a bit since, but um, I think it was Black Alchemy, um, what he was saying and what Leslie uh, was saying just really resonated with me um, about like people creating personas within this space, uh, for one. Um, and I liked how D-Hype brought up 
you know, um, us meeting in Las Vegas and for someone like what Leslie was saying, like being more, um, realistic and not as entitled to two spaces hosts. Right. Um, I don't play a persona when I come to the, like I am, what you see is what you get and you can ask e-money that or D hype or anyone who's met me in person. Um, I'm exactly who I portray myself to be on spaces. It's only, that's the only way I would want it, you know? Um, and I think with that being said, I'm known as a very bubbly, fun person, but sometimes, you know, like what Leslie was saying, it made me think of like, I can't even feel like I can have like a bad day, you know, because like I have to live up to this like expectations of what people expect me to be like on this space all the time. And it's just exhausting, you know? Um, So yeah, just like treating the host just as, more human, I think is so important. And um, yeah. Thank you, Moon Pie. Tim Brown, then E, Tim. Yeah, I think to what Moon Pie said about being herself, I think people potentially do themselves a disservice if they come into these spaces and interact with people under the assumption that there are false personas even though there are some people are pretending i i will not deny that but i think if that's the assumption on the front end you run the risk of missing out on potential connections and potentially new friendships that could be very valuable to you in life because you're going to overlook some of the signs or the indicators that this person is trying to connect or there's someone that you may need to connect with because in the back of your mind You're trying to figure out what the game is instead of embracing the reality of who they're showing you that they are. So that's something that I think people should keep in mind. Don't assume that everyone is is putting on a show with their behavior. And also the sentiment of the IRL, where I hear that a lot, you know, in real life. And I remember Baroness saying a while back the fact that You know, Twitter is an extension. These spaces, it's an extension of real life because if you go into a space and you meet someone and they DM you and you connect and it turns into a business deal, that's about as real as it gets. So I think we need to really take it, you know, just really give it the credit for the value that it truly brings and assume that you're dealing with people in real life because it is. These relationships are very real when people connect. 100%. Thank you so much, Tim Brown. For anyone who's in here, we're talking personalities and sentiment Um, here with One Spaces today. Definitely retweet out the room if you have not yet. We have some great conversation going on. Um, And anyone who's requested to speak, I promise I'm getting to you. Um, We're just taking turns as we come in and out. E-money must be the money. What's up, fam? Yeah, sorry. I was trying to talk earlier, but I was also getting rugged. Uh, so I want to talk a little bit about something you were actually discussing, uh, which is that idea of brand association with image and a little bit about what Moon Pie was just talking about. So here's the thing. I've been in Twitter and Web3 for a little over a year now. Um, I got here as a restaurant manager with almost no experience of how any of this worked. 
Um, and I will tell you that the course of my development in this place has not been a steady straight line. And I definitely didn't get to where I am, uh, now by like, it, I'm not the same person as I was a year ago. Um, so I don't want to put out there the idea I'm prefacing what I'm about to say, because, you know, there is a growth process when you're moving in the direction that people like moon pie and myself are, where we are happy being up in front. We are okay with it. Um, we're okay with not being in front, but we can handle that kind of heat and, we are all right with being a leader. The time comes, uh, we, I, I can speak like for myself personally. Um, I've had a number of deals that have happened, uh, a number of partnerships I've been able to make between other people specifically because people feel comfortable reaching out to me and talking to me. And eventually I find out what they need and it turns out to be really beneficial for all parties involved. That being said, it took me a minute to figure out, and even to this day, literally this morning at 5 a.m., there are things that I learn about myself that help me change and do better. That being said, if you are trying to do this, it's important to remember that, you know, as somebody looking uh, or as somebody that is trying to make their way and evolve into a person that people in web three listen to um people in web three actually respect their opinion there's a couple of things that i'd like to share about that because those transfer to whatever brand decides to associate with you and one of those things is consistency being out here consistently trying to do the right thing staying on top of your game super important right but also consistently acknowledging when you made a mistake and doing what you can to fix it. Uh, you know, there is a matter of integrity that comes with that brand association that people are looking at. And we're in a period of time in this industry right now. I, I, I like to call it the primordial soup because things are just arising out of this space that we're in. And some of them are becoming huge and other ones off. But the individuals that are being a part of transformations, those pieces are going back into the soup and coming back out better every time if they're doing it right. This is a process. It's not something that just falls in your lap one day. It's something that happens when you reach out to help other people out. You make an impact uh, of your own volition, not for gain, not for yourself, not for, you know, what's in it for me. It's a matter of making an impact without requiring anything builds a reputation, right? Um, content creators that are out there, some of your favorite ones that post all those memes, uh, there are days they have where their memes just don't hit. It happens, but they come back out the next day and they keep going. Um, there's a lot of things that, you know, I would love to speak more on, on this, but I don't want to take up the whole stage. So I'll boil it down to this. If you're consistently trying to get better and that is your brand, 
when other brands are looking for someone to associate with them, when people are looking for people to help, uh, to give them guidance, they're going to turn to people that are trying to do the same things they are, right? They want people that, like Mary Beth was saying, that have a personality that they subcon that others will subconsciously associate with their brand if you stay with them long enough. Um, hmm. So I think it's important to throw that out there uh, because I, you know, we there's a lot of spaces. Um, actually, some of the times that I've been into Tim's spaces, I've learned a ton of stuff. Um, but I think that there's, you know, I, I definitely wanted to put that out there that like a big part of this isn't just being yourself. It's continuously trying to improve yourself as you go. Being better as a professional is the heart of professionalism. Thank you, E. Um, I want to hit up Hermie. What's good, Herm? So I kind of want to piggyback on E-Money's points. So I think that, you know, in a vacuum, we're all trying to get better. We're all trying to, you know, succeed in Web3 in our own way. What's interesting to me is when we are evaluating personalities, we've got, you know, a core group in here that is continuing to try to get better, continuing to run spaces, getting better at speaking in spaces, getting better at communicating with other projects and, and potentially collabing. But there are people that are struggling with their projects and not getting sales and starting to grow frustrated and realizing in real life that their significant other is being pushed away or their job's not getting, you know, what it needs um, to, to save or, you know, they're not putting enough web to work in or whatever. I think that, you know, as we continue to evolve, you know, we're going to have new people come in. They're going to be excited. They're going to be fresh and whatever. We're also going to have some disgruntled web three people that are frustrated over what's going on, wondering if it's real, wondering if they should bail or not. And then the rest of us that, you know, I don't want to say the rest of us, but a good chunk of us, that are trying to run spaces and share and grow, you know, Craig and I run spaces all the time. And it, it, it means a lot to us, even if we're just helping somebody with their Twitter bio or their link tree to give them a chance to succeed and ultimately, you know, keep that positive attitude moving forward. But, you know, in evaluating, you know, personalities, I think there are a lot of hidden things involved there where, you know, if we take a step back and look at that, um, it might make more sense to us on why some people, you know, you don't see a sale for two months. You're going to go into a space a little bit differently than you would if you first started in Web3, in my opinion. Thank you for that. Um, and thank you for everyone for coming in here. We do have a couple more requests to speak, but I wanted to give other people a chance to share. What's up, Spill, if you're there? I am here, Mary Beth. What's going on, everybody? I've been trying to support you uh, for most of this day when I could pop in these spaces have been good. Um, it, it got me uh, tweeting. I was a little sassy today because I get passionate about certain things. But what's going on, guys? I love the sassiness, right? Because whenever we get a little sassy, there's some kind of honesty that's dying to come out. You know what I'm saying? And we consider it sassy because we know that there might be a reaction or two that might question us, right? Yeah, I'm like the Zen one, like the one that's like, you know, into my spirituality and balance and like I do my mental health spaces and I'm like self-aware, but I, my sassiness, it comes out, you guys, it's, it's all about that balance, baby. Right. I have to. So what's up? What are we talking about? So, I mean, Besides. we're 
Yeah, no, just like the personality sentiment and like you kind of bring up a point, right? So when we start doing spaces, for example, um, and we start even branding ourselves and whatever our spaces might be about, um, it's just like sometimes it becomes the to maintain. It's like, oh, can someone just let me breathe for once? Uh, you know what I mean? Um, and so like that's a truth, right? Um, so I, I think I didn't know if I wanted to get um, who is that Zeller and the company up here as well. But um, Tim, did you have your hand up? No. Oh, but yeah, I uh, you're right, though, Mary Beth, um, when it comes to <clears throat> excuse me, joking. Um, hosting these spaces and and people see like our topics are um, you know it it can kind of like I I, I do post positive things I try to help people I want to you know build communities and like I'm a healer but um, I'm an open book too so like what you see is what you get and and there are days that I'm gonna be sassy there's days that I'm gonna uh, be super passionate about something and it might not be like you know uh from this quote unquote what I use what I say is like leading from a place of love and leaving from a place of love because <laughs> uh, I you know like today with the whole government SEC I mean I get passionate about that stuff um, so it's like I might not be talking about like hey guys did you get up and drink your water and stretch today like no you might see like some sassy from me but like that's uh, that's okay like we're allowed to do that right bring them on yeah freedom of speech Ooh, who just said that? Who's I? Who's I? Wait, I can't see who's talking. Oh, of course it was you. Okay, I see you. <laughs> um, I do want to go to Craig. Yeah, I was just going to add on to what a few other people have said. And, you know, at the moment we've got, you know, two or three million people in the NFT Web3 space. And in the next two years, we're gonna, that's going to, you know, go up to 20, 25 million. And, when we've got 20 million people in the space, we're going to have 20 million different personalities. And some of those personalities we aren't going to get on with, you know, we clash with different personalities in life in general. So as space hosts and co-hosts, you know, how do we manage that? You know, there's going to be so many people that, that we just don't agree with or don't get on with. And, you know, we can't, exclude them from anything clearly you know we have to include everybody if we're truly going to be a you know a decentralized and inclusive platform but um you know it's going to be a constant battle moving forward as as everyone's already addressed so um you know i just wanted to put that in everyone's mind that you know we're 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 only at you know one percent of the people that are going to be in web3 over the next five to ten years so it's a long road ahead yes Thank you. Um, the company, what's introduce yourself? Hello, everyone. Thank you for letting me speak. I didn't think I'm gonna be able to speak in this room. Like these people, they're gonna look at my profile. They're gonna be like, "Fuck this guy, get him out of here." Anyways, well, welcome <laughs> to have you. Thank you, thank you. Uh, much appreciated. Um. I'm kind of a techie person, you know, but I kind of look at things from a logical, you know, perspective, I guess. Like, um, now, when it comes to these NFTs and stuff, you know, in my perspective, if you're paying for something, say, like, something uh, you believe in or something that is going towards something where people are going to say, hey, you know, you you got to put some type of culture behind that. 
Like, what, what, what's the culture behind this NFT? What is it about? What is it support? Why am I just paying for this picture? What do I get back from it? It goes back to utility. Like, if, if people want to pay for something, unless you want to make yourself an NFT and someone buys that NFT, then they, you have to do whatever it is that they say. Uh, you don't have to. Okay, I mean, you could, but then what's the point of the NFT if there's no utility behind it? Some people just like to buy, just kind of like how I have about 80 pairs of shoes and like 12 I only wear. That you know is an uh, impulsive disorder that he needs to go see a doctor about. <laughs> okay. Most of us have that disorder. So, but thank you for sharing. Um, I did want to go to uh, Leslie and then Spill. Okay. I'm kind of glad that the company brought that up because necessarily with art there's a lot of artists that have come into this platform so they can earn money because it's different in real life and a lot of the times you don't have to buy art necessarily if there's not utility you're buying art to support your friends your loved ones because you love the art I mean is everybody looking for something all the time can you just buy something without the expectation of receiving something back why not yes. buy it because you love it yes i do i mean sometimes i buy things like with hope but i always forget about it to be honest with you yeah like uh, lottery tickets oh yeah like those too you buy like, them with hope right and in the car like, huh? they're in the car with like the ten thousand cvs receipts that are 22 feet long yes 100 percent um, but Leslie, you bring up a great point. You know, some, we, whenever someone asks why I always say, why not? It's my response every single time. What up spill? Oh, um, yeah. Dang it. Nope. The lottery ticket comment. I lost my train of thought and it was something really good. Give me a minute. Yeah. We'll come back to you. I do want to bring up, uh, Tim. Yep. While you're trying to find the person to bring up, I'll throw this in there. Let's so go. I, I think the majority of, of purchases are made, well, a lot of purchases are made based on connection with people, especially if you're talking about art, something that isn't solely based on a need. You know, if you need a saw, it isn't necessarily going to be about the individuals. However, the saw can be more expensive in one store and you appreciate the value that the salesperson brings to you. So because they did such a great job showing concern and educating you about what you needed and how it can help you, you'd be willing to spend a little more. I know I am. And the, the connection is really important. And it might be like Leslie said, the connection to the art or the connection to the person and not even necessarily about what it can do for you. Mm, right. Thank you for that, Tim. Spill, did you remember? Yeah, and also the community. Uh, I'm a big, big fan of community um, and supporting. Uh, yes, but it was about legit talking about our personalities and meshing with like, because we're just like the one person. He was like, uh, when we add more humans to this um, madness that we live in. Um, so like my face be true to you and like you're going to vibe with your tribe. Like the people are going to flock to you who um you know are going to be connected to you and then as far as like 
like for instance on chain we're like a neutral all-inclusive platform so we don't have we're not you know we give everybody a voice to come up and share whatever their opinions are because our are valued right um so i think it's just like leading from a place of like love and like empathy as well um and just knowing like you can have an adult conversation and not uh agree like you can have a difference of opinion and still have um a really chill conversation about it and um as far as personas go i mean yeah if you're hosting spaces your people are going to show up so just be true to you thank you i'm gonna go to kj and legit uh kj thank you also you know taking a look from the um artist perspective um through i mean two so a lot of people um do art and back then a lot of the time people would like their parents would say hey you can't do art because you won't make money you won't do this you won't do that blah 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 um you know art is a way for people to you know show their creativity show who they are show you know the story been through but um you know a lot of the time artists haven't been getting the recognition that they deserve so with you know, NFTs, not only do you not have to deal with a middleman and stuff like that, but it's an easier way to get, you know, more widespread. Like, you can make a lot more connections online with Web3 than how you would in person. Because to do it in person, you have to go, like, and meet the person that you're going to showcase your art to. You'd have to actually put them in museums. But, you know, for a person who's doing NFTs on Web3, all they simply have to do is send a JPEG, send a file. So it's not just like, you know, I'm sure other people said this, it's not just about the utilities, it's about the art itself as well. For me, um, I buy stuff because I think it looks cool and also because I think the community is cool as well. So it's, you know, two things for me, um, community and the art. So that's why I think that, you know, it's important to for, uh, to not forget that, you know, it's not all about what's my return, what's this? It's like, if you like this, you know, why not get it? Because think about it like this, right? You could get a Ferrari, right? You could blow a bunch of money on a Ferrari because it's nice. It's cool. Or you could get a beat up, you know, 90s car that will take you from point A to point B. But obviously you don't want it because that's not, you know, what you think makes you look good or that's not what represents you. You want to take care of yourself. You want to like, you know, pretty much spoil yourself in uh, in a way. So that's why a lot of people, you know, do the same thing with art. And NFTs, they want to spoil themselves, they want to, you know, they think it looks nice, they think that they'll enjoy it, so that's why they get it, and that's why I think that, you know, it's not um, just about utility. Thank you for admitting that, right? Because that is a legit reason why some people make a purchase. And really, do we even have to give an explanation at the end of the day? Absolutely not. We don't have to. Craig. Yeah, and just to you know, to follow on from that, what you know, Tim Brown said and KJ both said, you know, there's a there's a common um, component of of marketing for those marketers in the room who know and those people who don't called reference groups, and and it's who we attach ourselves to in reference to our status and our beliefs and our values. You know, for example, you know, I'm a New York Yankees fan. I can go and buy a New York Yankees fan to jersey tomorrow. I don't need it. But I want it because that's one of my reference groups. You know, a Ferrari to some people is a reference to the status group that they want to be associated with. So there are so many aspects to marketing that, you know, people don't understand, don't have the knowledge of that all lead into this entire discussion. 
around why we make a purchase. And that was one of the things I studied in in uh, my college university degree was consumer behavior, you know, the what, when, why, and how somebody makes a purchase and how a company uses different marketing techniques like reference groups and, you know, to get you and entice you to make that purchase. So it's the same with NFTs and Web3, understanding, you know, the demographic and what that demographic requires. Um, it depends on how you market your NFT project to each different demographic. So, you know, great discussion. I love this. I was going to press the mute everyone button once you said Yankees, but then I did this thing called um, I was became empathetic and more compassionate, and I withheld restraint myself from doing that. Mr. D, welcome. Hello, hello. Thank you for having me up, and thank you to the lovely host and co-host for having these much-needed dialogues. Um, one of the things I wanted to uh, bring up is I think a lot of people forget that although the medium or, or, the, or the land is different, the fundamentals have not changed. Although you're, you know, we're in Web 3, we're not Web 2, the fundamentals are still the same, right? So for those who are um, looking at it from a utility perspective when you're talking about communities um, and artwork, uh, it's to me, I look at it like this. If you don't know what it is that you're doing and why you're doing it, then how do you know when someone is actually speaking to you, right? So you, it's just almost like a self-awareness thing. Like I look at it no more different than designing your house. The artwork that you buy, everybody's not buying Picassos to decorate the house. My house is not filled with Picassos, right? Sometimes I buy things because it speaks to me. Sometimes I buy things because it just accentuates my space, my energy, right? And you have to understand that. I think that's one of the fundamentals we've gotten away from. Another fundamental we've gotten away from too is from a community perspective or from those um creator's perspective the onus of the message is always on the messenger it's not on the receiving end right so whatever and and that's that's that brands need not to forget in this space um as well whatever that energy that you want to harness that you want to uh, exemplify then you need to make sure your message is speaking to that right um preserve the integrity of your brand of your mission of whatever it is that you're doing um that you know you're the gatekeeper of that Right. You're the, you're the number one person of that. So I think we need to normalize supporting uh, communities, buying artwork just because not just from a utility uh, or utilitarian perspective. But, um, you know, sometimes that we need to push that message more. I think we can yeah. do better in that area, you know. So I'm right there with you. Yeah, for sure. Thank you. Um, Moon Pie, then D height. Moon Pie. Um, I wanted to circle back on what I think it was. KJ was talking about I like I love how he brought up the cars because to me that's like a perfect example of something that people are going out to buy because they need to they need a car they need to use a car they're looking to use the utility of that car to get them from point A to point B right but there is also another demographic of people who just collect cars and are buying cars for fun because they like how they look or they just want to add to their collection. And so I think it really has to do with the consumer's um, needs and also like their means, right? Like someone who ha doesn't have as much money might, you know, have a smaller like um, scope of NFT projects that they are 
willing to invest in because they they wanted to do something for them also instead of just look nice. Thank you for that moon pie. D-Hype then Zeller. What's up, D-Hype? Yo, I wanted to say a big what's up to legit NFT marketing advisor because I will only deal with legit marketing advisors. But um, I really liked your um, comments about branding and reference groups because like here right now, I'm at the Web3 Expo, you know, with Porky here and a bunch of other people like, um, and so, you know, these reference groups and like who we associate with ourselves, uh, how we present ourselves as our own brand, our own personality really matters. It attracts um, certain kinds of people, certain kind of ways of things like, and, and it, it makes things way more fun that way. Then you get to hang out with people that you really enjoy or are doing similar things that are really exciting to you. So social signaling, all these things that we do. I mean, that's the reason I wear the fur coat because it's fun. It's social signals like, hey, maybe I'm a fun person. Maybe come talk to me or something, right? And that's the kind of thing that I'm into. Um, and uh, Jeremy was just up here on stage talking about like hype and everything. And I didn't get a chance to ask him a question, but I was going to because like for someone like him on his um, profile, he drops F-bombs. He does all this different stuff. Um, I'm not going to name who he actually is, but um, just just for his example, though, um, he has all this different personality traits that he just puts out there a full 100%. Like there's no filtering, there's nothing. And um, we're just having this discussion about, you know, what is what does that place you, though, as if you're an influencer or a, mar- or a face of a brand, even if you're just running some kind of project, um, how much do you take into account, like, the level of comfort that other people have around you? Because I think there's tactful ways to be provocative and fun and interesting and exciting um, and to build those reference groups of people that you want around you versus the way of, like, and how do you balance that versus, like, um, the people that you want to push away from you because maybe they're not in your group. Like maybe you're dropping f in your tweets because you don't want people who are very sensitive in your reference groups. So I just think there's like an interesting way we balance all these things. I try to be very, make people feel comfortable and like with everything. And um, thank you. And um, sorry, uh, they just wanted to comment on my story. But anyways, um, those are the kind of things where like I feel like I'm the type of person I want people to feel comfortable and invited into a space. Um, but we also need a balance that makes it clear of like, hey, these are the values that we kind of have in the reference, whatever it is that we want. So I always think this is just like a dynamic thing we're always trying to work on. And that's why we probably go to these conferences and stuff. But it also, that comment that you made from legit NFT marketing makes me want to talk to you more. DM you, asking you stuff, pick your brain about marketing and stuff like that. So um, being self-aware of these things, I think, is also very valuable and allows us to learn from each other and build relationships. And that's really my main thing. Is I want to build relationships with other people, especially doing similar things to me. Um, so I just want to say those like little tidbits that you added in were really cool and um, and kind of stimulated thinking. Thank you for that, D Hype. And I'm sure legit always loves connecting with people. But I'll let um, you know you guys connect directly. I did want to go to Zeller as we only have just one more minute. Oh, Mary Beth, I'm so glad that I could make it in time. Uh, I actually was a guest artist in K&J Space, which was right before this, and I followed him in here, and I thought, this is so brilliant, and I've been meaning to come to your spaces, so I'm so happy because I just moved from California to Arizona. I'm settling in, and I feel like I can focus more now, and... um, You know, everybody is saying so many great things. I absolutely love listening to everybody's perspective. 
Uh, I wanted to build off of Spill because uh, I think staying true to yourself is a really big deal in the space. You're not doing yourself any favors if you're trying to be somebody else. It, it doesn't. It doesn't work in life. It doesn't work in Web three. You have got to be true to yourself. And I started hosting my own spaces uh, six weeks ago. I hosted on Monday nights just for three hours. I've only been in the space for four months. And I have solely been building uh, relationships and connections because that is what's going to be important in the long run when everybody, when all these people come in. So I want to make sure that I establish that first. And so I wanted to experience being a space host. And I'm so glad that I'm doing it because now I know what it's like for the space hosts. It is a challenging thing to manage. And um, all sorts of personalities have come in and I'm just starting. So I'm sure more will come. Um, I've had my first troll, you know, I, I handled that situation. And really, I, my space is really just talking about connections, relationships, and life. It's not a shill space. And that's just what I'm doing here in Web3. But when I've come across people, if we have a disagreement, it's cool because I feel like we need to agree to disagree. And that's one forward with it because... We all are going to have different perspectives. It's about not telling somebody, no, you got to believe this way. It's not like that. You know, it's no, people can believe what they want to believe. You just have to allow them to do it. And then if you're true to yourself, you're going to be fine. So I, yeah, definitely love being here. Mary Beth, I was almost going to move to St. Louis and I'm, I'm so glad you were supportive during that. Um, I don't think my 1998 Toyota Avalon was going to make it there, but it made it to Arizona. So, <laughs> Well, I'm happy to hear that all is well and that you're safe. So I know that moving is a very big, it can be very stressful. So I'm proud of you. Craig. I just wanted to quickly say before you move on to the next topic, you know, we've just been discussing cars. So I just wanted to let everybody in the room know that KJ has officially been appointed as the Youth Ambassador Team Leader for the MetaRides NFT project. So shout out to you, KJ. We love you. We adore you. You are an amazing person at, at the age you are in this space. And, you know, I see huge things for you in the future, brother. And uh, we're so happy to have you as part of our team. Thank you. And I'm honored to be a part of it. Um, you know, it really means a lot to me. I'm honored that you guys chose me and I can't wait to start working with you guys pretty soon. I just want to say I saw K&J's MetaRides suit and I'm sorry. I was so excited to see that collaboration, you guys. Legit and Hermie were the first people I met in the space and they've been so encouraging and so supportive. Um, I just am sticking with the people that I believe are, are, you know, here for the right reasons. And that's just uh, the journey I'm on. And yeah, go ahead, spill. Oh, no, I was just going to say, like, I live in St. Louis, too. And uh, like, Mary Beth, are you still a ride or die Cardinals fan, even though they got eliminated after the first round? Or We're not going to speak on that topic tonight. <laughs> So, um, but loyal and forever in my heart always. So me too. I'm just avoiding that topic at all costs. The next, I just thought I just thought it'd be a good laugh for a second. For sure, it's a different kind of laugh, but it's still for sure. Um, I did want to go into you know we were talking about personalities and sentiment. And by the way, thank you everyone for being here. Don't forget to retweet the space because this is going to be a really fun topic. I'm actually really excited to talk. If anyone on stage would like to stay or turn as listeners, 
Um, we do have a couple of people coming in, and I see you. I'm just trying to add people back in here. Um, retweet it out or check out One Space's feed. Follow, please follow uh, uh, my speakers up here. I wanted to invite and welcome Stacky, Stacky Robinson. Hi, everybody. Hi. Hi so it's not to have homegirl up here. Hi, Stacky. Um, what up, Stack? Hey. Keep going, everyone. Keep going. Finish them up. <laughs> good morning, good evening, good afternoon, Stacky. <laughs> That's right. Um, welcome, Stacky. And so we were talking in the last space, you know, about personalities, um, the sentiment in the space, how maybe one person can, there, you know, I made a statement in the last space about like, you know, I've always wondered, like, you know, I watch projects, I watch people. Sometimes, why is that really mean person or that kind of arrogant, loudmouth type of person affiliated with that project? Because I actually thought that project was really on point. And I was like, is there a disconnect that I missed? What, what's going on? You know what I mean? And it's it's almost like guilty by association. But I at least I'm being honest about how judgmental I can be sometimes, right? Like I'm human. Like that's just the way my brain functions. And so that topic of like, influencers right and I, I brought up earlier in the law space like even the kim kardashians and i even put out a poll actually let me see where the results are so far i put out a poll like what is an influencer is it someone who's verified is it someone with a lot of followers um is it someone who's famous outside of twitter spaces or web3 um or is it something completely different you know and i got a ton of different responses um, but first of all, can someone just define what an influencer is really quick, just to make sure I'm on the same page, please humor from, me from, from in perspective, Mary Beth, for me, you know, somebody who has the knowledge and experience and audience to actually influence something, you know, it's not about having a blue tick. It's not about, you know, being a celebrity because celebrities don't influence a lot of things, you know. So it's it's somebody who has the capacity to actually make a difference, influence a topic or a or a generation. You know, that's my perspective. Not and, and again, only from my own personal belief of what I believe an influencer is. Everyone's going to have a different belief, um, but for me, you know, the first thing that I ask when I see a, a profile on Twitter or anywhere else that says social media influencer, my very first question is. Tell me what you're influencing and how you influence that. Can I add to that thing that I also feel that an influencer has the capacity to impact your emotional and mental state of mind, whether it's in a positive or in a negative way? I just want to remind people that um, there are people who influence that did not sign up to be an influencer or did not sign up to affect you in a negative or positive way. Just had to throw that out there. Um, I wanted to welcome up Fitty One. Seriously? Your name's Fitty, Fitty One. Not Fitty One. Okay. What's going on, Fitty One? What is going on? I think I was in a space with you earlier today or yesterday. How's everybody doing tonight? I saw a few familiar faces. I see Hermie. I see D-Hype. I see a bunch of other people. I see Legit. How you doing? I saw Stacky. I think you were in that space earlier as well. Team Moon Pies here. How are you guys all doing? Great. That's awesome. That's awesome. 
So we're talking about what influences you. I mean, I was just like, would someone just please enlighten me and tell me what an influencer is before I end up this can of worms? I don't know. I'm kind of wondering, like, you know what I mean? It's like, does an influencer have to be positive? Do they have to be negative? Do they just have to promote something? Do they have to promote a project? Like, you know, it's kind of a vague question. It's kind of hard to even understand. It's like, you know, even in the NFT field, like who's an influencer? And it's like, you know, is this person an influencer? Just like purely talking FUD, let's just say. Are they, uh, you know, and do we consider like positive influencers, um, negative influencers? It's a good question. It's a good, 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 good question. Why don't we go to D hype for that one? I think he's got the answers. D I'm so interested in what D hype has to say. Yeah, he's got. And he's, he's got some great photos that he's fucking been posting. Check out those photos. I think it's in Vegas, man, with the jacket. Oh my god, D hype, you are a baller, bro. You guys save those for later. Oh. The hey. photos, the photos. Oh, the photos, right, right. See, look, look, I'm hanging out with uh, Matthew from Dark Horse right now. We're here at the conference. and um, I love the play-by-plays you're giving, by the way. Oh, I you can do this all day, every day. Okay. Matthew's laughing. He loves this. I'm going around and telling people that I'm double booked right now and here and there. And they're like, I mean, I mean I'm just kind of having fun. I'm thick. But can you repeat the question? Because I was a little bit distracted by all the conference people here for a moment. Why don't you go enjoy the conference, Dean? No, 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 no. I want to answer this question. Well, you know, it's funny because 51 asked to pass the mic to you to answer what an influencer is, right? Because... Oh, good. Thank you, 51. We go from 50 to 51. I cannot. Go ahead, D-Hype. Okay. That's a really good question. Super, super good question because... I was just in a meeting with um, Pasaka Blockchain where they're like, okay, Doug, we want to bring you on and do this stuff and blah, blah, blah. But like, like, what exactly are you good at? What are your strengths? What do you do? And I'm thinking about this stuff just for me because I usually try to answer questions on experiences. And like my main thing that I like to do is bring people together, either whether you're a new person in this bit or you are um, an influencer yourself or a project leader or whatever it is. And the people that like um, I work with closely the most, I think are kind of similar in that aspect. And um and so, and I've talked a lot about this today with people, what an influencer is. To me, the old school term of an influencer is somebody that has experience, somebody has like some success or something, like maybe a mentor that people can learn from, right? A good example of this is my buddy, Peter Hurley, who is a very prominent photographer, right? He's thought of as the world's top photographer. And I did a, um, an event with him in NFT New York where I went to a company. I was like, hey, let's bring him in and do headshots for women so they can have these amazing, beautiful headshots, right? And the thing is, it was him. He's very famous because he started like 12, 13 years ago by being kind of famous on the internet also because he was like already pretty prominent in New York. He was on Good Morning America, all these TV shows. He wrote a bunch of books. There was a lot of hype around him because of his excitement. He does. He coined the term shebang and schmize and all this stuff, right? He's a lot of fun. He's kind of a personality also, but he's also like really, really good at what he does. He's also um, a world champion sailor. In fact, right now he's in, um, I think it's uh, Spain, competing in the European Sailing Championships, and he's in first class for his division, and I think in like third overall for any age group, right, at 52 years old. So someone like obviously an influencer because they combine all these different things together, and he's like one of my heroes, and now we're like really good friends, and it's so cool. So those are the kind of people that I look to to be like, hey, they give a lot of value. He spends a ton of time on Zoom and, and Instagram really helping people get better at what they do, watching them, all these things together, right? So I think that's like my term, what I my favorite version of an influencer is. There's a lot of different flavors, but I think that's what the old school term of an influencer is. And now because people need it, it's so useful that 
it's uh, turned into lots of different things. And some people might not value influencers that are certain types and everything. So, um, you know, there might be fun about it or whatever, like just on the stage that Jeremy guy was talking and he's talking about being an influencer and hype and everything, but he's only really, he's only really had his own project. He's, I don't think he's ever been an influencer for somebody else, which is a different thing too also, right? So like people in the past have been influencers, but they're just like, this is just my brand of who I am. Now they're getting paid or asked to um, particular brands and stuff in a very obvious way. So um, what's wrong with that? Feeling, and there's nothing wrong with that. We're like, right, we're just feeling all this stuff out and things are happening. And that's the thing too, is like, I do all the things. I do all those things. I'm hired to write people to do things. I'm brought on, on board to do things with people, to advise on things. Um, and for me, I, I personally really like to do things where I fit my personality fits really well, kind of like I managed before. And I think because you are basically like a voice for what you're talking about. So you should be like a little bit informed in a certain way. But your job, I think, really is to be able to speak well, be able to connect people well, like uh, have some elements of journalism there, too. We also talked about how like most people are just uh, most influencers are just editorial now. They take information from a company or whatever they're they're like shilling or whatever they're speaking about, and they just kind of just give it to people, and they're just like uh, bulletin board. They're not actually a journalist, right? So they were complaining to me like like you know influencers should be more of a journalist and actually learn and 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 have their own opinions yeah. about stuff. So I think those are all really cool things to keep in mind. And you know um, maybe not to judge people all, or anything, but just like there's a lot of different qualities you can have. We can all learn and get better at. So those are things that are super interesting to me. And um, I see it legit has his hand up. And and so like coming back from a background of filmmaking and advertising and stuff, I just think there's a lot of cool things that we can throw in there as to be a quote unquote influencer. I try not to even use that term for myself because I want to be more descriptive and I want to be able to have more value in what I'm seeing when I say like what I am and who, what I do, right? Like I want to be able to have like my personal style and what I do. And, you know and what's a lot of it interesting? Could be First of all, thank you for sharing that. Second, in another space, I do need to break down and we will go over the differences between journalistic, editorial, and informational. Third, I've heard a really cool term and people call it, I've heard in a recent space, someone called it an impact practitioner. I'm like, huh, I could roll with that because it doesn't have a negative connotation like the word influencer, but it sounds good for now. I do want hands. Um, while I also wanted to welcome up here, um, the Web3 attorney, a.k.a. Elizabeth, what's good? Um, you know, the reason why I first asked this question today, okay, so the SEC announced charges against Kim K for promoting a crypto security offered by Ethereum Max without disclosing the payment she received for the promotion. So Kim K agreed to settle the charges. She paid 1.26 to agree to pay 1.26 million and cooperate with the investigation. Now, Take that example. Let's scale it down a little bit to how that can be compared to someone that we know, might know, or anyone in these Twitter spaces. You get what I'm saying? And by the way, just because an attorney's in here, nothing um, that we share in here is legal or financial advice. Where is my pin tweet? It is right here. We are here to talk about our experiences, opinions, and thoughts. So if you seek any of this professional advice, please find a licensed practitioner, whether in the legal field or accounting, finance, and do your own research. Thank you. Um, so I do want to say hello to you, Elizabeth. Hello, hello. How's everyone doing? Been here down there just listening for a while now. And it's just been like super interesting listening to everyone's opinions. It's it's a big topic to break down, right? Like, where do you draw the line? Um, 
influencer you just sharing you know part of your brand so yeah here to talk with you guys about it super excited to go on on this conversation yeah like thank you leslie love ya <laughs> i want to you know i kind of wanted to just get nitty-gritty for a second so like if if in order of operations i get sent an nft if someone gifts that gifts that to me okay whether or not I have Mark, whether or not I have 10,000 followers and none of that. Let's say I, I was just a regular account with like 1,500 followers. They gift me an NFT and then I tweet it out. Be like, oh, my gosh, this is so cool. Is, isn't that the same thing as what Kim K was doing just at a smaller s- scale? I don't think so. And I, I think we have a pretty good argument um, saying it's not. Just because somebody gifts you, like, let's let's take out the NFT. Let's say, like, your mom gifted you, like, a car, like a Mercedes or something, and you just flex it online. Oh, I love this car. Like, that doesn't make the car a security. But what, or... if, well, what if Lexus gives me a car and says, Mary Beth, like, here's a car? You know what I mean? Oh, like... yeah, that's different, right? Because they're giving you that. That's basically a, a, a type of payment. For you to make that um, advertisement or that publication, um, let's let's see the the car brand you know sees you as a trust trustworthy uh, person, a person that's very respected in the community. Um, that that will be more grayish the line because yeah, there's been a some sort of payment or reward for you to make this post. Um, for the SEC, it'll be a little different because obviously they focus on securities. Um, and that's why they were able to go towards Kim Kardashian. Let's say Tom Brady when they did their um, their advertisements for the actual change, right? So there's different there's lines where the powers of the SEC can reach. Um, it doesn't matter. It doesn't mean other entities can't maybe pursue some sort of action. But when we're talking about the SEC, that wouldn't apply because they just focus on the um, securities, right? So that's why we're seeing it with Kim Kardashian because she didn't follow the rules. She she did say it was an ad, but she didn't say, you know, I'm getting paid this amount of money to post this out here. Why don't, why that do we have sense. to disclose that? It's a rule when it comes it's to securities. Rule. That's that's just the law. That's that's a rule when you're touting and you're um, sharing some sort of security um, in some sort of ad fashion. You have to disclose that you're being paid and how much you're being paid. Thank you. And the case, I want to put it out there, too. Like this case could have maybe made it a little bit more clear. Like, let's say we were the attorneys of of. Kim Kardashian, right? We could have argued that, you know, she did put the hashtag ad on it, right? And argue her way out of out of it that way. But honestly, I don't think it would have been that successful because the law is pretty clear that you have to disclose the amount you're being paid for that um, announcement. So could mm. you even could you even argue that because the blockchain is a public, uh, you know, is public that you know, you didn't have to disclose that, that it was already available. But the- you, come on now, Chris Jenner would have been like, hey, we're getting paid in fiat. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I feel like the the attorney would have had a, a, 
a better case if it was like in the blockchain and they could have been like, well, everybody knows Kim Kardashian's like wallet address and they could have seen that this amount of money came directly from whoever sent her the money on behalf of Ethereum Max. So yeah, that could be an amazing argument to have and push those boundaries and create some precedent when it comes to, you know, the crypto space um, in terms of securities. But we don't have that. And I doubt <laughs> they had it in the blockchain. Pretty sure they paid in fiat. I'm not sure. If anybody knows, let me know. But yeah, that, that would have been a great argument to have. It's just not there. And they didn't even feel the, I believe, the security to argue it. That's why they ended up settling it. So they didn't even push the boundary. Thank you. So Mary, Mary Beth. Yes. I'm, and Mary Beth, yeah. I'm kind of familiar with the rule because, you know, I come from finance stocks and things like that. And I've seen people get, like, companies get flagged for uh, promotion, stock promotion, right? So it kind of be the same thing because they're not disclosing the amounts that are being paid to. So I've kind of, I've seen it, right? And mm -hmm. it was just odd to me or shocking to me because, you know, crypto space, we're in the crypto space. So it was kind of like a jolt to the system because you, you really don't think those things could, could happen. And, you know, just like where, where would you disclose it at too? So that's another question. Are you disclosing it on your page? Is it okay if you disclose it on your website? So where is it okay for you to dis disclose these things? Do you need to disclose it on your social media? So you need to display the clearest way would be to have it in the same, let's say on the post, have it somewhere, even if it's a hashtag, just have it there, right? That would be like the clean cut version, like you're saved, they can't say you didn't post it. Obviously, it all depends. So you can maybe just have it on your website, wherever you have the, let's say you have a link to your website that, you know, you have some sort of announcement there too. And there you have it disclosed. That's some sort of you know, disclosure and your attorney could argue on your behalf that, yeah, you did disclose it just because it's not on that specific post. That post led to the website where people could have seen it um, and be aware of it. So that's giving your attorney some ammunition to protect you. Uh, but if you just want to go the clearest, you know, most clean ways, having it wherever you're making that advertisement um, and then they can't come against you. Um, but can we should just put it in a little link, like yeah. Scissors, you can have a like, link. Let's say tiny have, one. yeah, like have a link, and then the link leads you to the whole disclosure. Um, that would have been that would have been great. But you know, she's not the first one to get wrapped up in this. She's just the big fish that they've been looking for. Um, we saw this coming, and like I said, she's not the first one. Like Mayweather, DJ Khaled also had to pay like a bunch of fees um, for related issues. So she's not the first one. She's just been the one they've been able to take more money out of right now. Of course. Of course. I do want to go some hands. Thank you so much, Elizabeth. Um, I'm going to go with Sagoni and then legit, then e-money and I'll go from there. Sagoni, what's good? I haven't talked to you in like 20 hours, which is a very long time, by the way. That's a long time. It's, it's been like 32 <laughs> It's been 30, probably about 32 yeah. and a half hours. Yeah. Um, I just wanted to shed, I mean, on like the small, small verbiage note, what, what is an influencer? An influencer is someone who has sway over your industry's demographic, right? Your target demographic. And that could be the person that I'm looking at. <clears throat> if you look at my PFP, I'm looking at him right now. It's, it's myself. Uh, or it could be one of the many multitude of people in this space today. Um, I might be able to say, hey, I really love this project and not get hit with an SEC uh, fine because I have less than a thousand you know, followers and they don't really constitute me as an industry influencer. But uh, I can tell you in the last few months, in the conversations that I've had with people, I have seen um, spaces sway uh, 
I guess, subjects and, and communications and arguments in the favor of things that I, I was very proud to like have brought to the spaces. So because I'm because I'm coming up, does that mean that like I have sway over an entire industry? Absolutely not. I don't think so. Uh, but if in two or three years I have a million followers, you know, hopefully, and I start making uh, statements or assessments over projects and get some sort of um, monetization out of it, uh, I would absolutely be uh, expected to not only pay dues, pay my fees, pay my taxes, but um, I would I would be expected to present myself as if I am somebody who has words that hold value, and that if I make these these statements, that it could absolutely sway financial institutions. Uh, economic systems and you know socioeconomic views on on industries as a whole so what is an influencer that that's what i think an influencer is and that's my two cents thank you sagoni um who did i say after that legit or e i used to but that's legit Um, i just wanted to touch on what that previous conversation about you know kardashian and what elizabeth was saying you know i don't know how the the government requirements work in the United States, but here in Australia, it falls under the philanthropy legislation, um, and and there's a there's also an obligation on the company who are giving that um, reward item, whatever, under the endorsement section of legislation under the philanthropy laws, that they disclose what they've given away that they're claiming a tax benefit for. So when that goes forward, and they put their statement to the to the taxation department at the end of the financial year to say, you know, we gave a $150,000 vehicle to Kim Kardashian, the, gov- the tax department already know this. So if she doesn't declare that and she doesn't disclose that she's received it, they're already aware that she's got it anyway. So then it becomes a, you know, why did you hide this from us? What, what did you think you could get away aspect? And so I think, you know, it falls under, my main point is that anything you receive from a company uh, as a sponsorship falls under that endorsement category because you're given that so that you can endorse their product in in a public environment, which I don't know how it fits into the influencer thing because, as I said before, you know, there's so many people on social media that claim to be influencers, but, you know, are they really influencers? And, and that, again, what this whole topic's about, but... Um, I mean, I yeah, think uh, you are, just FYI. You've made an impact on me. You're an impact practitioner, Craig. Just and I think that's I, – I don't profess to be an influencer. I don't want to be an influencer. No, that's what I'm it, saying. It gets mm. – it gets you get that label whether or not you sign up for it. Do you get what I'm saying? Absolutely. So, I understand what you're saying, yeah. yeah. Can and, I and be here's an a quick thing. I just you are already. Because, you are. Yeah, because you. nobody likes it, and I just want to be the villain. Just put, to put my um, – my little horns on. That's I'll right. be the influencer that mm-hmm. nobody wants to be. What's the opposite of an influencer? Uh, 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 an out, an out influencer. <laughs> I, like <laughs> I like that. I'm going to put that on my profile. An, the opposite of an a regulator. <laughs> <laughs> I think the opposite of an influencer is a consumer. Manipulator. A, a minimizer. Okay, everyone pause really quick before I Sorry. go to Annie. I wanted to ask what you uh, was something about what Craig was saying. Um blah, 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 blah. Endorse oh, sponsorships. Yes. yes. Elizabeth, why can't the obligation fall on the company or does it fall on both in the US? So, I'm I'm not an accountant, but from 
the, let's say the company right out here, they can have it as a marketing expense, right? Similarly to what Legit is saying. So they do have to disclose those things if they're trying to write it off on their taxes or, you know, they have to report it. The thing, like, why does it fall on the influencer, right, to, to um, disclose this? Is because they're the ones that are making the diligence to get people into that security, right? So they're sharing this so people could be aware of it and potentially invest in this. So it's a big responsibility on the influencer because that's people that the company maybe couldn't have reached on their own. And that's why they have this influencer to share their company, their tokens, whatever that may be. So they are the ones bringing these people in. That's why I believe the SEC is so hard on and having them disclose those things because these are the people that are getting um, their community um, their followers involved into that investment, if that makes sense. Yeah, I agree. And Mary, but just one thing well, on exactly what um, Elizabeth was saying there, it's a tax offset. So me as the company, I'm in Australia, this is how it works. I'm claiming a 40 deduction on every donation sponsorship I make over $10,000. So the government are giving me a 40% rebate. They've got to offset that tax expenditure by charging the influencer the taxable amount on what they've received out of their own pocket to offset that expense so it's not coming out of the government's pocket, if you know what I mean? Yeah, and now here that will be more of like the IRS issues, like that will be their problem to deal with that, like that's the IRS. And then the SEC is just more focused on protecting the consumer um, and just holding these people accountable if stuff just go completely wrong and everybody loses their homes and everything just for following some you know, ad from an influencer that didn't even disclose it was an ad, right? So that that's the purpose. And then just to remind everyone, thank you so much for being in this space. It's called Influence Me, Kim K. Just saying. Um, we're talking about influencers, compensation, stuff like that. And um, nothing in here is financial or legal or legal advice. So check out the pinned tweet up top for clarification. E-money. E-money. I'll come back to you. Wait, I'm here, oh, I'm here. There you are. Sorry. Okay. I was having trouble with the mute button. Uh, so I actually wanted to point something out um, while we're on this topic. You know, I don't think that I, I think that the reason that those regulations are there, uh, like, oh, shoot, I don't know who just said that. But the reason that those regulations are there are to protect consumers. Right. Because when you're an influencer, your opinion has so much sway that people will blindly listen to you or they will give you a lot more credibility than maybe they shut certain subjects just because it's you. Um, and I think that those regulations needing to be there is uh, a sad but necessary state of the way things are. However, I do think that there is something to be said of having more transparency. And I think that, you know, I, I might be on the outside here, but I think that encouraging more transparency, especially when it comes to things like securities, like ethically, I think that it's absolutely critical if you're going to be encouraging people to spend their money um, on anything that they might consider to be an investment uh, to disclose whether or not you're being paid to say that or whether you're saying that yourself. I, I think that our opinions and the way that, or sorry, I think that influencers opinions and the way that they handle um talking to people about stuff if they're being to 
discuss a certain thing, it's important to put that information out there much because, you know, it's just a, I think a matter of transparency that we should be pushing forward towards and not getting surprised about when regulation comes down on it. Thank you for that uh, spill. Or I'm sorry, hold on, hold on one time. Blue, I'm so sorry. Go ahead. <gasps> Hello, everyone. I really love this conversation. And then the fact that you have amazing co-hosts. And hi, Leslie. Hi, Stacky. Hello, Mary. How are you? Thank you, Wynn, for having this space. I mean, this is such a great conversation. My question is, well, okay, two pieces. What's an influencer? A baby can be an influencer if the baby makes you go to the store and buy something. Um, <laughs> honestly. For it's real. About, yeah. <laughs> like, for real. Like, do you know, like, there is a young child. He's six years old. And he makes more than half of the people in America just because of the endorsements and influence that he has with his cute little face. Because that other child comes to you and says, mommy, I want what he has. Okay, so like, yes. yeah, that's <laughs> that's influence. Like, if you can influence someone, then you can influence someone. Um, but <laughs> my question is like, like, all right, do you all think that hmm, if you use an agency to build your NFT project, shouldn't you have to disclose that? Because technically that opens you to bots and all types of, you know, um, security issues. So that's another question out there as well, since like, cause that's a part of like the game too. You know, there's some influencers that are authentic and then you have those who have uh, these alliances with these companies um, that really isn't what it seems to be. And just like we see some people that had like 200,000 followers and now they have 10. OK, so, <laughs> yeah, so that's all. But thank you for having this space. I really appreciate it. For sure. Is anyone able to address the first question regarding um Come again, Blue. Uh, the kid? No. Right? I think it comes back to the identifying the difference between an influencer and an affiliate marketer because there's a oh, clear that's difference. A great point. I actually a- met, I met with an affiliate marketing um, company and I was actually wondering that same thing. Um, I was like, they were pitching me this, um, their technology, you know, about getting money back for every, you know, purchase made, but I need to know, do disclosures need to be made about that? Yeah, I think they do because oh, yeah. any, any way that you, yes. yeah, any way you derive an income, um, you have a tax liability. So whether you're an affiliate marketer, whether you're an influencer, whether you're a, an athlete who's getting endorsement, you know, whether you're a celebrity getting an endorsement, whatever that be, they all come with a legal taxable requirement you know and and that's regulated by you know in australia it's the australian tax office and the um uh we have a thing here called the a triple c which is your sec um and and it's all regulated so you know you can't not disclose it because the company's providing that information on your behalf to the taxation department to say, you know, we gave, you know, Mary Beth Salas a $50,000 vehicle. So that carries a, you know, a 12% taxable um, value, valuation. Um, 
and he and we're getting back a forty percent benefit because of that. So that tax offset I was talking about before becomes that legal liability. So okay, so anyone is able to sign up for this affiliate marketing program. Anyone, okay, just absolutely as long as it's approved. It doesn't matter how many followers, whatever. So does that mean that every person who signs up needs to disclose that? in some way, shape, or form, whether it's in their profile or a website. So am I correct in that, Elizabeth, anyone? Absolutely. And I think Money Mum can answer that because she's an affiliate marketer, yeah. I was going to say, go ahead, Elizabeth. I was going to say yes. It doesn't mean the SEC is going to come after you. Like like they said, this is going to be affiliate marketing, not a promotion of securities so i just want to draw the line there like it's different things but yeah that's why you see when people do blogs and they're you know talking about these amazing products they have to disclose like somewhere even if it's in like little little letters is gonna say you know some sort of disclosure saying that it's an affiliate um are they getting some sort of rewards from it so or they get like let's say um a percent from those sales something's gonna be there to disclose they're affiliated that way Thank you for that, uh, Money Mom. I was, uh, and it it depends on the company, like how much um, how much you have to disclose. So, like um, Amazon, like it's they're very particular about it. Like you can't even send your affiliate links to like family members and like people who are close. Like somehow they know like the addresses, and you won't get credit for it. So, like it has to be organic uh, kind of marketing from a blog. Or from, you know, um, like Instagram influencers, stuff like that. Like, so it has to be like really authentic and they usually know. Um, Or it has to be disclosed. Like you'll see that on a lot of blogs where they'll say like an ad or it will be a a link. And and this is kind of where personal responsibility comes in too. Because I know like Google, like there's Google email marketing where you can like their affiliate links and like you can... You can tell when you click on the link, but a lot of people won't. Like, so when you have like that social stuff pop up and there's like, oh, here's a Groupon receipt or here's like a deal, like a percentage off on, you know, um, I don't know, Postmates or something like that. Like a lot of those are affiliate like email marketing and you like the disclosure is sometimes in small print. Sometimes you have to just tell from the link or whatever, like because the link will redirect you to like an affiliate page versus like the website and sometimes that's enough you know like so it'll be a link from a blog like to the affiliate page and that they feel like that's disclosure enough um with kim k i kind of feel like it was a little bit unfair because even though people were like oh she had ad in there but it was like jumbled up in the rest of the hashtags like that's generally like when you look at instagram like a lot of them like some of them will have them like very blankly in the description that it's an ad because that's usually what their um, program or partnership is looking for but sometimes like when you're paid especially from like crypto and stuff because it's kind of new they probably will be like okay we'll partnership with you and then you have to you know send a send a mail blast out or you know post about it you have to put that it's an ad somewhere in there and so they aren't very specific and I feel like that was like part she got in trouble so not only was she like an influencer with influence of a lot of people but people tend not to read so they're like oh Kim Kardashian told us about this and you know whatever and they didn't see that it was an ad and so then it seems like oh, okay she's being very vague with it like she's not 
disclosing that when she absolutely did. So it's it's really tricky. Um, always reason conditions. Um, usually affiliate programs for everything are kind of open to the public. Like there's not really a lot of restrictions. So like um, I'm affiliate for like Amazon, for Ledger Wallet, for a bunch of things like actually. And, and even my son, like I have uh, Instagram for my son and I'm starting a blog for him, like where we'll have Amazon affiliate stuff like for our arts and craft projects, for the toys he plays with, because we use Amazon quite a, a, a lot. And I think it's worth, you know, at least getting some percentage of the money that you're spending back. And especially if you're going to be sharing it online to a bunch of people, you might as well because um, you. You and I call I, it's more like referral marketing to me because it's like if I'm using it and you ask me, it's just like, or I, you got Mary Beth, I like that jacket you got on in your profile picture. Like, where'd you get it from? And then you tell me, like, right, you got it from Zara, and you know, then you you send me the link and you're like, well, this is my my Zara shop and this is my style shop or whatever. Like, it, it really comes in handy, especially when you're like in the public eye. So I really like affiliate marketing and I'm willing to answer any questions if anybody has any. Thank you for that rundown money, mom. Um, I, w- I do want to go to more hands. So I'm going to do cats, then spill, then double ape and then geek. So cats, what's good? Hello. Um, I'm going to give, I guess, two points of opinions. Um, number one, um, I take the whole influencer category from two awesome books that I've read. Um, one is called Power and Influence by Robert Dylan Schneider. And then another one called um, The Prince by Nicolai Machiavelli. And sadly, there's a very thin line between being an influencer and a manipulator. And nowadays in social media, most influencers is basically people that have made their popularity through blogs. Doesn't matter what platform it is. And because they are in public eye, sadly, things like the things that happened with Kim Kardashian is going to happen to other influencers just because they're in public's eyes, because they're the ECS targets. I guess, sadly, just because they're popular um, and, you know, whoever is the company or brand that they're, like, trying to um, influence for, didn't do their due diligence in properly onboarding them in Web3. Because there's a lot of words and scenarios in the business world, you know, especially in the 1% that you could do things as donations and, you know, LLCs, 301Bs and things like that to, you know, do what you have to do in a way that you don't need to pay things legally. And the same thing goes for Web3. Like, that's the beauty of Web3. And I think that the mentality of Web2 still being in the shadow of Web3 um, like amazes me a little bit because, yeah, I, I'm for regulating things, especially for bad actors out there. But, you know, in my opinion, Web3 and crypto is, you know, it's for anon, anonymity. It's, it's to better people. Like, why does the government need to take even things that is not meant for malicious things? So that's my opinion on that situation. Hi, cats. Can I, can I be frank, especially when it comes to... um you know, marketing stuff like that. And we talk about web two and web three. Like we're literally on Twitter. We gotta remember that. The social um, you know, marketing, affiliate marketing and all that existed before we even started uttering um uh, the term web three. 
So we also have to remember that all of those same games that were played in Web 2 are going to be played in Web 3, you know, because it's, it's just a, a iteration, right? You know, we are just um, upgrade, a little upgrade, right? But it's still here. Web 2 is still here. So all the marketing and, and things like that is just not going to disappear. And, you know, what I think we should do is just be realis- realistic, you know, be realistic that we're being you're being marketed to. So it, it's so funny because I had a whole space about how you're being marketed to and you don't even know it. Like I had people come up here, not this space, but a space I was doing about, uh, you know, marketing. And, and they were like, yeah, I love you, Stacky. Like you are my friend. And the, I'm like, you're being marketed to. <laughs> oh, but you're so kind. And it, you're being marketed to, you know, <laughs> like people hate, hey, what I'm being honest, you know, just because I'm nice and kind, I'm still it an influence to you I influence you in some kind of way so that doesn't necessarily am I uh, evil for it you know maybe not (laughs) maybe I am I don't know no she makes a really good point though right um I did want to what's up Sammy speaking of what's going on bunch of queens on the stage what's going on that's right we're just having a really good combo a good combo Um, before I forget yes Bill did we talk about contests? I'm gonna. My brain is like ADHD. I've been holding my hand. Did we talk about contests, like Who winning was, things? I was gonna do cats and then spill. So good thing it's your turn. Yes, go ahead. Oh yeah, I only spoke because it was my turn, and I said hi to Sammy. Sorry, um, but did we talk about contests? Nope. Mm-mm. So that's what I'm saying. So let's talk about that then, right? <laughs> like. Um, so as far as like, you know, things, which Elizabeth, hey, what's up? I wanted to say hi to you like forever, but I didn't want to interrupt anybody. Um, when somebody offers or like you enter into a contest and you win something like hypothetically uh, crypto or an NFT or something like that, like what's the rules regarding that? Don't we just call that a giveaway and we claim a giveaway? Yeah, that's the line between a giveaway and a lottery, right? So that's why people have to be careful whether they follow along the law regarding to lotteries, right? And those regulations or whether it's just like, you know, you're just giving something away as part of a marketing, you know, technique or something like that. But if your whole NFT project is based on a lottery base, then yeah, you have to worry about some legal aspects to it. Uh, but yeah, that's just like a little distinction there because it could be a giveaway but some people kind of stretch it out and it's like, nah, you're kind of going into the lottery, you know, area that you have to be careful with. Yeah. And I'm, I'm sorry, buddy. I think it also comes down to the circumstances around the giveaway. You know, if it's a regular regulated giveaway where you've applied to the lotteries commission or to the lottery department for an official license, there are so many other legal obligations on both parties, the recipient and the, and the providers, um, you know, taxable, um, requirements um in terms of who declares what and and you know what that tax amount is but if it's just a plain giveaway you know if sammy was giving away an nft and you won it there's no legal obligation there because he doesn't hold hold a a license with the sec for a lottery do you know what i mean right one good thing about that oh sorry (laughs) sorry to interrupt you um one good thing about that when you're doing um just a simple giveaway like that 
you might even be able to claim it as a marketing expense, right? So if you talk to your accountant, that's just part of your brand. That's just part of your business. Like whatever that NFT cost or was worth at that time, you can literally write it off your taxes as a marketing expense. That's something I learned from the amazing <laughs> accountant squeeze. And, um, but but yeah, that's, that's one other thing that you might want to think about when you're doing a giveaway. Like keep records of all of that because you might be able to write it off later on. Thank you for that clarification. I do want to go to hands. We have so many people requesting. This is great. Um, I do want to go to Double Ape. And I just want to say that Double Ape is influencing me right now about whether or not I should get an ape because Double Ape has two apes. Just FYI. What up, Double Ape? <laughs> hey, what up? What up, Mary? Um, great conversation. Thanks for having me up. Um, I did have a point, but I'm glad you brought up the reward. Um, part because there's a lot of that going around in the NFT world with like even like whitelist rewarding and there's even like staking for reward so I think there's a lot more to look into there and like I was thinking about doing it for my NFT project as well I got a lot of feedback and pushback but seems like it's pretty much like you said and I, I actually couldn't hear legit talking so I don't know what they said but um um, yeah, I thought that was a great point. So thanks for bringing that up. Um, but the thing I did want to touch on, like, I, I hear a lot of this, like, influence, influencers have to, like, always disclose everything. And just reminded me, like, um, like, so. Where'd you go, double A? Radio. Oh, can you hear me? Did I rug? You're rugging Hello? a little bit. Oh, can you hear me now? Yeah. Hello? Can you repeat the last, like. The last sentence? Well, he can't hear me. Okay. Can, yeah, I can Double hear you. rug. Double rug. Hello, hello. Yeah, repeat that last sentence. Oh, okay. Oh, come back. Talking about... Can you hear me? Am I good? Yes. Okay. Um, okay, so I was talking about, like, influencers that have to disclose. It's an ad, basically, right? And we all know it doesn't happen 100 times. Um and we know that Kim Kardashian has done this before, but now it's a security, right? So that's that's the biggest problem. Um, but when I when I was when I was hearing everyone talk, like, it's just like, do we always see like on TV, for example, you're watching TV and you get an ad? Like, does it say this is an ad, or like, do we just know that it's ad time, right? Like, or like a magazine, I'm flipping through magazine, there's ads all over it. Doesn't like have a big thing that says this is disclosed as an ad from the magazine. Or, you know, like becoming so down on like, you know, the little, not little, but, you know, us little guys on, you know, on uh, the digital side, like we have to like explain that it's an ad. I, I understand that it's, I, I agree with it, but like at the same time, if you're not doing any harm, right, it's not that bad. And I remember like the Instagram days where they were doing like the tea, remember the fit tea or whatever, Um like they didn't disclose all that stuff, right? <laughs> Everybody's buying the tea, thinking they're gonna get fit or whatever. And you know, it, it, it's advertising, just like Amazon, just like all these other companies are advertising all the time. They're not disclosing to us every little thing they're advertising. We kind of know it's an advertisement, right? At some point. Who are my PR people in here, by the way? Yes. Like product placement. Do you know what I mean? Like just like I actually spent years going to fashion showrooms pulling clothes to put those on certain people before they went to events or when they went to the club, because I knew they were going to be shot by the paparazzi. Right. And yes. so like 
that's placement. And then you were like, when you were talking about um, the Kardashians, I was like, their entire show is product placement, right? Like every single thing that you see in there is paid for to be like on camera, whether it's the cookies in those jars or the boat company that they use, like everything is product placement. So I'm like, okay, well, I, is that different? Do you get what I'm saying? I think yeah, it's, it's different. Full- it's different i'm gonna tell you why that is different okay so when you're when you're influencing and you're talking about a token or something where like the monetary value of it can go up like you know uh, it's different than a product placement right so you see product placements like in commercials and i was gonna also add that like youtube and um, netflix like when when their ads come on they have ads and the reason why youtube has it is because usually if you're monetizing your youtube you get paid for those ads that are playing like you get some type of percentage like of like ads that are playing um in between your youtube videos so they will have ad on there like and you have to on youtube you have to be very specific like when you are um presenting like affiliate deals or your partnership or anything like that and a lot of people would just have the like watermark on the video or they'll have it in the description in the description or in the title, but it's different from um, like a crypto, right? Like it's, it's different but influencing crypto. What about the crypto. crypto review? You know how like people do like, oh, this is a review on this NFT project. Okay. Most of those are paid for. Yeah, they all fall well, under different there's categories. Usually, they usually disclose, well, they should be disclosing that as well. Like, and that's going to be a problem like in the future if they're not like, because People and 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 it also depends on how by like how unbiased they are. Like if it's like pros and cons, and then like telling you know something else about it. But usually when people are like partner or they're uh, marketing for a company, like I've seen like for instance building your your business credit, and people will refer like a business card or something like that, or like some type of you know credit card. They will have it in their description that they're an affiliate for it, and here's their affiliate link. Like or you know these these are the links mentioned in the video so like i i don't know like about crypto like so much like because i haven't seen like too too many people doing ads for that but i would say like they should be disclosing it and they all fall well, under different on, categories on. Barry, i agree but... with you that the product is different right so it's a it, it may be like a regular regulated security or whatever but i think the first principle of what mary was saying i think is the same right like if because actors are influencers right athletes are influencers so if they're if they're running around with a gatorade in their hand right or they're doing they do press conferences and they have the gatorade there the coca-cola there right that's um do, they, shouldn't they have to say okay i this was paid for by just me talking in this conference or me no, walking that, by, they're paying the, the network for that but they yeah, do but it's still an ad it's just because it's product placement that's still an advertisement well so if, they I, do. So if I had my board ape if i have my like like snoop is wearing his board ape in a music video, right? That's like product placement for NFT. Does he need to say disclosure? This is an ad, or or so or so product placement isn't like advertising that we need to disclose. How is that not advertising? When, when, you're influencing some, me to buy this thing because I'm when something can go to zero, I think that's the difference. Like if I if you tell me like okay, I got this you board ape, and, or you're advertising the board ape as a celebrity, and then I go buy the board ape and it goes to zero, and I say you influenced me to buy that, like and you're getting paid for it. I think that's where, and I'm not a lawyer, but Elizabeth is, and so like that's no, the no, difference no, no. too. Like so when you're so for instance, like if you're doing an ad for Charmin, like Charmin is gonna be what 
whatever whatever retail price it is and like Charmin isn't going to go up in value like you're not going to lose your life savings because of Charmin okay, so but, that's kind but, of a okay, difference what, too what about like CNBC and Jim Cramer right he's he's interviewing the Charmin CEO um, about what they're doing right so he's influencing me to, to think well, that's that Charmin is going to do well that's yeah, but it's still, it's still influencing me, right? Because it's Jim Cramer. He's an influential True. person. I'm watching it. He's not going to say, oh, this isn't paid advertisement from Charmin CEO. He's going to say, no, I'm just interviewing him, right? So how is that different? I guess what I'm saying. There's run news. I want to so, give this to Elizabeth. Yeah, but it's still an influence. It's still an influence just because it's on Instagram. But that's not their fault that it's influencing you. Wait, it's not the Instagram person's fault either. That's what I'm saying. 100%. Yeah. Elizabeth, I, I want to cut to Elizabeth. Yeah, I think we're just getting, like, real fired up on this, and a lot of stuff is very gray. That's why we're now trying to regulate what is a security and what is not a security in the Web3 space because of this same reason. Like, right now, the Ethereum Max, for example, it could have been argued that it was not a security, right? Like, any other crypto, they're trying to fight that it's not a security, let's say XRP, Right. They're in court right now trying to figure out figure out if it's a security or not. If it's found to be a security and they come back and see all these influencers talking about XRP, guess what? The same thing as Kim Kardashian happened is going to happen to them. When you're talking about NFTs, right now we got Juga Labs in the middle of the SEC's eyes because they're trying to figure out whether or not Juga Labs is creating securities, whether through their NFTs or their ApeCoin, right? So this is a lot of stuff that is very grayish. And that we won't know the answers until all this stuff goes through court, gets settled, whatever that might be. So my my counsel to any client is just do whatever you can to cover your ass. Because the power of the SEC is that they can be retroactive and go back five years and see what you did five years ago and hold you accountable for that five years back, right? Even though there was no law for it back then, even though it was not clear back then, you're still going to be hold, held accountable for that. So we can argue all day about this, but at the end of the day, you got to cover your ass because the SEC is not going to care whether you think it's a security or not. They're just going to come for you. So just do yeah, play just... the rules, do what they say. <laughs> hold on, then... hold on. Let me think. Uh, sorry, finish. Please finish, Elizabeth. No, yeah, that that's pretty much it. Like right now, the, what we could do is help our something isn't security or not. Like right now, we get Google Apps fighting that fight. That's probably going to set the precedent for what NFTs are in terms of securities or not. So that's stuff that we got to put our voice out there and argue one way or the other because that's what's going to be impacting our lives on a daily from now on. So we're, we're creating our future. So right now, all we can do is get our voices heard and hopefully have it turn our way at some point. But until then, you got to take care of yourself, take care of your, you know, um, your image, your money, and try not to get in the middle of all that in terms of having to pay a million dollar fine to the SEC because you just thought it was not appropriate or needed for you to disclose the amount you were paid for an ad. So that's my two cents. <laughs> Amen. Thank you. And before I go to Craig and then uh, Geek is Life, and then so on. I do want to welcome everyone um, to coming to One Spaces. 
right now. It's more in the final, you know, hour or so. But um, thank you, everyone, for coming. Thank you so much for Elizabeth for being here, giving not financial or legal advice, but just giving her own personal insight. And um, we have many, many requests, many hands. And so I do want to um, make a round amongst all the hands. And Sammy, just really quickly, what are your thoughts on all of this? Honestly, I just love to sing. <laughs> Of course, you know? and I'm that's what I'm good at. I feel like you know, I've, Leave been, it. Blessed, I've been blessed with an awesome opportunity in the Web3 space, and you know, being in these spaces, I do learn a lot, and it's really helpful to know these things because I want to make sure that doing music and like you know, diving in deeper in this space, I want to make sure I'm doing everything right. You know, I wouldn't want my my uh, just irresponsibility of like not those little intricate things to then hurt my name as an artist, a music artist, you know, 100%. And, like, and take away time that I could have been, you know, creating great music, you know, than yeah. being, than being in jail. I <laughs> uh, love that. Right. And by and the way, we the, have SEC, teams. the SEC won't get you in jail. It will only be the IRS or the DOJ. So they only yeah. have civil powers just for everybody just to know. Now, that is life advice for anyone who's listening. Um, I do want to go to Craig and then Geek is Life. Craig. Yeah, firstly, I just want to say, you know, for anybody who, you know, what Sammy was just saying, you know, he's the perfect example of, you know, a success story in this space, you know, how he's utilizing his community to to get where he needs to be and, and to be a success. So kudos to you, Sammy. But I just wanted to touch on the the fact that we always have to be mindful of when it comes to a, you know, that, that taxation and, and marketing perspective is advertising carries different legislative requirements to sponsorship and they carry different legislative requirements to um, endorsements and they carry different legislative requirements to affiliate marketing. So, you know, no matter what aspect we talk about here in terms of, you know, influencers receiving money and rewards and benefits and, and product. Um, each thing that they're doing, whether it's, you know, advertising like product placement or whether it's, you know, the the uh, endorsing a product, you know, they all carry a different range of requirements and, and legislative responsibility. So um, there's no right or wrong answer here in terms of, you know, what, what they should be declaring and what they shouldn't be declaring. But when it comes to athletes, you know, athletes have it written into their sporting contract with the, you know, with the Minnesota Twins or the New York Yankees. There you go, Mary Beth, I had to throw that in there. Um, but um, they have it written into their requirements, you know, what their responsibilities are in terms of endorsing sponsors that that sponsor the, the organization. So we always have to be mindful that it's not always in the hands and the control of the athlete either. You know, some of that taxation liability is carried by the New York Yankees organization in return for the work that they do. So there's so many aspects to marketing and, and you know, I could go on forever, as you know, when it comes to marketing. But um, I just wanted to throw that there that we need to be mindful of all of those different aspects. I love that. And the attorney answer to all that is always, it depends. So get a good attorney and you can argue either way, honestly. <laughs> thank you for that. And thank you, Craig. Geek is life. What's good? Hey, Mary. Thanks for having me, everybody. Um, you know that weird dude, purposeful economist that follows you, Dr. Malcolm Adams? Uh, we don't really call people weird around, but what what's what's up with your what's up 
it's it's me. I'm the same guy. So <laughs> that makes him weird, by the way. Uh, yeah, um, uh, I, I cannot. <laughs> I appreciate you defending me, though. Of course. But, um, this is my uh, brand. You know, I'm, I'm totally novice in the NFT space. Um, you know, I just got my wallet connected, but on the other one where we shared the blue check, I have had to work with securities attorneys um and, and different things in the past just you know dealing with policy and blah 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 and one thing i've noticed is the lack of disclosure when dealing with a product security or not security and uh one of the the, the rules that i noticed that a lot of people got in trouble for is not disclosing that like how uh, Elizabeth said, this is not legal advice. You know what I mean? Like they won't, and 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 they kind of they leave. It's like when we were talking about that gray area. There's too much wiggle room for someone to believe that they're promised a profit or return of any kind when they see a, spe- a specific like entity or face or identity or whatever. When you're talking about um, influencers, marketers, whatever it may be. Um, and that's something that I've noticed that, you know, I've seen it throughout the gaming industry, you know, dealing with sports cards, whatever, like they, uh, I forget who it was. It might've been upper deck back in the day. They got bought out, but it was like, they had that something would be included, but they didn't say that it wouldn't be in every pack. You know, there wasn't like an odds thing, like the lottery, even though that's kind of what you're doing when you buy a box like a hobby box of cards you're gambling so i think it's kind of that thing when you're dealing with securities where people need to be or just products that could like have a return of any kind on value even in real estate like it's the same thing across the board is you know that that no guarantee needs to be um mentioned like yeah you want people to have confidence in your product and things like that but you have to really be careful when it comes to um you know, promising a return of any kind or, or or conveying that there may be. And that's where I'm noticing like a lot of people like uh, Kawhi Leonard. Love this kid. He was very careful about taking something off the table during a press conference because he was like, ah, not on my contract. You can hear him mumble that when he took this bottle off the table and put it on the floor. So it's um it's just one of those things like we have to be mindful in like just those aspects of you know being a business as a person or or a brand because a lot of us I'm pretty sure have been out of the workforce for a long time and we really can't just fall right back into it so it's like we work for our names now you know so just just be mindful um when you're doing advertisements marketing or whatever it may be that if you're not co-branding, you you know, that's clear. If you're not promising a return of any kind, you know, make sure no guarantee that disclosure is somewhere in there. And um, like Elizabeth said, you know, which I'm going to go ahead and take this as legal advice, cover your ass. <laughs> yep. Yeah, that's the only piece of legal advice I give out here to everyone. Just be careful, cover your ass and talk to your attorney because... I love what you said, um, Geek is Life, because 
not legal advantage that just goes so far like you can say 10 times like this is not legal advice and then the whole space is about you promoting a token like that's not gonna cover you just like kim kardashian put a hashtag of not financial advice and guess what she's paying more than a million now to the sec so that's not really gonna cover you um if your actions um indicate otherwise right yeah no thank you for that and thank you so much geekazai for contributing I do want to roll to pause one second. Don't let me lose it. Um, I'm going to go to Priscilla, then 1010, then blue. You guys just roll with me as I get to all the hands. May have gotten out of order, but just roll with me. Hey, Priscilla. Hi. Thank you for letting me come up and speak. I just, uh, I always love your spaces. They're super high quality, valuable spaces. Every time I see you in the space, I'm like, all right, I'm hopping in there. See what she's talking about today. So right, thank you. Yeah, yeah, very good spaces. Um, so I just had a quick question. Um, you know our project. So we're just trying to figure out if there's just at least a one-pager somewhere that has all the basics for SEC guidance. If anybody can answer that. If, I mean, I probably could Google oh, wait, it, but just was wondering. reframe the question again? Is there a, like a one-pager or a resource online where, um, you know, all the basics for SEC guidance are available? Ooh, does anyone have any guidance for that? Where can one a one pager? I don't know about you, but if you go to their website, um, there's some summary um, articles or summary links where you can read about the basics um, in terms of what is the security, what is the Howey test, um, how could whatever um, security or business could fall into the Howey test. So actually their website is pretty informative and has a lot of good information and also broken down. So if you just take some time to look around at their articles um, and their sites, um, that would be like a great head start for you. Just go to their direct website, sec.gov, I think it is. SEC. Okay. Of Sorry, sorry. Um, is there any, like, do you know if there's any like basic Web3 guidance available somewhere? Or that would be cool if they actually had that on their website. I don't know. What yeah, is right so convenient? Very convenient. <laughs> they're figuring it out. They don't even know themselves. So that's why you see all this litigation. They're trying to, they're trying to figure it out and try to fit Web3 into laws from 1940-something. So um, that's why we have so many issues. <laughs> okay. You know, I was just wondering if maybe somebody kind of like just gathered or you know, gather all the information and put it somewhere um, for Web3 people. But okay, yeah. no, we'll definitely start digging Just around. Look online. up, look up, look up the Howie test and okay. maybe do a search of how it applies to Web3 or NFT projects. There's a lot of info out there about that and how your project could or could not apply. Um, just going based off the law that we have in place since nothing has changed yet um, specific to Web3, you can just be guided by what, by what we have so far. I was going to say, look up okay, threads cool. too. So if you search on Twitter, if you search uh, NFT, SEC, like in actually the Twitter search bar, there might be threads about it. It might be people talking about like things that they've gone through. It might be people talking about the Board Ape Yacht Club situation, um, Kim K. So you can kind of get some insight on it and you might get someone who actually knows what they're talking about. Like, um, that, you know, like a, a long, but long form thread um, that will help you. Okay, cool. Yeah, we'll start uh, doing our searches. I just thought I'd ask if anybody already had kind of the shortcut, but no worries. Thank you, guys.
Of course, we're all looking for those shortcuts. So, but we're so happy you asked. Thank you, Priscilla. Um, ten ten, then blue. Ten ten. Hi, Mary Beth. First, yeah. I need to say I am really surprised that when uh, the gentleman earlier called you Mary, you didn't go. Well, um, as you know, I got to pick and choose my battles to keep it moving. I was about to do it for you, but I'm like, I don't want to step on your toes. But um, I wanted to actually bring back the conversation just for a second for the Kim K, right? Uh, when, when, when she first promoted that coin, right? I don't believe that that coin in itself was considered by the SEC as security, no uh, they had not declared it to be a security. There was no legal action taken against that coin or that exchange that had promoted it. Um, so could she have fought it and argued it in court based on the lack of clarity? Sure. I do believe that she was targeted because it was an easy target because she was trying to go through the bar and it was something that, like you just said, you got to pick and choose your battles and it's not something that she it would be advised for her to do as far as fight the SEC on these grounds, considering that she's trying to get through the board. Um, so in my opinion, I do believe that that's the reason that she was selected for them to actually go after her. Um, the other thing is in regards to the regulation, like we're not going to get any like clarity in regards to what the SEC is saying is because they are mainly ruling by by enforcement. So it's like, we'll sue you now, we'll talk later, instead of actually saying these are the actual guidelines that you need to abide by. Um, and, and that's the way that I've, I've seen it work in, in many, many cases, except for Ethereum and Bitcoin that, that they got the, you know, the free pass back when, <laughs> um, you know, the, 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 the whole announcement was made. Um, so my question was, unless I am wrong, can anybody clarify if at, at the time where Kim K made that announcement of the hashtag ad, because she did put hashtag ad, she just didn't disclose how much she got paid, was the token considered a security or was it still up for debate? Because at that point, it's like, how, how would somebody know if we have not been given clear guidance on the actual specifications of certain tokens or assets that we are promoting or talking about. Elizabeth? Yeah, um, I think, I'm not sure whether it was or it was not declared security, but what I'm going to say is um, what I mentioned earlier that it doesn't matter if it was or it wasn't because the SEC has powers where they could go back years and held you accountable to happen before after regulation is made, let's say, today. So that's why I'm, like, really, really um, saying, like, cover yourself because something that today you might not think that will fall with it, um, within their gu guidelines, like some litigation come up next year and then it's, you know, found that it is a security, they could come back to you. And obviously they're probably not going to come against you or me, but they're going to come against a big influencer, the person that has – tons of money, tons of followers to make an example out of them um, and obviously get some money. So, um, yeah, so I think the most important thing is that they have that power to go back. So regardless if it was or was not a security, they have the power now to hold her accountable for it. Interesting. Does that address what you were asking, uh, Tan Tan? I'm definitely going to look it up, though, because I, 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 I kind of want to know now whether it was or was not. Based on, on my just... recollection, it was. Oh, it wasn't. 
project in turn. On the lack of clarity, and it's like, how can you say that we are 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 in doing this in a malicious manner when you haven't even we didn't even know that we couldn't even do this? Um, so. It's yeah, like, that's we need more people. We need more people like the XRP, like now Juga, that are giving them their fur fight to figure these things out. Because um, obviously, if they sue me, they sue you. We probably can't be years on battling with them. Oh, on track. 1,000%. 1,010%. Like a lot of the fights that they've picked have been with smaller companies that have not yeah. had the recourses. And therefore, that's why they have had to settle, uh, you know, way ahead of time. And a lot of those. Uh, yep. old- Smaller companies have had to close down because the SEC said, no, you consider security, you have to settle. And then they were forced to pay that fine. And, and because of it, they were forced to close. When they started picking up fights with the bigger people, for example, the library case, uh, X, uh, Ripple, which, you know, uh, transacts with XRP because those are two different things. Again, and I say this because the XRP and XRP Ledger were created to Ripple being even formed. Therefore, Ripple cannot be the parent company of XRP, especially not just because XRP is the actual ledger, but XRP is not an entity. Therefore, uh, Ripple cannot be the parent company of XRP because XRP, the XRP or XRPL are not an entity in itself. It's, you know, a, it's an open ledger. It's open source to everybody and everybody has access to it. Um, so once they started picking fights with people that and companies that could and had the funds available to fight, they're now being forced to, you know, try to backtrack. And they've been going, like I call them, like they've been like fishes because they've been flip-flopping on, on their states. For example, with the Hinman emails. The Hinman was, that was his personal opinion. Oh, no, it wasn't his personal opinion. That was the, uh, the opinion of his sector of the SEC. But at the same time, it was his personal opinion. Like, it, which one is it? Is it one or is it the other? Because it cannot be both. Like you cannot be the client of your own firm. Like, you, like at the same time, while you're ruling on that because of the conflict of interest. Like, there's just so many things that have been brought up to light, which, like, as inconvenient and as it has been for the case, it has brought a lot of things to light that we would not have found out otherwise. So, even though it has brought a lot of hurt and a lot of pain to the pockets of early adopters of this. Uh, of this technology, like we at the bare minimum have gotten a little bit more transparency from a government agency that is set to put uh, like consumers at the forefront of who they're supposed to be protecting instead of lining their own pockets. And we're seeing that they have not been transacting in that manner. Can I just ask a quick question as a flow on from that, Mary Beth yeah. to Elizabeth? Yeah. Um, wouldn't this fall under the personal legal requirement of you to declare your own personal income you know it's not about who is whether the company's responsible or whether somebody else is responsible but you as an individual have a legal obligation to the sec or the taxation department here in australia whatever it is to declare all income that you derive so would it fall under that category so it does fall on the on the individual's own personal responsibility to declare what they have received uh, but I did. I wanted to ask that question, but I do have to run to another uh, Twitter space that I have committed to. Uh, I'm 20 minutes late for that now, but I just wanted to shout out, you know, you, Mary Beth, uh, all of the speakers. This has been amazing, and you know, 
I love you all. I will listen to your response too, Elizabeth, before I go. But if I do duck out, you know why. But, you know, Sammy, I love you guys. Mary Beth, everybody in the room, um, appreciate every single one of you and what you're contributing to the Web3 space. You guys are freaking amazing. Go ahead, Elizabeth. Thank you, brother. Thank you. Thank you so much. I, I, I say like really quick so there's two different distinctions so there's the you know tax um, responsibility where they do have to disclose and that will be towards the entity of the IRS and then there's the other responsibility when it comes to disclosing in terms of protecting the consumer where there they have to respond to the SEC so they have two entities that they're responsible for basically complying with um, but yeah they're both equally as important they just have to comply with both Thank you, Elizabeth. Um, I hope that answered your question, Craig. I am going to go to Blue and then CEO Trab, who's been patiently waiting, and then eMoney. What's up, Blue? So, Elizabeth, this whole conversation has sparked my brain. And so, one, when you have an NDA and you do an agreement with someone and in it, it says, you know, you don't disclose amount that is given to you. I don't know. Why are you laughing, Elizabeth? That's that's just straight out illegal. Like you just ignore that yeah. part, and you know how you know how contracts usually have like a separate. I can't even pronounce it, but like a like a a, a a I mean a part that says basically if any part in this contract is illegal or unenforceable, the rest of the contract should stay in place except for that one um, term or condition, whatever that may be. That's where that clause comes in, in this types of NDAs, contracts, whatever that may be. Because also, depending on the jurisdiction, it might be, it might not be legal. So um, when it comes here to the U.S., to things that pertain to the SEC, it's going to straight up ignore that part. And like I said, you got to cover yourself. I'm yeah. out there now. Um, <laughs> but yeah, <laughs> just cover your ass and forget about that. And if they want to take some sort of um, battle with you on that, they have everything to lose because they can't. They can't force you to do that. And then what do you think about donations, right, in the crypto space? And it's not taxable, um, even if I'm not a nonprofit, as long as I'm using it for, like, charity or whatever. Like, I'm building something up. I'm giving, like, $100,000 to Mary Beth to improve the space or whatever. Um, and I'll then thank you. <laughs> as a loyal. We all want 100K. <laughs> as a loyal supporter you get airdrops um am i in trouble i mean you gotta spend a little bit more on that like what's the donation for are you giving that 100k to mary beth from your entity from your personal account um, we're, we're to go and save you know right we're somewhere. <laughs> so if i pull at your heartstrings and you feel connected to whatever mission or you know, whatever the heck I'm talking about. I'm talking about going to go buy wine and everybody feels impressed to go buy wine. Um, and they want to give me donations so I could buy everybody a bottle of wine in this space right now. Um, and then they just happen to get airdropped for their loyalty, their NFTs. So who's getting airdropped the NFT, the person that donated or whoever you're giving the wine to? The donator. The donators, you're giving them a reward for donating. So I'm going to give you one example because this is like very, very, very gray, very, very new. And I'm like, 
really like the heiress have no idea how to handle stuff with donations and nonprofits. And the reason I know that is because I had people look into it and talk to agents in the IRS regarding this. Like right now I have a project that's based on donations um, for hurricane relief in Puerto Rico. And obviously I looked deep into this and I was like, okay, what are the tax implications? What are the legal implications? There's not much out there for you to be guided by. So the best you can do right now is document everything. Um, obviously not use it as some sort of investment, right? Like for example, I'm gonna give my, my, my project as an example. So people get NFTs, like a drawing from a kid for donating, right? So they, they buy an NFT, that money goes straight as a donation. But as a thank you, I wanted to make it an NFT so people could keep an NFT. Um, instead of them just sending $5, they buy the NFT for $5 and they have that NFT for them to remember, you know, they help the kids and all of that. So what I'm doing to basically cover my ass and the entity's ass, <laughs> because I have a nonprofit um, behind it where the funds are going to go to, I have everything very, do very well documented. The money goes straight to the accounts that has to go to, um, if there's, um, for that example, you can have like a notarized statement, who's this wallet from, from what's that money going to be used for, you know, it's not your personal gain um, for you to claiming your taxes or have to pay on your taxes. There's a lot that goes into it. And depending on the project, you might have to do different things. But I think for everyone's peace of mind, it's just transparency and keeping track of everything. So whenever somebody wants to look back and see and try to you know do something to you because of that great initiative you had you're like nope you can't mess with me because it's all in the blockchain i have all these statements i have all these receipts where that money went to what it was used for like i was not investing i was not creating any sort of fraud um everything is very clear and transparent so i think for everyone that's the key right now because there's really no guidance right now um I had them, for example, I had the nonprofit make their own exchange account because I didn't want to, I could have got that money and switched it to dollars on my own account and I wouldn't be taxed for it really because Coinbase really don't report that and I wouldn't be held accountable for it. And I could have had a statement notarized saying, you know, that was not my income, that was money that went straight to the nonprofit. But just to avoid all that, I had it all sent directly to them. So there's a lot of stuff you can do. Um, but the most important thing, just keep track of everything, keep receipts. So that way you have that proof to back you up whenever you need it, if you need it. <laughs> Thank you for that. And I hope that helped, Lou. Absolutely. Absolutely. I love this face. <laughs> yes. Please always come back. I want to talk more about it. Like, let me know. <laughs> I'm working through that right now. Because we absolutely will talk. <laughs> yeah. And we're going to get Mary Beth the 100 grand. So That's she right. Can do whatever Let's she needs to do. Send it to Mary. Let her go buy wine. <laughs> Well, I all. don't drink, but I'm happy to uh, gift some people in this space some wine. Right, Beth, so. you don't drink. I don't drink either. That's crazy. Send yeah, orange juice. Not either. Send <laughs> the orange juice. That's right. That's right. I do want to go to CEO Trav. What's going on? Yo. Um, so I want to address what she said as far as um, transparency, because you can't really be transparent with the SEC at this point. Even the CEO of Library, who um, they went in and met with the SEC prior to um, filing their company and selling um, their product. Same thing with Ripple Labs. They were complying with everything that the SEC was saying. Um, it's actually completely ridiculous um, 
the whole the whole space right now actually because you have the SEC at one point they said William Hinman his 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 speech was a reflection of his own opinion and then they said that it wasn't his opinion then they said at one point that it wasn't even him on camera so there's there's a huge yeah. gray, there's a huge gray space right now they're 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 maliciously attacking companies and it's really to the point where you have to be very very diligent like she said in your record keeping um but also non-cooperative because who's to say that they won't just attack you after the fact anyways yeah and i'll give you that certainty right and that's why um like blue talked about in terms of just donating that should not involve any sort of fraud and security for the sec to get involved if anyone gets involved in that topic would be the irs and that's why i said keep those receipts keep those um um, information, all that track record, because that will help you with the IRS when you have to talk about money, right? And and owing taxes or anything like that. When it comes to the SEC and all these companies, like you can go um, whether the route that you want to disclose everything and then still be held accountable somehow with whatever they come up with, because right now they're trying to figure that out. And that's why it's such a mess in the space right now. Um, so that's really a risk you're taking. Or do you wait to the point where they come after you and then you still end up disclosing it in court. So I think you should still have all that. It's just a matter of whether you want to disclose it before, after, during, you know, any sort of issue. But the fact is you're going to need it um, for some, at, at some point you're going to use it. It's going to help you. Because yeah. you're going to show the judge, right? So they can say they can bully you all they want. But once you go to court, it's like, it's the judge's call, right? Like, if they see you've been a good faith actor, you've been a reasonable person, and you've done s stuff how you're supposed to do, like, that's what's happening now. Like, a lot of motions from Ripple have been denied. Like, a lot of stuff been disclosed and not disclosed because it's the judge's call, not whatever they want to bully the other party to do or disclose, so. Well, and for example, today, there was amicus briefs accepted from two companies. Um, uh, I remit and I forget the other one, something jet, um, something jet, but uh, they're allowing them to be added to the case. Uh, today, the judge allowed their briefs to be added to the case that are stating that um, Ripple is a currency. XRP is a currency because these two companies are using them specifically for payments. Go ahead, Project. I know you want to say something about that. Thank you. Thank you. So, at least in my opinion, again, as I stated earlier today, I am not a legal advisor. I did not study law. I like the only thing that I've done is like dive my head straight into the books and then gone into the legal filings and actually done hours upon hours upon hours of research and due diligence on my own um, and i could be completely wrong in what i'm saying at the same time in my opinion okay um one of the things that you like founders because it, it a lot of this has to do with the founders is setting the correct expectations to the consumers one of them is not calling them inve investors is a hot word for the sec because it involves regulations it involves you giving shares or equity of your company so they're not investors they're consumers they're community members whatever, whatever it is that you want to call them just not investors they're not investing in the company itself secondly 
when you're providing value, it shouldn't be, hey, if you buy this, you're going to make passive income. No, at that point, you're promising some type of financial return. Again, qualifies for the SEC under the Howey test based on you and your team's efforts. And third, like when you're talking about like the utility or functionality of an asset as far as an NFT and what it's able to provide, it can go anywhere between access, like in my case, for example, access to gyms, or it could go to access to be able to have a, a on a quarterly basis a meeting with a a lawyer have on retainer and that would be pretty much like it's an access token or it can go to merchandise as far as redeemable but when you try to position it as an investment uh source then at that point it becomes an investment contract and it's it's legally binding by the sec to come after you so if you try to you can try to position yourself the best way possible to not make it seem as a financial tool and rather that utility based and we've seen it happen with ripple because ripple did position themselves to be utility based to be able to facilitate cross-border payments they still get they the sec still went after them right but you have to try to dot your i's and cross your t's in every single part of the process and give the consumers that expectation that hey this is not a quick, uh, 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 you know, get quick rich uh, scheme. This is not be able to invest your money and make profit. This is for you to be able to utilize and have functionality on a day to day basis on however you want to be able to to use it. If you decide to sell it later on, you might sell it at a loss. You might sell it at a gain, but that is on your perspective. And if you're able to time the market. That is not based on our efforts. So you have to just make sure that you give clear clarity to the consumers, to the end user on what the purpose of your NFT or your token, if it's a fungible token, is. Yeah, I think you, you touched like a very, very important aspect and that, that comes from the last element of the Howey test, right? So that's like the effort of others. So you might be saying... Um, your project is not, you know, an investment, you're doing all these great things, but then the effort is showing otherwise, like your actions are showing otherwise, that's really where they get their argument from, right? That's the only um, element where they can come and it's like gray and they can make their argument that, okay, it is an investment, it's not. But if all if the circumstances that that NFT goes up or down are like totally external to um, the entity or the company itself like let's say you mentioned the nft with the gyms right um let's say you have access to let's talk about the hurricane in florida right so you have access to all these gyms in florida where hurricane ian just came by and wiped out all the gyms and now you can't really use it It has no value because you can't go to the gym okay so that nft value dropped it's not because you know the project the community made it some sort of investment and then everybody lost their money like an act of God happened, right? There was a hurricane and that's why it can be used. It has nothing to do with your efforts to make it an investment or not. So yeah, that's that's mainly the one that they try to argue one way or the other is the fourth element when it comes to the effort of others. And just to, because to, I, I know that he was trying to figure out the name of that other company. It's called Tap Jets, which is pretty much, an, it's like Uber, but for like jets and flying. Uh, so when you try to remit payments, especially over the weekend, we all know that banks are closed. They really don't function the way that it should um, because they close on Friday. They don't open back again until Monday. And 
utilizing XRP as a form of payment allows them to still be able to transact and be able to pay to be able to perform that flight, right? So Tabjets was the other uh, company that were accepted by the court to be able to to be uh, in, as the amicus brief. Thank you, 1010. Uh, I did want to go to Purposeful. Hello, Purposeful, under your normal PFP. Hello again. And uh, one more time, thank you for uh, having my back and your defense of me from me. Of course. Uh, that, that, was, that was pretty solid. Yeah, um, again, like, really at this, we're just becoming circular and piggybacking. Like I was trying to say on the, uh, or like I was uh, attempting to convey prior, it, this just really, just like any other, um, you know, legalese, seems to come down to language, and understanding that ignorance is no excuse, um, at at any level of the, you know, as far as the law is concerned, whether it be federal civil municipal whatever so um just if i can offer any wisdom to anyone here it would be to like bone up on legalese like so that you understand what the sec means by this or that what a cftc means by this or that or that you, you know so that you you know to omit certain things and even your agreements um, with you know your partners, whether it be your operating agreement for your LLC or whatever it might be, just like make sure you're very careful with the language that you're using, so that you can abate the hazard of having to pay fines or even do you know jail time where you'd be otherwise innocent. So um, yeah, that, that's I just wanted to pop back in and offer that. And also, I've uh, been following some of y'all. That connected with me on my other profile. I just want to let y'all know, like, this is my main. And uh, yeah, keep up the great work. Thank you. This is uh, Geek Life or not Geek Life. So, just for anyone who did want to connect with Purposeful uh, Economist, I saw another hand up, but I did want to go to Freaky Skulls. Hi, 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 hi. Good evening, good afternoon, wherever you are. Hi, everyone. I just wanted to pay the respect and love to Winspa and Mary and Sam. I have been there and for a while and I went because I was dragging. So I just only, uh, wanted to say uh, to my lovely sister, Blue, hi, 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 sister. And all these beautiful people, they have been making actually beautiful uh, speech and very respectful opinion. So my question actually, I couldn't actually add anything more than this beautiful thing is, and it's much appreciated, guys. But uh, actually, I would like actually, I had a little bit problem, and I would like actually to find a solution. I keep asking many people, and I don't actually find any smart one more than all of you guys. So do you mind if I make these questions, my lady? Mm, what's the question? Yeah, okay. We can't yeah. specific question no 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 it, yeah, no 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 it's no it's not about project fix no no it's about uh, okay. how, how i can um, build a good community uh, where is based in uh, in sharing a beautiful topic like this for example i have been running my space for almost last 5 months all the people they get to know by sharing my space and like this but how i can one day maybe one day to get a beautiful topic to discuss 
with a bunch of beautiful, smart people exist. Just only not about chilling, not about art, just only general talk and very healthy so we can learn many things like as much as I have been learning today. Is that good? Thank you. I have a question for Marybeth. Well, <laughs> she got us all together here today, all 24 hours. So <laughs> that's Marybeth all the way. <laughs> I will say, um, you know, definitely pick something, topics that you're actually genuinely interested in, right? I'm a very curious person, full of so many questions in a notebook or two. Um, I tend to make spaces around that. Um, you know, I spend a lot of time listening in other spaces. A lot of time. Start. Who is that? Uh, I spend a lot of time listening in spaces as well. Um, and that might really help. My friend down here, Tim Brown, has uh, really good spaces on Saturday mornings um, in the U.S. time. Uh, what is that? 11, 11 a.m. Eastern. Um, where a lot of people get together, kind of share on how they present or talk or ask questions. It's called confident speaking, but it's not just about that, about like public speaking. It's about how to ask questions and how to do active listening and things like that. So um, Tim Brown down there is a great resource as well um, to just meet other people. And a lot of projects go in there as well. Include with Leslie Mora, just, just, just yes. to let you Yes, and who's sitting on stage as well. Um, co-hosted by Leslie Moda. So definitely two people to follow, um, you know, where you can actually learn how to actively engage with people you want to get with. So I hope that helps Freaky Skulls. Oh, that's helped really a lot, really. Thank you so much. And uh, also another uh, humble question is uh, how I can be engaged with um, a big, beautiful people like you, so the, maybe we can share some thought or we'll learn, in, for example, MySpace. Like, what do you think if I could have you as a special guest, we, you can educate us something from this beautiful subject and we can always learn from you. Why don't I, I, have been seeing, I have been seeing you very genuine. You have been telling so beautiful things and uh, about you and uh, this Sam and when this, like, like all these beautiful people. I mean, are you just only exclusive for your own guys or do you like to also do something for the NFT community in general? With all respect, I'm so sorry. Of course. Um, a lot of us share spaces. We attend each other's spaces. Um, some of us upon uh, availability due to schedules, we are available to, you know, contribute, share, sometimes co-host, sometimes just speak or even just listen in. But definitely um, go ahead and go to my profile. There is a message icon up there it looks like an envelope but you can shoot me a dm with more questions i'm more than happy to answer them thank you so much for being general thank you so much mary right mary, mary Beth. Beth, right mary Beth. Mary, Beth. Mary, Beth. mary Beth. forgive me for my language i'm so sorry it's okay okay, it's okay. thank you so thank you thank you my dear of course thank you sister thank you my dear thank you much love much appreciated thank you so much likewise cheers project 1010 and just to anybody that is interested in actually like being in this type of spaces, go to Mary Beth, Leslie Moore, uh, Tim Brown, go go to their pages and make sure that you turn on notifications just because when you turn on notifications, there is going to be an option that says for live, that's going to be for any time that they are live on the Twitter space. Thank you for that. I can always rely on you, Tenzin, for the extra, um, the extra love. And I really appreciate that. I also wanted to welcome... Um, 
Blue or Kendall King, I believe. I wanted to welcome you up to the stage as well. Um, and thank you for being so patient. If you have any questions or insight, we'd love to hear you share, Kendall. Thank you. Um, yes, I, I just uh, um, hopped in. Um, my name is Kendall King. I'm a CPA. Um, and I just heard a lot about certain things. Um, I, I specifically you know, work with uh, Web3 and influencers um, and media entertainment as well. Um, and so it's, it's like interesting seeing this specific space where like everything kind of aligns. That's kind of funny to me. Um, but uh, I loved everything that was said. I did want to um, just like add my little two cents um, specifically about the whole gifting and donating. Um, uh, as an influencer, um, I have clients that all, yeah, obviously get a lot of different um, you know, things given to them for doing certain projects. Um, and then as, you know, several of my clients that are lunch pads, they give away, um, a lot of different stuff, um, NFTs and gift, um, and, um, and crypto and everything. Um, and I think I want to just state that technically in the instance of, if you're an influencer and you're getting, you know, the, um, getting something, um, there's a difference between donating to a charity and gifting to a person. Um, and while the end all effect of the person who's receiving it, technically in both of those situations, there is no tax. Um, but even in gifting, there's technically a gift tax on that. Um, and so while the person receiving that, um, that uh, crypto or that NFT um, wouldn't fall, on, fall in that, the person who's gifting it does have some tax event um, that they need to consider if they're not giving to a, a qualified charity. Um, and so I think that's, that's a huge thing to just consider um, when it comes to, you know, donating um, and you're thinking that you're donating um, and that it's a write-off and that you can do that, but it's, it's, it's not open to anybody. Uh, you would have to for sure uh, make sure that, that that charity is qualified that you can actually you use that as a deduction as a charitable expense. Um, a charitable when you say qualified, if I may really quickly yep. clarify, um, when you say qualified, are you specifically saying, for example, uh, officially five hundred one c three tax exempt organization? Is that what you're saying by qualified? C correct. Yes. Okay. Um, just be because there are in certain, you can be a, a charity, you can be a um, an actual nonprofit company, but if you don't have 501c3 status, the donations that are given to you, you know, the people can't necessarily just write that off as a, uh, as a charitable contribution. Um, and so I know a lot of people don't um, like, they, they, they don't miss, they don't understand that um, specific piece. Um, and and it's really the nonprofits, they should be, you know, explicitly stating that. Um, but uh, yeah, there is a difference. And so the 501c3 tax exempt status, that is the, a chair, a qualified charity that will give you that charitable deduction. So let me ask um, you this on top of that, um, pardon mm -hmm. me, um, because there has been a lot of, um, you know, buzz around this. So there are often many projects that launch and part of the roadmap is, hey, we're giving 10% to charity, to charity A, B, and C. And it is a 501c3 tax exempt organization. However, does that not mean that our, what, whatever, our contributions or our purchase of an NFT, that our funds 
our uh, write-offs, correct? Because it would be only applicable to the actual organization that is donating to those organizations. Is that correct? That is, um, I would say, you know, a, a CPA is always like, it depends. Um, but <laughs> I would say most times that you can think that yes, right? Because let's just let's just think about it, right? If, if I'm giving $100 to buy this NFT, um, and then, you know, the founders or the owners of the project are saying, hey, out of all the stuff that we raised, 10% of this is going to, you know, to this, you know, um, company. The, the actual interaction transaction is with that company and the charitable organization, right? So technically, yes, that you wouldn't, you're not in that transaction. You just paid for something and then they're using that money as a, as a write-off, um, and they have they have that on their financial statements. Now, um, I think this is a bit convoluted and maybe not many people are doing this, but if they wanted to pass that through, technically you would only be able to get that $10, $10 of the 100, um, you know, as a, as a write-off. And, but then the company themselves be able to recognize that because it's kind of like double dipping. Um, and so... I, yeah, I, I know a hundred like a hundred percent. None of none of those companies are doing that. They're just using that. You know, hey, we're going to donate to charity um, as a part of the um, the allure to you know to have to you know to sell out the project. Um, and you know, it is going to good you know to get use in this company and everything. But no, you don't actually have the um, you know the benefit on of the tax deduction at the end of the day. Thank you for clarifying that. Um, and I know I did, um, pardon me, I did kind of interject there to clarify. You're good. You're good. Hey, but if you wanted to continue originally. Oh, no, I feel like I was talking a lot anyway. So uh, <laughs> um, basically, I just wanted to just, just to outline the fact that, you know, getting and gifting are technically two, two different things in the eyes of the IRS. And then that um, even donating to a company um, you have to make sure that it's actually, you know, a qualified one to, to get the deduction. Okay. And to clarify about the gifting part. So if I were gifted, I'm just going to use a, 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 a 10 NFT. I don't know. Just mm -hmm. let's pretend it's a security or whatever. What mm -hmm. is my responsibility as a recipient? Uh, the same um, as you. So as far as, you know, when you receive it, um, there's no taxable um, event for you because it's a gift. However, there is a taxable event for the person that, that gave it. Um, and they are, you know, subject to what's called the gift tax. Um, now, you know, obviously there's a, it, there's illusions that can happen and it's a, you can talk a whole hour about the gift tax and everything, but essentially at that point, as far as the IRS is concerned, you know, you have that basis of whatever it is that they had it in and you move on from there. Um, when you sell it, you recognize any capital gain or any capital loss um, from it. But from you holding it, then now you're responsible um, when it comes to, you know, having that security as well uh, now that you own it. Awesome. The, yeah. Thank you. Before I go to Elizabeth, I just wanted to remind um, everyone that nothing here we discuss is financial or legal advice. Nothing. I know we have some legal people up here, some um, CPA tax friendly people up here. I am merely hypotheticals for them to provide their own insight to those hypotheticals. So if you need any of that kind of advice, please hire a licensed practitioner and do your own research. Elizabeth. 
Yeah, I just, he mentioned it briefly. I just wanted to talk a little bit about the gift tax inclusion. Um, I know there's like almost 20K, um, 16K a year, I believe, that you can have on that. So if you could like expand a little bit more about that. Yep. Um, so you have the, uh, every year, um, I forget what it is right now, but he is about 15, 16K right now. But you also have a lifetime exclusion as well um, that's in the millions. Um, and so, you know, you can always kind of chip away at that as well. Uh, so, for example, you know, if you give away um, $15,000 worth of uh, gifts in the current year, you can, you know, apply for that exclusion and it's under the 16K, so you're good moving on. But that 15K is considered you know, in your, you know, um, in this like lifetime exclusion that you have. And the, the, the thought process behind it is because, you know, a lot of rich people were um, kind of just gifting their money people um, as a way to escape taxes and say, hey, well, I'd rather give it to you um, instead of, you know, having to, to pay the, to, you know, taxes on it um, or having to, um, you know, um, like saving the other person taxes. Um, so it's like, hey, you know, I just gave this person a, a million dollars. They didn't earn it. They didn't like work for it. So it's not taxable. Right. Um, and so the IRS one day was just like, you know what? You're right. OK, fair, fair enough. But now we just going to charge you every time you give it to, to give it away to somebody. Um, and so it's different rules and different percentages. Um, but essentially, that's kind of what the, um, you know, the get tax was for. Awesome. Thank you so much for that. Blue. Yeah. This, like, I'm loving this conversation. I have to keep saying that over and over. But Kendall, okay, so here's the question. So, like, on the IRS website, under, um, like, tax consequences and things like that, that's listed out, um, where it says, like, the receipt or transfer of a digital asset for free and then also it's your airdrop is taxable if it's dropped to you. So does that now take you out of the gifting? Um, Cause like, how do you get out of that? If it's saying like, even though I get a free gift digitally dropped to me, or there's a receipt of transfer, I am still held liable for taxes. Is that not the case? Yeah. So that's, that's what, that's a good point. Um, and I make that to every person, um, around but essentially most times you know when you receive an airdrop or, or or something for a particular reason it's usually you know because you did something um you know that you joined this group or you you know you pushed you marketed a specific thing um and most times the companies that are giving out these um these airdrops are not doing it as a gift quote unquote right they're doing it because they're you know pushing some type of you know it's marketing it's um you know it's a a ploy a um come in you know um talk about this post this on your website or post this on your instagram feed on your on your twitter and, and to shout out somebody and tag these pages it's like you're doing something to generate that airdrop more times than not um, and so this is the IRS's kind of catch-all to just say, all right, well, anytime you get airdropped, anytime you get that, it is, um, you know, a taxable event. Now, you know, um, when you go to the, 
the if you're just giving it from me to you as a gift, that's a different thing. You know, right? I, you have a more of an argument that that is a gift because I actually know you. I actually have some type of intent to like, you know, give you a gift for a particular reason. But they're kind of classifying all of those things broadly across because it's not, you know, in the essence of what it actually is. Because it's not, you know, when you really think about it, it's not. It's not really a gift. It's some type of incentive to get you to do something that the company wants. Does that make sense? Yeah, can I just argue though? Like, if I'm sitting in a space and I'm really vibing, like, I really love Mary Beth's space. And so, like, I'm real passionate about getting her, you know, this donation to her just because I'm vibing with her. So, I can't make Is this still argument. a hypothetical? Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, she's tragic. She's tragic. Hey, listen. Anything's possible. It depends on what, you know, uh, offline uh, legal representation and, and tax representation says. So. Yeah, so all vibes, not, not financial advice, right? Um, you, the, the thing is, you have to make sure that you got that uh, on the you. Um, now, if you have, to, it's, all, it's, it's appearance and it's a, a fact, right? You know, looking, how does, how does it appear? And then what are the actual circumstances? Like, can you prove that this is actually a gift? It's like, you know what? Hey, I just want to give you this just because, you know, um, you know, I, I just feel like I feel like it versus I'm in this space. You have performed a service for me um, and I just want to give you more money, you know, just because of it. Right. That's essentially a tip. But tips are taxed. You know, so it's, it's kind of things that you got to think about right there is the actual um, the actual event that's that's being, you know, um, that's that's happening. The service that's happening, the product that's provided is is that the reason why you're providing this, you know, quote unquote gift? Um, that's the stuff that you need to consider because um, anything can be argued. Right. Anything can be taken to. And, and again, most nine times I'm, I'm not you know giving no statistics, but. You know, um, you know, you can file your taxes and it can be completely wrong. You can lie about it and everything and you could get away with it um, because they don't look at it specifically every time. But you run the risk of being audited um, and even being 100 percent right. You can still be audited um, and you still have to prove, you know, the burden is on you there to what you did was right. And so um, you would just need documentation and an understanding that, hey, you know what, this was a gift. And that's what I'm, um, and so that's just my overall kind of thought process on that. Um, again, not, not financial advice, just the vibe. So Elizabeth, I'm going to record all my Twitter spaces, right? And say, look, these are, these are my friends. We talk every day. Like, <laughs> yes. Yep, and we, we hypothetically send each other a hundred K. Hypothetically. Cause we feel like it. <laughs> that's right. You know what? I this has been amazing. First of all, Elizabeth, thank you for sticking around for this long. Um, you know, she didn't have to do this, so thank you so much for bringing your insight. And Kendall, it was such a pleasure and an honor having you up here. So glad um, you were able to make it to this space. I wanted to thank everyone for kicking it with us all day. Um, we're just about to wrap up eight hours of spaces. Go when space, go when mint team. Thank you to everyone who's come in and out. I want to give a big shout out to Sammy Ariaga, who's my wonderful co-host at the moment. And, um, you know, this has been a huge learning curve for me, right? Um, 
being able to ask questions, no matter how simple or difficult they are. I appreciate everyone's open minds and open ears and everything. And I just, I, I just wanted to give so much love. And I want to give so much love to Zorpheus, um, who is just joining us on the last minute of our space. What's up, Zorf? I was just going to say, Sammy, you got to sing us out of here, baby. Come, Dude, I'm down. Let's go. All right. This is sick. Um, before you do that really quick, I do want to go to Elizabeth. Yeah, I just want to say thank you so much for having me. This has been amazing. Been learning so much, vibing with y'all. Um, and looking forward to keep connecting with everyone here that I've met in this space. You're all so amazing and full of knowledge. One thing I'm going to leave you all with is document everything, whether that's tax-related, legally-related, stuff that might do remotely related to securities, like document everything. Remember, you got to cover yourself. <laughs> D-Y-A. It is the one piece of advice that Elizabeth D-Y-A. I'm trying to bring it down because they're going to be like, this attorney, all she's talking about is covering your ass. But, you know, that's the rule I live by. So <laughs> that's right. That's right. Well, I'm, I'm happy that you've been here and I'm, I'm filled with gratitude that you're here with us, Elizabeth. And 1010 uh, before we head out to Sammy. Thank you. I actually did have a follow-up to what uh, that that was just asked, and that is because... Killing me. You're killing me. No, I'm killing you, Smalls. I know. But what happened was... What happened was... So, I I actually started a, a an onboarding course, and part of that onboarding course, a fee is going to include turning some of that fee into a crypto that's going to be sent back to the... Uh, class participants to the wallet that we're going to help them create in order to be able to walk through purchasing their first NFT, or they can just take that crypto and, and, and step out of the class, right? So in that sense, they're being airdropped crypto to be able to actually finish the course. So how would that fall into that taxation? You'll have to tune in for the next episode, bro. It's been later. Mary needs a strong cup of coffee. That's right. Yeah. I promise. We yeah, will before, we, before, we, before we roll out, let me let me give Sammy a quick shout out here. So he just sold out his most recent collection, which is Pixelated. I think that's his second NFT drop. His first one was Metagirl. And what he's doing is he's writing, he's basically gradually building an album here around digital love and the whole idea that a lot of us, especially after COVID happened, we're all kind of interacting and connecting and bonding and I mean, forming real human bonds through these little digital devices we have. And so he started writing some songs about like falling in love with his girl in the metaverse and all this kind of stuff. And Sammy, I don't know if you want to sing Meta Girl or Pixelated, but man, sing us out of here, man. Very bad. I'm, I'm going to give you the, the request. Which one? Which song do you want to hear? Uh, you know what? I want to do Pixelated. Ooh. Okay. Zorf, we're changing it up. Let's do it. All right, here we go. Three, two, one, we leave in the universe. We ain't ever coming back down to the earth. We were in a video game that gives my last life. No one ever looking away from me on one design. Take a spin around the block, change fire up a new flame. Ooh, and take it to a new domain. Three, two, one, we leave 
straight down to the earth. There's no way that we can fake it, even if it's pics and legends. So out of touch the reality, that will never change what it do to me. I can feel the love I'm making, even if it's pics and legends. Baby, it's a picture in your face when the lights go out. Always put you on display when we're hanging around somewhere space is Ooh, let's make a name around the block, change fire up a new flame. Ooh, pull me into a brand new place, yeah. Three, two, one, we leave in the universe. We ain't ever coming back down to the earth. There's no way that we Fake it, even when it's pixelated. So out of touch the reality, but that will never change what it did to me. I can feel the love I'm making, even if it's pixelated. Yeah, 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 yeah. I can feel the love I'm making. Hey, thank you, thank you, thank you, Sammy. Oh, that is Sammy Ariaga, everybody. Please give him a follow. Give him some love. Throw him some claps. Throw him some, some hearts. So grateful to close this out. Um, to everyone who has been here, thank you so much. On behalf of One Spaces and the One Mint team, my name is Mary Beth Salas. Y'all have a blessed night. Cheers. Have a good night, everybody.